Hello and welcome. As as always and as ever, uh, we are the dudes here to discuss Dune. The arguably the greatest science fiction series of all time. Hmm. Some would say. Some would say. And arguably, we ourselves are some of the best dudes of all time. I actually would argue Mm. that that fact is inarguable. Yeah. I think we are some of the best dudes of all time. Yeah. Inarguably. But it could be argued... Some, I mean, there are other dudes, and they might argue, like, oh, I don't know about that. It could be argued, but I would argue that it's inarguable. Mm, That's a great great argument. That's really smart. Thank you. That's really cool. If you think about it, just say that. (laughs) If you think about it, you can argue anything. Yeah. You can can make anything into an argument. Totally. That's like people don't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. What's really funny is no matter what someone's argument is, like you could argue that mm-hmm. like your your opposition is inarguable. Exactly. Yeah. And, like you just That's, win. You just win. It's an easy it's an easy victory. I don't know why people don't do that more. I mean, if they were smart, they would. If I were a lawyer, yeah. At any time I have a case, they I'd walk into the room, they'd be like, "Oh, fuck. Not this guy. Not this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not this guy." As as soon as it starts, I would just I before anyone else could talk, I would say, "Your honor, my case is inarguable. That's it. Done. Case, case dismissed. Done. I'm so, like, I'm sorry, but like, he, what do you? I mean, how do you come back from that? What happens is he bangs the gavel. Yeah. Case dismissed. Case you guys dismissed. go home. Everyone go home. Once the gavel, this is this. People don't always know this. They think that maybe it's like you you can argue against the gavel, like. But once, if you say something's inarguable and the gavel goes down, that's. That's it. It's over. Once the gavel over. hits, once the gavel hits the little piece of wood, yeah, it's done. Yeah, there's, there's no more. I mean, even if you wanted to argue that that was inarguable, <laughs> yeah, that, that right. was wrong. It's over. At you that could, point. You, you couldn't. Yeah. At that point, that's that's when you can't argue yeah. any longer. Like most things in my life, it's over once I'm touching wood. Yes. Yeah. So. I mean, for for me, it's usually it's over when I'm touching cloth. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which, Whichever, whichever happens first. Which is what I was doing earlier today. Yeah, you were. And I, I did. I mean, I I blew up your toilet a little bit. Like I I didn't, I didn't. It 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 wasn't. It didn't back up. It didn't. Thank God. Yeah. Thank. Because that was that was in my head. Yeah. Um. For the audience at home. Yeah. We are we're we're live in the studio today. Yeah. Yep. This this is a a very special occasion, of course, uh, because of what we're discussing. But but even more special that we really get to discuss it. Uh, side by side, side by side together, as as Dune dudes mm-hmm. and as uh, you know brothers in arms. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So just last night, mm-hmm. Connor, you and I watched Dune. Yeah, we saw Dune, the movie, the movie. We saw it in theaters, in, in in IMAX, in the big IMAX theater. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was at the end of the hallway. We 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 see all these like regular theaters yeah, walking down. We're like, huh? Uh-huh. These are like the baby theaters. The baby theaters, exactly. It's like this is this is nothing. This doesn't look right. And we're like, where's our theater? <laughs> and then these we are the see ba- these are the baby theaters. That's exactly what what we were saying. Yeah. At the end of the hallway, you see a big wall. It's yeah. like. 
IMAX. Yeah, it's that's like kind of what it. That's yeah. what, that's what it says. That's what it. It feels yeah, like it says that. Yeah, and there's a big wide entrance. There's yeah. not. It's, it's not one puny door we, no, we walk through. No, it's a no. big entrance. You, it's like going through a portal. It's like a, it's it's almost you like kind a portal. Of, you cross the threshold. You, into you, yes, a, you do. Into another. You into do another world. You're you're you you're entering another realm. Yeah, is, sure. is what is is, is what sure. it is. This isn't just going into like. I don't. I don't know. Uh, a baby theater, not a baby it's just theater. Like a, like a oh, goo goo gaga. Oh, I'm gonna go see the baby movie. No. <laughs> this isn't. Nope. This is not that. Do you want that? I don't want that. No, not for Dune. No, not for Dune. Maybe for Paw Patrol the movie. Yeah, but not for Dune the movie. Yeah, not for not for Dune the movie. No. no. So we we got to go see it uh, in in the big. IMAX. It was very theater. much a big boy theater. It was. I felt. I felt like a big boy. I felt like a big boy as well. You know. It just the 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 the, the scale. Yeah. Of the theater of the movie itself and the screen. Right. It made you feel like a big boy. It did. It did. I sat down. I was like, "This is right." Yep. This is right. This yep. is where us, uh, the dudes of Dune, truly belong. Yeah. It was the end of a long road. A very long road. Yeah. To get here. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's miraculous that we got here in one piece. Yeah. Yeah. We just, uh, we just finished reading chapter house. We did. Of course. Um, literally the day before we went to go see Dune. Yep. Uh, which if you are, if you are keeping up to date, you've already heard us talk about that. Mm. So I won't belabor the point, but we we really did have it set up where these these pieces just fell into place, you know, and wow, what a crazy experience it was to to finish the original Dune saga and then go straight into seeing the movie. Like it really felt like this truly circular journey where we we put in all the work to get to the end, and like our reward in a way is to go back. And see like that reinterpretation of the beginning. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was definitely a trip to have have gone through all six books, and then suddenly we're back at the beginning. Yeah. Um, it, it it did feel full circle in a way. Yeah. Um, but before we get into the the brunt of the movie, right? What we thought about the movie. Mm-hmm. This is pre brunt. Pre brunt. I, I think it's it's important to kind of um, give the listeners. Just a rundown of how the night went, you know, yeah, of, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of leading up to to us stepping into that big boy theater. In fact, some of those listeners might even be included in this telling of the tale. They, poss- they, they could possibly be. Because possibly we... Be. <sighs> Connor, something... I, I think we did bring it up when it happened, but uh-huh. uh, something that we don't we don't often mention is there is official Dune Dudes merchandise. There is, there is. It exists. It's in in, in it's it's an extremely limited yeah edition yeah sweater. Extremely yeah, only two in existence. Only two in existence, and we we happen to be the the owners of yeah. of of both i was so i felt so fortunate when we won that auction i know day. could you imagine if anybody else if anybody got else those? got yeah i mean it's like whew, it would be embarrassing honestly really dodged the bullet there i know i mean if imagine if like we just got one and then like some some guy in like fucking florida got the other one that would have been it's that would have like, been what awful the fuck? What do you we would have had to beg beg him what to, do you do at that point? to i don't know to florida and 
you know. We maybe sue him. Yeah. <laughs> we, we go into the courtroom. Yes. Uh, Your Honor, it's an arguable. We are the Dune Dudes gavel. I think, I think that would. Right on the Honestly, gavel. I think that would work. Yeah. Uh, I think that would work. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, anyways, uh, for, for how our night actually went down. Um, so, we, we coordinate. We decide, let's put on the Dune Dudes sweaters, of course. We yeah. Gotta go, we got to go in uniform. Right? We do, of course. And uh, we get there. We're just about to go up to the ticket taker, uh, and and actually, they're, they're the guy who takes your tickets—that's the name. Sure. That's the new name of um, what they used to call the usher. Yeah, they used to call that that position at the theater the usher. Yeah, but because of its association with um, pop star singer Usher, Usher, they right. they changed the name of the position to ticket taker. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before uh, a pop star emerges going by the name of ticket taker yes they will have to i guess either at that point you change it again or maybe you just go back to usher like enough time you might go back to usher yeah i mean not gonna stay in the the cultural zeitgeist forever no i mean you could also just eliminate the position and and it could just be all computer operated yeah, right at that point it's you know the beginning of the butlerian jihad exactly yeah automated ticket taker yeah i think i mean i haven't read any of brian herbert's prequels yeah. but I, th- I feel like that might be it could be what happens in, could in the butler and jihad prequel i i could see it i could see it it all started with the ticket taker yes um so we're about we're about we're in line we're about to see the ticket taker and do you want let's just like give them a description of the sweater first oh well i mean you you can look at it uh on the official dune dudes Yes. Twitter account. We have the, the picture posted we are about to describe. Yeah. Uh, but it is a lovely shade of maroon um, in a, a crew neck sweater cut. On the front, we have the original Dune Dudes artwork, courtesy of my fabulous co-host, Connor Mack. Thank you. It's a... Some, some, uh, not me, some would say a crudely drawn picture of a sandworm. Um, and then just to make sure you know what it is due to what some, not me, would say is the crude nature of the drawing in parentheses ju- just underneath. It says a sandworm. Hilarious. I love it. And Thank on the, you. And on the back, it says Dune Dudes. Hell yeah. Simple, strong. It's a statement. It it, 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 it it has impact. Yep. Um so yeah, we are we're looking, you know, fresh as hell, ready to go see Dune, obviously. Um and there's a a large poster or image of uh like of like the Dune that that Dune promo poster with the blue background and everyone's like heads kind of floating there. And I would says, call it a poster. It Dune. Yeah. Yep. And I say, I turn to you. I say, should we ask someone to take a picture of us standing in front of that? Well, poster? you say first. First, we we look at it. You, you know, we see all their faces. You say, yeah. hey, we got Timothy. We got Zendaya. We got Rebecca. We got Oscar. We got Javier. We got we got uh, not Duncan. Jason. Jason Momoa. We have um, 
we have uh, Shannon. Shannon. Shannon Duncan Brewster, yes. right? Yes. I yep. Believe. Yep. Kinds, yeah. Um we have uh Brawlin. Brawlin. Yeah. Gurney. Yep. I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, the Baron. Um, the Baron. Oh, Skellen Skarsgård? Skarsgård. Yeah, Skarsgård. We got Skarsgård. That's what you said. Yeah. That's what you said. Yeah. We got all of our friends there. Yeah. And we're like, hey, we should, take a, we should take a selfie with all of our friends. Yeah. And so we, we did. We do. Right. We, we, did. we took we a selfie. We, 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 uh, you know, I've got long arms, so yeah. I... I was I volunteered abnormally long. Yes. By the way, yes. Above, they, are they, the ratio is like definitely like above average. It's above like average arm, arm and torso. Like, yes. Like, yeah. Like you, I like to think like when you spread your arms out, like it's you literally it's like a wingspan is the how I would describe it. It is. Yeah. Like when an albatross spreads its yeah. wings for for flight, and it, yeah. it just it looks absurd. Very similar in that in that like it this 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 bird very stork like with its with its giant ass beak just has has these huge wings in comparison to its weird ass bird body like that's kind of you when you it is. when your arms are stretched out and I, I, if if I had feathers yeah I would be unstoppable you you could take flight I could take flight you I could, could take flight I yeah. really could you do have long arms though uh, yes and you took the selfie. I came did. out fine, right? Came out fine, but right. but you know what? It's just it didn't get the full thing in because the it, poster was so big. Yeah, we had so many friends. We, we had, had so many friends. We had Jason. In. Yes, we did. We had Rebecca. Uh huh. We had Timothy. We did. We, we did. had Zendaya. We did. We, we sure had did. Skarsgård. We sure did. We had Shannon. <laughs> we sure did. We had Brolin. We had Brolin, baby. We had Jason. We had fucking Jason. We I, we said we had, all we the had names. Oscar. We said all the we had Oscar. We had Oscar. We said all the names. We all said our all friends the names. were there. All of our friends were there. It's hard to get it in a selfie. It it, it is. So Connor, what happens? Well, thankfully, there was another fan. In line, there was a Dune fan. There was a Dune fan to see Dune on opening night. On the opening night of Dune, the movie of Dune, the movie, the movie, and she was like, "Hey, you want me to take a picture of you guys?" Yeah, like hell yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. It's yeah. so nice of you. It's so spice of you. That's what we, yeah. That's, that's what, what we said. said. That's said, what we that said. That was so we spice like, of yeah, you. That was so spicy. She was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, just don't acknowledge. Just, <laughs> just keep going. We just we just kept going. But, yes, yeah. But but um. But yeah, she she was very nice. Took a great picture of us in front of the poster. Yeah. Um. And that you know the image now lives in infinite infamy on yeah. the Dune Dudes Twitter account. Yes. yes. Um. Yeah. So I mean, right away, we get, you know, if not recognized, like we we get recognition. You know what I mean? It's like these guys. You don't have to know what the podcast is. What is clear, even if you're just seeing us for the first time, we are the Dune Dudes. We are the Dune Dudes. It says it right there. It baby. does. And and people say, um, you know, when, when you get recognized in public like that, it's like you, you got recognized. Who says that? People on Twitter. They, they say, I got recognized. So I think we got recognized. I think only The Rock says that. No. No. No, it's anybody who 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 rocks in any capacity. Hmm. Uh, they they have the capability of getting recognized. I see. Um, that's cool. I so mean, we, so, we, so we, rock. we 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 do rock, yes, and we Ar- got, we arguably rock. I I would argue that it's inarguable that we rock. Wow, that's what I would argue. Okay. Um. And yeah, I mean, this was not the only person we 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 got mentions. Oh, Dune dudes! Yeah, I want that sh- that that sweater. Yeah, you're. Uh, I'm I'm in the bathroom. Yep. 
draining the old worm. Draining the worm. Uh, and you're sitting there watching the, the popcorn, scro- yes. just scrolling on your phone, I am. you know, holding down the fort. Yeah. And you get approached. I do. I, I, I get approached by uh, a young lad. Hmm. A young lad. Oh, gee, mister. Yeah. That's the coolest worm sweater I've ever seen. That's exactly how he sounded. That's how how he sounded. He was just a young little lad. (laughs) I'm going to the baby movie. Yes, he was not in the big IMAX. I go to baby movie. I think he was at that 930 (laughs) showing. That was in the baby theater. He was going to Paw Patrol, right? Paw Paw Patrol Patrol, movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, are you old enough to see Doom? <laughs> are you? Yes. It's a little past your bedtime there, uh, it, it sport. Is. Um, but anyways, he was like, oh, Dune dudes. I want one. I was like, is that really what verbatim? Is that I think that's saying? what he said. Yeah, Pretty close. Pretty, pretty, right? That's pretty close to what he said. I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. And he just walked away. But, yeah, that was cool. But um, I, I, I like to think that he, he looked us up afterwards and and is now a fan for life. We got a couple new followers out of we, it, for yeah, sure. Yeah, we did. We did. That is that is true. I mean, you know, talking about full circle, mm-hmm. uh, jumping to, to after the showing, Yeah, we do get one follower in particular. Yes. Who, who actually... Snapped a pic of you, yes, unknowingly, yeah, yes. While while you were uh, getting your your popcorn, yeah, it was and your, funny. your your uh, your your uh, what was it, cookie dough bites, uh, Reese's pieces, Reese's pieces, uh, yeah, just a picture of you from behind yep. with the with the Dune Dudes logo on the yes. back of your uh, yes. sweater, yeah, which I which I appreciate. That yeah, was very funny. It was a good picture, and even funnier, that very same person is the one. Who took the picture of yep. you and I? Yes, with all our friends. Yes, and is now requesting a photo credit. Yes, which we have not yet given. It, it has not yet happened at the time of this recording, but uh, it 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 will happen. So rest assured, by the time you're listening, it it has it has been yeah done. We've made. I mean, we've we've made good on this on on the on the crediting of the photo- of the photographer. But I also I I would make an argument. Mm. Okay, let's go. Let's hear it. That she also needs to credit the model. For her yes. photo that she posted, yes, and that's inarguable. I think that's inarguable. The, the gavel was banged. The gavel, the gavel was banged. You can hear that in the background. The gavel has been banged. So, I think we need to, you know, models are workers too. They they deserve credit. So yes. that's, that's all I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. Mutual credit where mutual credit yep. is due. Because essentially, like you're a fashion model in that picture. Yeah. You're you know you're modeling a a, a piece of fashion from behind. And, yes. Yep. You know that that's. That's you. That's right. your image. Yeah, I mean, the, the the picture is as much of me as it is the sweater. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you, you you clearly see the um, you know, you, the, the the entire back of you. Yeah. You know. Yep. You know. You. I mean, you could look at that that picture and, and be like, the back of your head is ridiculous. Yeah. You know. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of yeah. like what. That's like. <laughs> that's like kind of like what you think when you see. Right. Yeah. And they're like, oh, doing dudes. You know. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. That's it. That's it. So you're you're very much right right there too. Yeah. Uh, no, that that was really cool. And then uh, we got to talk with them a little bit, and we're waiting outside the theater, having a, a conversation, having a chat about Dune. Yeah, the saga itself. Her ex- and her friend explaining. Her and her friend were were you know very much real Dune fans. Yeah. Which you know is refreshing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if we thought we were the only real Dune fans. I don't know if we're the ones who get to say like who is and who isn't a real. I think we are Dune fan. I mean, how many episodes of a Dune podcast have we done? 
This is like this is number yeah, 60. Yeah, 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 but I mean do do we do we, I I would say it's inarguable that that we are uh not not real Dune fans. Like of course we are yeah. real Dune fans. No one would argue against that, but but is it is it up is it up to us to decide who who else surrounding us is real Dune? I think fans inarguably yes. Gavel banged. All right, that's well, it. I, I, that's interesting because I had some points that I was going to raise in opposition to you that. You can't. But then what you did was you said it was inarguable, uh-huh. <laughs> and, you, and you banged the gavel. I banged the gavel. It's, it's suddenly there's like nothing I can say. Nothing you can say. That's, that's just how it works. It's so weird because I had a yeah, a, like some some real arguments lined up. I mean, it doesn't matter anymore. It made a lot of like logical sense at this point. How, like. How, how that might not be right or fair, exactly. But you said it's inarguable, and and on top of that, you bang the gavel. Yeah, I did. It's like I guess that's kind of all. That's kind of that's all there is to it. That's that's what like Ben Shapiro fans like don't understand is yeah. that like facts and logic like they don't right they don't work right you know against the gavel. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's true. like yeah. Sorry. Ben, yeah, Benny boy, Benny boy. It's yeah. like you know, like I sure I got you. You got some nice facts and logic there, but I've yeah. got a fucking gavel, yeah, that I'm banging right yes. in front of you. Yes. You know, so yes. uh, so I don't know. It's kind of the one-two punch: and arguable and gavel. I mean, I know, yeah. Um, and the all right, they don't they don't have gavels. No, so no, they haven't they haven't figured that out yet. No, no. Um, Brains are too tiny to yeah. Even, I don't, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, um, we we walk through that portal. We walk through the portal into in, another world, into the theater. Yes, the theater. Uh, and it, it kind of felt like our boots were touching down on the sands. Yep. Of Arrakis uh-huh. itself. Absolutely. It, I later realized that was popcorn. That I was it was thinking. a lot of popcorn. Yeah. And and the the funny thing is is that. That theater, because we got we got there like nine fifteen, so we had mm-hmm. our showing was at ten, so we, we we had enough time to get our popcorn, drain our worms, yeah. get our drinks. We, we get to the theater mingle, just mingle amongst ming, amongst ming, the regulars, exactly mingle amongst the regs. Um, we get to the theater and it's like it's closed for cleaning. Is this, have this you is, ever this seen is, that happen? This is after nine thirty. Have you ever seen that happen? I've never seen that. I, there's like yellow caution tape. Yeah, like, it's like, like a, it's a, po- police like a police line. line. Yeah. Do not cross. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I've been in some real like dirty ass fucking movie oh, yeah. theaters. Where was like the where was the fucking I know police tape there to be like oh guys listen we'd love to have you come in and watch the flick but. We gotta just like do some cleaning in here yeah. first. Like I, was a, we're sitting out there. The movie's gonna start in like ten minutes. Ten minutes. No one has has removed the barrier. We want to sit down and just just chill and and just you know kind of vibe out until yeah. until ten o'clock. Yes. We have to stand there and wait. Mm-hmm. It's 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 fine. We were able to talk to some people. That yeah. that's that was yes. a good. Yeah, that, no, that was no, good. It worked out. But it must have been a, a fucking filthy yeah. crowd from the previous screening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all those, all those, uh, fake fans. Yeah, watching the previous. Yeah. Screening, I mean, throwing, who, throwing who else would go to the six p.m. showing? Food. Yeah, it's messed up. Jo- I mean, obviously, our friend Josh went to a six p.m. showing. Yeah, he's he's a very he, he's a real fan. Um, he's just a great sci-fi so, fan. So says you. He's also an early bird. I didn't say so. That. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm giving credit where credit is due. Okay, when I give him a shout out. Okay, he finished reading Dune. 
before the 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 movie premiered. Yes, he did. We're very proud of him. Yeah, we love him. He will actually be on probably the next episode of Dune Dudes. Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps the first the very ever next guest. Yes. The first ever guest. Um, anyways, uh, so finally we we cross that threshold. We step across the popcorn that is, for some reason still is not. It hasn't been cleaned. Yeah. Um, oh, you missed a spot. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yep. If nice. if got him. If we were jerks, we would say that. You yeah. Know, you missed yeah. a spot. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know. I always assume that there's like another jerk in close proximity who will take care of that. There, there usually me, is, you know. Yeah, like there, there were a lot of people there. So there were a lot of people there. A good thirty to forty percent, I think, just like statistically have to oh, be yeah. jerks. And I'll tell you what, the guy in front of me, mm. while he didn't commit any heinous violations of movie theater etiquette, um, when when I first got there, he was like hunched over a little bit, where his like head was sticking out. Yeah. So like the very bottom corner of the screen was blocked. Right? <laughs> like, the, like the very bottom just corner. The just the one bot. Yeah. And I, I was, it was driving me fucking nuts. Yeah. I was like, you better fucking lean back before yeah. the, the movie starts. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then also he, when he did lean back, he like leaned back really hard and violently and like bumped my, yeah. Bumped I, my I, got a, I got a couple bumps yes. too from, uh, yeah. my, my so front person. I was like this, fucking guy i was yeah. like I, I was like this is he's gonna be a, this guy's gonna be a major issue yeah and it turned out he really wasn't yeah and we had, I, I we think had a good theater it was we, it we, was we quiet. actually we actually did have a good theater i think it's less because of the crowd and more because of the film itself i think so too i think it 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 called it it called people to stand at attention it did you know yeah it people's eyes were glued to the screen they were yeah it's like denis used the voice through his filmmaking i think in a way to, he did to captivate his I think audience in a way he he definitely did um i think he's aware of that as well yeah i mean because what else is the voice than yeah some way to captivate and you know that's it that is it keep the masses at attention um yeah so the the trailers we saw were I okay. I don't care about the trailer. There's 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 nothing really to, to write home about. I mean, the Matrix trailer was cool. Matrix trailer is pretty cool. Spider Man was but like. I'm, I'm not really looking to like discuss the trailers. They they happened. We what do you think of the, of, of the Spider Man one? I don't want to talk about it. Well, I don't want to talk about the trailers. What I want to say first though is, the first shot is Zendaya and Spider Man <laughs> on on the roof together, right? All hunky dory, romantic like, and yeah, it's like. Yeah. Why are they showing that? Yeah. Like that's kind of disrespectful to Paul, right? Johnny, what are you doing? Yep, there? it's like it's with like, another man. Uh huh. It's like how would Timothy feel about that? Yeah, it's like he went to a showing and and his his on screen romance is is there on the on a roof yes. with fucking Spider Man. Yeah, it's true. Laying down together, it's just uh, just it's just a little just a little off to me. Yeah, you know? no, I I agree. I agree. I think that that's that's worth pointing out. I think that's the that's, only thing that I would mention at all from any of the trailers. Yeah, but. yeah. Uh, and then the movie begins. The, yeah, I mean it's it's kind of funny because like most of these theaters now they'll have like the like countdowns. They'll have like a like 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 a wacky you know video that plays before that's like you're going through outer space like on a film reel mm-hmm. like kind mm-hmm. of like a like a roller coaster thing mm-hmm. and you see like 
like you know the concessions popping out of you and you know it's like it's, 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 it like makes you want to go rah, rah, rah. yeah that's yeah, kind of yeah. the, the feeling you got yeah. um and i, I I'll, I'll say my anticipation was through the roof just counting down to 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 the opening uh i was like fuck i'm like shaking i'm so ready for this and then finally it just happens yeah yeah it was cool um there were a, a couple times, a few points in the beginning where I feel like I had to turn over and give you, like, a significant glance. Yeah. To just be like, you seeing this shit? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, did, did we hear the same thing? I know. But, I mean, uh, one one of those kind of was just the very beginning. Because it goes through, like, this very short uh, introduction, like, introductory um, segment. Johnny is talking about uh the history of of her and the yep. human life on arrakis how the the harkonnens have oppressed them sorry the harkonnens harkonnens this <clears throat> in this uh adaptation yeah um and i i really loved this bit you know she goes you know like one day the the harkonnens left by imperial decree and now we await our next oppressors yeah and uh I turned. I turned. Mm-hmm. You and I made eye contact, mm-hmm. and I kind of gave you one of these, like, well, what do you make of that? Yeah. Like, oh, boy. One of those. We're really in for it, bub. Uh-huh. You know? One <laughs> yes. of those, like. Yes. Like, whoo, boy. Exactly. Like, exactly. It is on. Uh-huh. It is on. And it was. In a good way. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I knew that the the way that this story was going to be told was not going to be as uh literally translated from the text the way that Lynch's Dune was. Where where like Lynch like really tried to like take the exact lines, the exact text and verbiage from the books and turn it into a movie. And, whereas Denis is more like trying to take the the spirit of that story and turn it into something that feels more like a film. You yep. know? Uh and I think this was like the the perfect way to start the movie to show that agreed because because right off the bat paul and the atreides are introduced as would-be oppressors no matter what their intentions are no matter how these uh other forces are manipulating them and forcing them to go to arrakis when they touch down they are only viewed as oppressors by the fremen and i think that was really smart to make clear at the outset you're absolutely right that's that's a very important uh thing to note because i mean in in every other adaptation it, that that really that that is lost on the film um or or the miniseries um so yeah right off the bat to kind of lay down those ground rules i think i, I think it does set the stage for i mean it's not it's not hand holding but it is it's giving the audience um kind of a little sneak peek into what frank herbert intends um people to actually experience from the story that that it's not uh the the hero's journey yeah you know? yep yeah what i what i particularly like about it is even though it's clear it's not explicit because yeah. it's still being presented to you as <clears throat> Chani and the Fremen's perspective. So like yeah. you as like 
this this fresh audience goer who who might not be familiar with Dune. This might be your first experience with the universe in any form. Like that that idea is planted in your head that um, you know the the Atreides may not be what they what they seem or what they present themselves as, but it could also be that that simply is the perspective you know of the Fremen. Yeah, and like the Atreides need to like prove themselves and be like, no, like we are better. This mm-hmm. is why. Like, but it, it still puts those two, um, those two viewpoints into like conflict with one another. So even though it doesn't tell you exactly what to think, it doesn't say like the Atreides are the bad guys, but it, it does tell you that some people think that already. Yeah, and yeah. Then you kind of have to go like, well, what? Where do I land in all of this? What's mm-hmm. my thoughts on that? Having seen the movie, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's that's very true. It at least gives the audience like the permission to think about that a little bit uh, but, deeper. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good Herbert move. It's a good way to, to get that. Yeah, we we've talked so much about how Herbert just tries to promote critical thinking of the work itself. Yep, and if you can can do anything, especially in a completely different medium like film, to to try and get your audience to engage with it in that way. Um, if you can pull that off successfully, then like that's more true to, to Herbert's work and books than just trying to like literally transplant what was on the page to the screen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, and I think that is one of the major flaws with Lynch's film. Um, it's the context gets lost. Cause I mean, there really is so much like narration and and inner monologues or like inner dialogue um in the books um that I think one of the brilliant things that Denis gets right is he chooses to show that different ways mm-hmm. like um so it's you know not every piece of dialogue is ripped from the page um it's kind of converted in um kind of a smart way uh to kind of showcase the points that are made in different ways. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think, I think for the most part, he does that really well. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm sure we're going to be talking about this in like different, different ways and different bits and pieces. But like one of my biggest takeaways that I was so happy to see, it, it, it's very clear that the idea in making this film was not, not to uh, create like, I don't know, even like the the truest version of like of what Herbert thought, but it's more about like just like you're saying, like if you're going to take a book and turn it into a movie, we've already seen that you can't just try to make a a literal recreation of that. So it's like, what do you have to change Mm -hmm. when things do have to change in order to keep like the essence of it? Yeah, there's so many cool things that that are slightly different. Like I really like the scene towards the beginning uh in the atreides graveyard which is such a cool yeah. setting that yeah. doesn't exist in the book no never discussed no i mean and one thing i was going to bring up that the, I think, the I think cemetery this is good... graveyard whatever yeah the atreides cemetery yes. one of the things that i i was going to bring up um i think this is a good time is how much more time was spent on caladan yes yeah um and i think that 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 really did did wonders to kind of show the disparity between where the Atreides come from to where they're going. Um, yeah. And you, you kind of get the, the family di- dynamics down. 
um, before even you know even getting onto Arrakis, uh, which which I I really appreciate. I thought that was a really great move by Denis. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, seeing <clears throat> Rebecca or uh, <laughs> Rebecca. What did you? What have you done to me? <laughs> now I'm talking about everyone like they're my friends, man. Uh, yeah, when you see Jessica and Leto, come on, Leto. Not a fan. Come on. Not a fan. Come on. It's Leto. It's Leto. How hard is it to say Leto? People just don't get it. I know. Sorry, Denis. I, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, that's the the, the Frenchman in you who pronouncing, <laughs> pronouncing Leto. You know, so that's all you got to say. Uh, you know, who can get everything right? You know, like we, I, I can't fault the guy, but. I mean that's one of the that's one of the biggest offenses, and it's really not that big of yeah. an offense. So we, it's funny that we were talking about it, and it's like it's it's just a subtle difference enough where you can you can kind of like not even register it sometimes, yeah. and just be like yeah, Lado, like that sounds like Lido, right? Yep. But like it's just off enough where like something I don't know, my ears were like that's not right. Come yeah, on, it, man. it just it it's it, it brings out like a little or, bit of uh, a. Sorry, no. You finish your thought. I'm just saying it makes you cringe just a little bit because you're just yeah, you're just yeah. not used to it. But that's what's so funny because like obviously, uh, it like a book being a book, you know. Yeah. Uh, even if there are official uh, pronunciations, like it's not going to be something that can be like preserved or known to anyone who picks up the book, right? So it, it's hilarious to see the way that uh, different different pronunciations have like existed throughout like Dune's fandom and. Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm sure anyone who would listen to to us talk about Dune would think that we're saying shit wrong, which is very funny. Well, just to make things clear, like like we are talking about our preferred pronunciation. We are, yes. Which happens to be the official way to pronounce everything in Dune. Uh, yeah. Too. And, and that is, as they say, inarguable. All Boom. Right. So I mean, got him. Anybody who wants to argue with us about pronunciation, you automatically lose. Yeah, so, check the recording, <clears throat> uh, toots. We yes. bang the gavel. But, I mean, that, that it, it, it's all our preferred pronunciation. So, I mean, it's very clear that, you know, there's many people who pronounce things differently. Yeah. There's <clears throat> Leto is another way to pronounce Leto. Yes. Yep. Leto, Leto, Leto. Um, I mean... You name it. There, one, there's... Of, one of the significant glances I gave you, the first time they said, I think it was like, the Kwisatz That's so. And I was like, what yes, are you going yes, for there? Yes, yeah. And I think that's really the only time it's said. I, there, there, there's, there's one more time where um, Paul like, or, like, remembers her saying it like yeah. in, in his vision. Yeah. But, but yeah, she... Uh, Helen Moheim yeah, yeah. pronounces Quizaz Hatterak Quizaz Hatterak with with a very hard ch yeah, at the, yeah. which I can't I can't do that noise. Yeah. Um but that that threw me for a loop. Yeah, yeah. That for sure threw me for a it loop. It was funny. Yeah. It sounded like someone like fell asleep halfway through pronouncing it. They yeah. Just, yeah, it, it's the, it's the, the Hatterak yeah, like really, I mean, I was it's, like, oh boy. it's kind of it's kind of cool, yeah, but I mean, for for people who aren't familiar with the with the term, like that's kind of cool. Yeah, but. and and for those who are curious, the inarguably correct pronunciation is Quizats Hatterack. Quizats Hatterack. That that that's how you. I mean, inarguably, that's how you say that word. So official. Sorry. Yep. Guys. Um. Yeah, I mean, again, that's that's all minor. Those are all minor things. 
Um, it is. I don't know how we got. I'm glad we're talking about the pronunciation thing because I, I definitely wanted to. But we were talking about the way that the the film uh, changes or adds things like to its benefit as a, as a different medium. And we were kind of talking about oh the time spent on Caladan. Yeah. And and the way yeah mm-hmm. oh shit okay and we're talking about the the family dynamic. Yeah. Can we go back to that? Yeah, of course. All right. Um, and the other thing that I I really liked. Um, because it's one of those things, it's, it's, it is a hard thing to translate from book to movie, um, was the focus on the, the focus on Duke Leto's father and the bull. Yes. Oh my God. That was such a good choice. It was so well done. It was so well done. It's tasteful. Extremely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Immediately when when you see the painting close by the painting of mm-hmm. of of him in the in, in the bowl and then the little uh, you know like figurine of him with the yeah. bowl, um, and it, it's it's kind of like it's so well done because it it it's there's close ups on it and shots of it like throughout the first half of the movie yes and like it works so well like like uh you know they they they, they do close ups in the, in the beginning to establish it and then they. They have discussions about about uh, Leto's father too, and, and and how he died, and yeah, yeah, everything. Which is at the cemetery. That's kind of when yes. Paul is like, yes, he, mm-hmm. he he's upset that uh, his father won't let him go to Arrakis early with Duncan. Yes. and he's like, well, our fucking grandpa got killed by a bull. Like, yeah. we make we make these decisions. Absolutely. Like, I should be allowed. Yes, to 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 face the horns. Yeah, right? yep, yep. And it's 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 honestly it's used to great effect. Um, also, as a foreshadowing of Duke Leto's death, yeah, it because because when it when it's creeping up and things seem ominous, uh, and they're talking about the you know potentiality of, of things going awry, mm-hmm. just 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 really great whoa um, whoa, whoa whoa little whoa, whoa, little whoa, shots of whoa, the of the bull awry. Yeah. yeah, it's an alternate. Pr- it's it's an alternate pronunciation of arrive. Yeah, arrive exactly. Yeah. It's no, an no, no, it's you can't do that. Yeah. No, uh, Connor, the inarguable <gasps> pronunciation is arrive. God, it's arrive. It. Oh, all right. Sorry. Uh, how how do can't... you say that? How do you say that word, dude? You have to say it arrive. The gavel was what has been banged. Yeah, we're not overusing the bit yet, are we? I don't think so. Okay. Just want to. This, check, this just is want... going to be a multi-episode. <laughs> just want to just want to check in there with you. The multi-episode arc. Uh, Ari. Wow, there's there's words I pronounce wrong. I guess I don't know. Oh my and no goodness. one's ever corrected me. It's, it's so. just it's just funny to me. Like we we literally we took like I don't know a good like five ten minutes just now talking about the pronunciations in Dune, and you're gonna you're gonna drop Ari on me. I think I I do think it's a valid pronunciation. Same thing with assaging. <laughs> <laughs> I think there, I think yeah. there are valid, you know, valid ways yeah. to say things. But I mean, if the gavel has been banged, the gavel yeah. has been banged. That's right. that. Well, you, you really, um, you, you accept the gavel with grace. I really appreciate thank you, that thank you. you. Uh, but, but yes, yeah. The whole, the whole thing with the bull. It's so important. Like I don't remember that um, being included in Lynch's Dune. No, um, I don't even know if it's included in the miniseries. It might be. They're, they might drop a line, honestly, in, I think in the miniseries. I think the miniseries does acknowledge it, at least. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I like the subtlety of it. I, I like the way that it's introduced, because I do think it's an important part of um, 
like what feels like the tragedy of Duke Leto. Like it absolutely and, and especially in the scope of what we know happens throughout the saga of Dune, the way that like people, especially in the Atreides family, uh, are damned to repeat these mistakes throughout history in that spiral. And like yeah. I think that knowing that um that Duke Leto's father was killed at the bull, like not only is that thematically rich for like understanding the first story of Dune, because like you're saying, like that that, that kind of mirrors the trap, right? Like the Atreides is holding the red flag and mm-hmm. they feel like they have that control. Yeah. The the first step in what uh avoiding the trap is seeing the trap or something. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And yep. if the trap is the bull and you're bringing it on like you you are gambling in that life or death situation, right? Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. so I I do think that it 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 has that that important mirroring, but like um I think it's it's important to know for the the rest of the series going forward too, because um, it just has a lot of good setup. There's there's a lot of good payoff for a lot of characters, like feeling like this is like the origin point um, in a lot of ways of like that that Atreides curse. Um, so I'm really glad that there was a way to like have that brought in without it feeling like heavy handed, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I feel like it's a it's a good example of like. It's used to the same effect as it is in the book, but in a totally different way. Yes, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's it's so well done. Um, then another thing I want to bring up just is is being on Kaladin. Uh, Denis really showcases you know the cinematography and yes. the scope of everything. Like it's beautiful. You yeah, know, it, it, is. it really is beautiful, and you know just it is a water planet. You yeah, know? right. The focus and, on the water. Yeah. The rainfall, the sh- the like the ships coming up from the ocean, yeah. like yeah, it's just it's it's really masterful, and um, it it felt really good to to spend more time on Kaladin even than in the book, you know, yeah, so yeah, it it's it yeah, it, I I thought it was a really great way to to kick off the uh, the movie. It is, um, and then also, I mean, before we even move past it, sure, um, sure, even before Chani's kind of. Uh, narration mm-hmm. uh in the beginning uh, there is a screen that says dreams are messages from the deep oh yeah that's right which which i think is a really great way to start everything off and it kind of se- you know sets us up for for some of these prescient visions that paul i mean that started as dreams you yeah know? yeah um so so I, I thought that was a good way to set things up yeah i like that too um feels like a, a very like you know it's definitely a, an, an an artsy thing to do to it have is. like the just the still, yep. you know, yep. of the text there. I, I, I like that that's included. Me too. Um, yeah, it was a cool move. Uh, it's a cool line. That, it is. That's a Denis line, right? I mean, I think that's. I think it is. I think it is. Right? I, I, I mean, don't remember that in Dune. I, so. I wouldn't be surprised if it was in there somewhere. It's. You know? It certainly could be. I think it, there's. There's. It's so dense, it's packed with like great lines that yeah. it could be somewhere yeah especially the first book i mean yeah I, throughout the series of course there's a lot of fantastic lines to point to but i really got to give it to the first dune book i think herbert made like a classically written text like it, it really feels Absolutely. like just inarguably mm-hmm. uh fantastic literature sci-fi or otherwise and the gavel was banging on that one a long time yeah, ago. yeah no need to no, no need, need to bang, to the, bang, gavel bang the gavel one. but just had to bring that one up i so. agree 
Yeah. Um, yeah, very cool. I like all that. Yeah, the time on Caladan was really well done. And, and kind of going back to, like, the way things are changed, like, the scene in, in – it might be the first time we see Paul and Jessica uh, – where, where Paul asks his mom to pass him the water, and she's like, use the voice. The breakfast scene. Yeah. That was, a, I, I think, a pretty cool inclusion to, to sort of, like, see Paul practicing these skills and using, using his training. Um, I don't remember how much we get of that in the book, honestly. Like, it's been long enough, like... Uh, I forget, like, if the first time he actually uses the voice is um, when he's in the ornithopter. Like, I don't remember. It might be. But this, no matter when it does happen in the book, this is kind of reworked to show it right at the beginning, right at the start. Yeah. Which I, was a cool move, I it, thought. It was a very cool move. I think that very early on there was, especially when, um, when, um, you know, Moheim is is brought into the picture in the book. There's definitely descriptions of Paul's training, you know? So I think I think yeah. the voice might be referenced early on. Um, I don't think it's really used until later on. But. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, so so this was about, a good... You know it, yeah. but, like, here you see it. Like, that's, which, the, which is, that's the movie Which thing. is so important to do yeah. in a movie. Yeah. And, and it's used to great effect. You know, he... He tries to use the voice on Jessica to, to you know, give him the water, and, and he gets close. Yeah. He's not quite there yet. Um... So it's it's yeah that's that that's really great that's it's really yeah. and I I just love how how like literally free flowing the water is on on Kaladin even just in the the house just pouring the water yeah. just it's it's all just like sets you up for you're right for you know how how stark and uh, how stark of a contrast it is on Dune yeah you know. Um, yeah, so I didn't that, even think about that, but right, even having a pitcher of water, even just that on just your table is like simply, yeah, just just that that simple touch um, was done really well. Um, and then obviously, like that's the big setup. They're 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 uh, they have to get all all dressed up to go and meet um, the the imperial representatives. Yes, to yeah, and the the spacing guild is spacing there. guild. Bene Gesserit they represent some cool outfits going. They on. did, yeah, to to formally accept. Um, they're transferred to Arrakis, right? From Caladan. Another scene that that happens off page in the yeah in the book, but yep. uh, shown to us here. Um, that was another, you know, pretty cool scene. It it, it really establishes um, Duke Leto as you know, of course, the the head of the Atreides family, but like his uh, his personification of their values, you know, like. Everyone recognizes the danger, including the the officials and the spacing guild themselves. Like they know that he's like signing his death warrant, you know. They do, uh, and he's aware of it too. You know, it's not a secret. It is not, and and yet, like that's exactly what defines him as an Atreides. That he yep. he does it uh, in the face of that. I mean his his speech on accepting the you know the change over is is says it all yeah i mean that right there like it may be a little cliched but that's what the atreides are it is you know they they are that family you Mm -hmm. know and they they do live by their values for better or for worse 
Um, and a lot of times it's for worse. A lot of times, actually, arguably, most, arguably, arguably, most arguably times. like yeah, <laughs> pretty much all the time. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's that's definitely one of the, the the main lessons of the Dune series. Yeah, is um, thinking that you, you know, are bound by your values to like better humanity, right? Like in some way that like you're responsible. Yeah, for. You know, it 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 is kind of like a like having Godhead or whatever. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the arrogance is like yep. baked into that. It is. It, I mean, and, and it's to- but the thing is, it's totally sincere. It's yes, yeah, completely. It, it's it's altruistic arrogance. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's been bred into them over you know thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. You know, since since uh, you know the Greeks, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. it's just. It's 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 bred into royal family, right? You know, and so so Duke Leto thinks that he is like, you know, sacrificing himself for the for for the good of of humankind, or right. or, or, or trying to do the right thing in spite of 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 just, I mean, and it's it's true, like like they are they're 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 not the founders of the system. They they just know nothing else. Yeah. So he's just doing what he knows. He's doing what his father taught him and so on and so forth. And yes. Um eventually like it takes a lot to break that mold, obviously. Right, we know all about that. Um Yeah. Uh like to that point too, I, I think what this movie also makes like a really strong uh change, I guess in a way, like in the in the book, my rem- remembrance of it and my understanding is that when Duke Leto is talking about desert power uh-huh. and working with the Fremen to together, it's it's pretty much what Paul <laughs> ends up doing anyways. Like Duke Leto yeah. wants to enlist the Fremen uh, as an army to fight against. His would-be attackers. Yes. Just like we were saying, we he we all know that he knows that this is a trap, and he knows that the Harkonnens and the Sadarkar are at some point going to bring a force down to Arrakis and kill everyone. Yep. He knows it. He knows that he doesn't have enough troops. They're not strong enough with the numbers that they have. The only feasible way that they can win is by using the Fremen. Yep. Uh, again, that's that's the thought process in the book that that the Fremen are a tool to be used in order to ensure the survival of the Atreides. Yes. In the movie, Duke Leto, I, I think, is shown more in this light of wanting to free the Fremen from oppression. To not not only to use them as a tool, but like to come to Arrakis and and give them their freedom in a way that um, has has never been done by a ruling family on Arrakis. And so like he's he's kind of I think it's it's such it's a very small change, but I do think it's important um, because I think when. When when they're when uh, Paul and Leto are are talking um, in that 
Atreides cemetery scene at the end, right before he says, like, oh, you're the only thing that I, I need you to be, my son. Right? Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, I think the way that he words the utilization of desert power and what that means, to me, it felt like he, he's talking more about, like, the importance of the autonomy of the Fremen, you know? Did you get that feeling at all? What do you think about yeah. what I got going on here? Because that, that's how I saw it. No, I think you're totally correct. And I think it, I think it really it, it comes to light more when they get to Arrakis and they're talking with, you know, Stilgar in the Fremen or about Desert Power. Um, I think it's actually a more realistic way to show how a leader would manipulate them like he manipulates them with with charisma and with the kindness and that like and where as maybe in the book they they say hey like we need them to be to to be free so they can help us and to be on unrestrained from you know subjugation so they can help us we can use them but here in the movie they just show they just show them doing that yeah which I think is right, right, right. That, that is more it. That is more it. I think there's there's less talking about what the plan for possibly winning yeah. is. Even when they have the the roundtable discussion, there are huge chunks of like what they are planning. Yep. Uh, you know that are missing. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think and, it's and not in a bad way, but yeah. I mean, in in the book, I think you really get kind of a play by play in the mind of like a like an aristocrat or like a like loyalty, um, and, and kind of you 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 kind of get behind the scenes inside baseball of like of like how you manipulate the masses, and obviously, it's it's shown that obviously the Baron and the Atreides they they, they have totally different strategies. And who's more effective? You know, obviously, you know, I I would say Leto's uh, model is more effective in the long run. But um, while well, you get kind of in the mire and the minutia of that in the book, in the movie, I think it's just shown. Yeah. And um, I think it's a, it's important to have. I mean, it's it's kind of just like dropped here and there, like like you know during Leto and Paul's kind of heart to heart. In the cemetery, um, they um, it's it, it's really played as like a father and son moment, you know. Yeah, it is. Um, very very uh, big Mufasa and Simba vibes. Death, here. huge, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think I think oh man, it, I I thought it was so brilliant. Um, I mean, and and they can drop strategy, you know, tactics just within like like little sincere moments and they, and they do throughout the throughout the film and throughout the beginning especially but yeah um so, so yeah i i think that's the major difference because like looking at politicians today you know we don't hear oh you know we're going to keep you free but not that free yeah yeah uh because we want you to to obey and to do our bidding but that's totally how they actually think you know what i mean but on on the face of things, you know, Joe Biden's like healthcare is a human right, but you got to pay for it. You know, yeah, that's yeah. It's, it's it's the parts they don't say. Yeah, and I think that that was shown in the movie. Um, 
yeah, maybe too subtly, but but I I definitely think that that was was one of the the, the intentions. Yeah. No, I think that's all there. Um, I think it just goes to show that what Denis and the cast and the crew accomplish on Caladan is really important. And and like you're saying too, like it really highlights how important it is to get Caladan right yep. in order for Arrakis and the rest of the film to work. Absolutely. Like if you if you gloss over that and think like this is just the unimportant shit, like let's let's get over the boring stuff so yep. we can get to Arrakis. You've already shot yourself in the foot. Totally. You're not going to have a good movie. Totally. Um, so the fact that there was uh, a strong focus on the setup um, with Caladan, I, I think really speaks to like Denise and again, everyone's, but we're, I'm just going to keep saying Denise is like the shorthand for like the, everyone the entire who made crew. the movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like their understanding of herbert's work like what what he was doing yeah um, yeah by and large like the big broad brushstroke themes like really the most important marks to hit which mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get back to um but yeah I, I was really pleased to see that and i, I really like to see like how much more there was of caladan than then i honestly than i was expecting like i kind of thought what we saw in Same. the trailers was kind of going to be it I thought yeah. we were going to get, like, the whole, eh, you know, 10 minutes, whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, I didn't count. But it's got to be floating between the first 20 and 30 minutes of the film. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yep. On, on Caladan. It was a nice, so. nice chunk of time. Yeah. Um, And before we leave Caladan, yeah. there's a couple of other things. Sure. Let's hear I, it. Man. I do Let's want to address. Yeah. Um, and, and this this kind of, since we had just finished Chapter House, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard not to to immediately associate things from that book when you are, are watching the movie, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's so far in the future, mm-hmm. but um, one thing that was really made clear in this movie, which I really appreciated because I feel like it was in the book too, um, was how Paul was like genuinely like raised with love and like from both of his parents. Yeah. Like really sincerely actually raised with love. And, not only is that, I think, a rarity for, like, a royal family, but also a rarity for uh, having a Bene Gesserit mother. Yeah, like, absolutely. Ob- like, we know that was what Jessica did. She broke she she broke the rules there. Yes, the original heretic. And not only did she love Duke Leto, she loved her son. Yeah. Which, Bene Gesserit, they don't do that. They they don't love their children. Um, obviously, there's exceptions. Right. Tag, or, obviously. Or even tag if mother, they, they but... do, they wouldn't show it. Exactly, yeah. Your child would never know that you yes. love them. Yes, yep. You would just keep that to yourself. Exa- exactly. Um, so that's a... He- and I think... I mean, yes, he may or may not be the Kwisatz Haderach, but this... Him being raised with this love, I feel like sets off a chain of events that leads to Chapter House. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the, the, the resolution there. I think it's directly linked. That's a great point. You're right. You know, and I and I think that is is that's really that's the, that's a huge through line through all of the books. I mean, you know, Jessica and Leto's love for Paul, Paul's love for Chani. Um, you know, even though they're not there, you know, really their love for their for their children, Leto too, 
his love for humanity and also for Ghani, you know, that's, that's all real. Yeah. That, that's all real. That's all there. Um, so I think that's, that's just a, it's, and it's, it's so brilliant because it's like, it's not overstated. It's not, it's not like the ending of a Doctor Who episode where it's, we were saved <laughs> by the power of love, you know? Yes. Yes. It's, it's like shown like as like a real force in the universe that's not magic, you know? Um, so I, I just, I couldn't help but notice that kind of, uh, what felt like foreshadowing to me, but you know, it's, it really is just like a through line. Yeah. No. Um, that's all like super well said and, uh, just makes me think like it's another, it's another great thing that, um, solidifies chapter house as, as strong of an ending as it, as it really is. Absolutely. It, because you know, not only do we get that resolution for Duncan, which we were like, man, like, isn't that huge? Isn't that I the know. one thing you would need? But yeah, not only that, Chapter House does look backwards. It, it does feel like it connects directly to the first novel. And and it does. I mean, they talk about Jessica several times. They, oh, but, they all the time. Yeah. I mean, but, but the fact that the solution. They talk about Jessica more so in Harry Takes and Chapter House than in the previous, like, yeah, three books, two, yeah. two three books. But um, the fact that the solution to, like, so many of their problems is in changing their ways and yeah. accepting love. Absolutely that's it, it it does it it takes that like that through line and turns it into a thread you yes. know that just connects everything together that's that's true that's that's the truth that brings us that brings me to my other thing that i want to talk about before yeah. we leave caladan is duncan yeah 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 and one thing i do want to say right now um there are spoilers for chapter house yeah and i mean we kind of already are doing I, we, it we, we, we're, we're doing we already have to put something in the description i think or... I'll, I'll put it uh, yeah i'll put it in the, de- but, the description but i just want to make people aware we are going to be referencing this this is entirety. a movie discussion but yeah this is this is like we just we we just finished the saga yeah we can't this is not, everything we cannot we, we can't not discuss the the entirety of the series yeah um so yeah we see duncan on caladan um, him and Paul have a have a couple of great scenes together. Um, obviously, you you brought up Paul wanting to go with Duncan ahead of the rest of the crew to Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the introduction to Duncan in this movie? I liked it. Um, of course, no matter what. Duncan's personality uh, was written as in the book. I think Jason Momoa was going to play him like Jason Momoa playing Duncan Idaho. Yeah. You know? And he he does really have this huge... Not to say that uh, Jason Momoa doesn't have range, by the way, because, like, the only other role I've seen him in prominently, Khal Drogo in Game of Thrones, does not act like uh, Jason Momoa. So, like, he... Oh, really? He, he is, like, a real actor who can, like, do things, but through, through the... Uh, you know, just the transitive property of like absorbing media. I feel like I, I have like a, a tapestry of what Momoa's personality is yeah. like as like the, the fun loving, really cool yeah. dude, like um, really well-meaning and cheerful. And, but, but all that's to say is that he, he takes that and injects it into Idaho in a way that I think does wonders for him in this first book, because yep. that's like one of the things that we kind of felt reading through dune the first time was that 
Duncan Idaho was like the forgettable one. Yeah, you know he was he of was. that of that core Atreides group. Like Gurney had a personality; he was prominently shown. Yep. Goofy or Hawit, mm-hmm. uh, again, same deal. And Duncan was pretty sidelined. He's he was. off page most of the book, just hanging with the Fremen, and then he gets drunk and then he dies. Yep. Like, yep, pretty much has no personality. Yeah, and then of course that's also why we were like amazed when he becomes so prominent in the rest of the series, yep. but. Uh, so so to, to really answer your question after that setup, thank you. Um, I really like it, and I'm glad that they're able to take some liberties with Duncan because I remember the portrayals in the Lynch film. I remember the portrayals in the miniseries, and I do think they try to give him like a, a, a kinder, gentler, like more personable kind yeah. of feeling, but it never has worked. You no. know, they never do him justice. Agreed. Because, again, I think if you're trying to do a literal adaption, you never will. Because I don't think he's written well in the book. He, he's I, not. I, I think he's just not written. Yeah, you know, exactly. He's just barely that, that's written. That's it. So you need to add more. Yep. And I'm, I'm glad that they did that. And I, I think Jason Momoa was a good choice for that. So I, I like that they established right away that there's like kind of a brotherhood between him and Paul. They really feel like old friends here. They do. And I think... I mean, I think it's alluded to a little bit in the first book, but more in retrospect in the later books. Duncan's affinity for Paul is... Yeah, that was big in Messiah. It was big, right? yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. And even in, in God Emperor, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really happy with, uh, with, 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 with the way they handled Duncan, I mean, through the entirety of the film. I, I think... And honestly, like the the Jason Momoa character, like the 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 dude he plays, yeah, like it's 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 not like Duncan could easily fit into that mold. You know, it's like not a it's 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 not like um, going out of character for him. You know, it's yeah, it's accentuating different parts of his character. I think. Yeah, I think it getting Jason Momoa and and letting him bring that to the role. It, 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 there's like a, a like a feedback between like the actor and the character, right? And I, I think that they got someone whose whose natural traits like that's the thing. Like I think when Jason Momoa portrays him that way, it feels natural because it feels like that's how Jason Momoa is or can be, yeah. right? And so mm-hmm. like when you see him acting that effortlessly uh, cool and funny and chill, it makes you think like, yeah, you know. I like Duncan, and exactly. I like seeing Duncan with Paul. Like, exactly, you, yeah. It, it feels like there's a camaraderie there, absolutely, and a, and a love, and and it makes the it just makes thinking of potential future movies. Yeah, it makes it so much more impactful. Like, can you fucking imagine if we get Messiah? Yeah, Jason Momoa coming back. Yeah, as hate. Yeah, wow. I like, know. That's that. That's ooh. Like, it would pay me not to get that. I know. Like, but I mean, obviously we'll see, but, um, and it'd be cool because like that would give him an opportunity to, to play Duncan in a different way. Yep. Like, once you establish like, Hey, this is how Duncan is. Like he's in his natural state. Like yep. in that first book, like it feels like you get that baseline of like h- how he wants to live his life mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And then of course the way that he is, uh, I mean, subjugated and oppressed, just like the Fremen, you know, just yep. to, to be turned into this tool throughout the yep. rest of the the saga. 
there's there's going to be such a clear juxtaposition. Like Jason Momoa will have so much to work with if he gets to go that exactly. Far. I mean, that's that's like a that's an actor's dream role. I think it's just it's such a such a meaty role. Yeah. Um, and I do think that the Jason Momoa character, like, I'm not super familiar with his other work either, but just I know he's Aquaman, and I've seen him yeah, in a couple, yeah. of, a couple of other things, but like. He's not really that quippy. It's not. He's not like really that Marvelified. No, it was done well. It's it's actually pretty restrained. There's, a, I mean, pretty much the only Marvelified lines we get we saw in the trailer. There's I, I, like one or two other moments, but those aren't not even bad. No, I think they work in the film. They could have been done to put in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's whatever because when you're watching it in the context of the movie, it feels fine. Yep. So uh, yeah, that was all good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just establishing their their uh, rapport, Duncan and Paul. I thought that was a masterstroke for the beginning too. Yeah, yeah, um, that was good. So, anything you want to cover before we leave, Caladan? <laughs> I, I guess we have to be talk. We, we do have to talk about the Gamj Bar. Yeah, um, um, that was a cool scene. I, I I like that it showed the charred hands briefly because yeah. it felt like. An intentional callback to the Lynch film, yep. to me, because uh, that that's focused on so heavily when when David Lynch directs it to see like the flesh melting off. Yep. There, there's kind of just a, a very brief cut in Paul's mind in this movie to show that. Um, so I, I like that that's there, uh, and you know that's a har- I think that's a hard thing for an actor to have to step into. You know, to, to I think pretend so. to be like under that immense pain agony yeah Yeah. um and and timothy chalamet i i I think overall like handles it really well like does a good portrayal of the overcoming of it like when when the scene kind of grows more and you see him like gain control of that pain and he like stares with that stare i was gonna i was gonna say to the reverend mother's eyes i mean that that is such a show of force. Yep, absolutely. Um, that that really made the scene for me. Yeah, I I agree. I I, I think he really sold it because in the beginning you're like, oh, is this gonna go? Well, is he gonna be able to pull off this? Mm-hmm. And it was just like in the beginning you're like, oh no, no. But then he 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 really uh, uh, makes the landing there. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. he he gets there. It's it's well done. Um, yeah, and I, I think uh, the Reverend Mother. Uh, Gaius Helen Moheim. Mm-hmm. They say her name a little different and weird too. I don't remember. It sounds yeah. like all one word, like the way yes, they yes, say yes, it. Yes, 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 yeah. But uh, I, I like the actress that they got for her. Um, her portrayal here is a lot more dark than it is. in the previous. Uh, again, like the Lynch, the miniseries, they seem to portray the Benny Gesserit as like these uh, almost. I don't know, like they're oddballs. They're eccentric. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, but here, she really feels like this, this like gothic mistress. Like, yeah, she is like this serious this business. medieval fucking goddess. Yeah, like um, so I I really like the actress that they chose because uh, she she really sells you know uh appearing like she is above everyone else. She does. You know, yep. she really sells that. She thinks she is more important than pretty much anyone else. I think it's a good primer for the Bene Gesserit as a whole. And it really, um, gives us a great glimpse of 
Jessica's like internal battle being a mother and Bene Gesserit and like even like more so than any adaptation or the book even she's in pain putting her son through this like clearly yeah and I that's actually something I didn't like as much no um I I am not completely happy with Jessica's portrayal in this movie, and it is one of the things I wanted to discuss that I was going to kind of lay out as a criticism. Because Here, I, let's take a quick break. I got to pee. Sure. And then uh, we'll get into it. Okay. We'll take Jessica down, baby. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, when, it, when it came to... We were just talking about Jessica. Yep. And... Tell me what you hate her. No. Okay. No, this comes from a place of love, of course. <laughs> you know. I know. I'm just, know. I'm just giving um, you the business. So, I, I, I think it's, well, yeah, those, the, the cats really fucking hate that. I got these Sorry, two. Sorry, kitties. Yeah. You know. They know. The, the, the viewers, the listeners know about the cats. I don't have to say. Mm-hmm. Butter, snatch, and squig biscuit. Yep. That's them. That's the mm-hmm. two of them. Yeah, they really, I don't crack open a lot of cans around here so that's like a foreign sound to them they're not they're very unsure about the can cracking well they just hear the big ice cube crackling yeah the the big ice cube and when i do crack it's we do historically crack open cans at the beginning of dune dudes but when i record the podcast uh, i'm usually in the bedroom yeah doors closed uh but but here we're like right this is out out in the middle yeah this is their domain this is their domain. We have entered. We have entered their domain. Indeed, uh, whatever. Uh, Jessica, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think where we left off, you were just saying that um, that that you you liked that it was clear that um, Jessica and the others, but like we were, you brought it up with Jessica, which led us to this, uh, has a clear love for. Paul and like shows it like shows that she's worried like right we were talking about the Gamjabar yeah I mean and I was like I don't like that yeah is that your your point or my my thing was I I like that it shows her struggle between being a mom and being Bene Gesserit because I I mean a lot of my take is from just in retrospect you know of of the entire series but also I mean I don't think that's that's really showcased as much in other adaptations. So no. So that did make me happy. And I mean, before you get into your yeah, thoughts, yeah, yeah, go on. I think for Jessica, like her vulnerabilities are actually like a strength. So to show her being vulnerable, I think actually showcases how brave she is in opposing the Bene Gesserit. And I think that's very clear, especially her conversation with Moheim at the end of the um, Gamjabar scene. Yeah. And I think you could argue that. <laughs> yeah. Not going to bang any gavels sure, on that one. Because sure. I, I think that that is just a, a valid and close reading as how I feel. So mm. um, I think that's definitely there. And you're right. We do know that um, her having that vulnerability is what what makes her strong is what makes her a powerful character yep. oftentimes um and i do agree with that i i think where i struggled a bit with her portrayal is one of those things i i think it comes as a necessity of taking the book and bringing it 
uh, in, into this other medium. Mm. And so far, I think Denis has done that, like, uh, wonderfully, like we discussed. But we do get to a point where, like, he he wants to show us that she does have that conflict within her, right? And instead of just having her stand still and, and have a disembodied voice, you know, read her thoughts out loud, like we might get in the Lynch film. Yep. So she can keep that stoic outward appearance mm-hmm. and then tell us how she's feeling. You know, Denis opts for a, a much more, like, uh, film-focused take. And I, I guess I do think that that's more the right choice. But I think something is lost in that it's one of the strengths of the book over the movie, in my eyes, where we we still get the best of both worlds when reading the story. Because we we see how Jessica presents herself and how her she how how her Bene Gesserit training um she has mastered it so much you know that she can more often than not uh contain her her emotions um and we know how she's really feeling inside that's something that the book nails really well mm-hmm. i think in the beginning uh it, it's kind of a weird issue because I, I think we're also at a point in like media discussion and criticism where for, you know, at least a handful of decades now, um, having a strong woman who doesn't show weak emotions on screen has been like the shorthand for what a powerful woman should be. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's so much that that, is is what needs to be continued because you know of, of course there's room for jessica's strength and her emotions like I, I think both do need to be there i but i i guess uh i was surprised at at how open she was in showing those emotions on the screen because it, it felt a little at odds with how i came to know her from the book you know yeah, it's certainly at odds with, you know, typical Bene Gesserit training, right? Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's definitely moments in the books where, like, we do see Jessica frazzled. And, yeah, a lot of that's on the inside, for sure. Um, but also, I would say, like, these are mostly moments where she's like by herself um and so she's not really that's true she's not really outwardly showing anybody these emotions that's true um for the most part but no i, I totally get what you're saying and i i think that's that's totally fair it 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 for sure goes against you know everything we know about um you know Bene Gesserit stoicism um but i also do like it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean ultimately where i'm landing with with talking it out with you is um even though like i personally am not like completely sold on on this interpretation of jessica i i do think it was the right choice but but maybe not executed as as well as it could be but but it's a tough thing because those two things that we're discussing, her showing her emotions and getting the point across of her of her inner turmoil, I mean, how do you have it both ways in a movie, you know? And so I yeah, think, very difficult. I think Denis makes the right call in that it, it, it goes back to the old show-don't-tell rule. So, like, I would rather just have her express her emotions as an actress on screen. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I just think, like, that 
style of movie making, interestingly enough, is a little at odds with how the Bene Gesserit often are, especially sure. you know those of a high caliber, which Jessica is. Mm-hmm. So it it's it's interesting to have like that, uh, like an internal logic of like the narrative and the like the meta of like actually making the film kind of in tension with one another. I felt, mm. yeah, but yeah. but overall. I, I'm kind of cir- I'm circling back around. Sure. I'm, I like talking about it with you yeah, because yeah, I think I think it's right. Like it wasn't yeah. a big deal, I mean, and I wasn't going to yell about it. But I, I'm more with you now that you said it. Yeah, so. I mean, and and on the other hand, I hadn't thought about the how it, how it is at odds with Bene Gesserit training, and and I think you're definitely right about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I know you had problems with how she was portrayed in the. Lynch movie too. Yeah, I mean, um, and to be fair, and in the book, even yeah, in the first yes, Dune book, yes, I true. mean, like Jessica is as is so much work is put in by Herbert to build her up that I feel like when she shows her vulnerability and and when she becomes frazzled, as you put it, I felt like Jessica was diminished to to build up and showcase Paul as this greater force. I don't know. I mean, I think we could apply the same argument you're talking about. That, like, um, even in the book, those things that I had problems with, like, you could argue. I think I you think could you argue. Could, I, I think you could. Yeah, that it yeah. is those vulnerabilities that that is often her strength. That like I think she, that's she made, does have a humanity. That's made clear as day. In the, I mean, I mean, everything now in retrospect feels like it means mm-hmm. something. You know, it's like how much of that was intentional. I don't. Know, does it matter? I don't know. It doesn't. I don't think so. But um. I certainly see her vulnerabilities more as a strength now than I did before, you know? Right. I mean, it's true because I I think where, like, as I was reading it for the first time, first time being exposed to Dune, you know, reading through the book, um, I I was so impressed with Jessica. And then, yeah, when when we get those more vulnerable emotional moments, I was like, well, well, this isn't what I was told before. Like, it it feels like we are watering her down in favor of... um, you know, the, the male protagonist here. But I, I think you're absolutely right that um, intentional or not, Herbert is able to, to take those moments, uh, you know, even that I had some issues with and turn them into um, something that, that gives her an even greater power than what the, the Bene Gesserit skills are in the first place. Stronger than yeah. the voice, stronger yep. than Prana Bindu muscular mm-hmm. training. Like, like you're saying, it is corny, but it's like it's love, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh-huh. In in the fact that 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 message and that theme wouldn't land if Jessica didn't have those moments all the way back here in the first book. Absolutely. It does need to be there in some way. It does, yeah, yeah. And uh, we have the receipts. We we do. You know, we do. They're right here, man. So we're talking about them. Like, so yeah, I, 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 I like do want to say too that overall, like I think that Rebecca Ferguson does an awesome job as Jessica. I think she's she's fantastic. I mean, and maybe the best portrayal of Jessica so far. Um, just just a, a, as far as like an acting mm-hmm. standpoint, I think she's fantastic. Um, Second best hair. No offense. Yeah, yeah. We that, uh, Gurney has sense. the best hair. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> not not to pit people against each other, but I mean, come on. So, yeah, it's a you know, I, still Gar's hair is on unmatchable. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, are you ready to 
get to Arrakis? An hour and a half into this discussion? You bet I am. All right. Let's do we it. We spent more time in Caladan than the movie did. Yeah, we a lot more. A yeah. lot more, yep. Uh, no, but I, I, I think there, there really is that much to talk about. Like, I, yeah, there I is. I know that you and I can you know, take, take lines, sentences, paragraphs, pages, and, and stretch them out into, um, you know, what some have described as agonizingly long discussions. Not many, but some, not many it's, but you know, it's, it's been said. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, I I do think there really is that much to unpack here and focus in on like there definitely there's a lot more that we could talk about Caliban too. Like I'm not going to um, continue that, but like I, there, there's like I even agree. more that I, I there's could plenty, think about. There's plenty like, more, plenty more. So, I mean, I, I think it's another thing that goes to show like um, that, that this movie does do a, a really good job of like uh, feeling like it has those layers to it too. Like there's complexities in the relationships, whether it be of like of people or the the systems of power, you know, like it, it's it's all there for examination and dissection, just like it is in the book, just presented in in slightly different ways. Yeah, but but not ways that are like inherently simpler. I think no. they're more clear because they kind of have to be. Again, being a movie, but but, but, but there's not, still that much to talk about. It, it's not being shoved down your throat anyway. It's, it's no, it's, it's 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 clearly presented, but not. I mean. Not hand-holding. Right. I, I think that is the thing, and that is, like, the biggest strength in the world-building of this film is that it's subtle. Because, mm-hmm. like, when reading the book, there's there's definitely that feeling that you're entering a world that is lived in, yep. you know, that, that has been ongoing since before you, you know, cracked open the cover. Mm-hmm. And... You know, to that end, of, of course, things aren't going to be, you know, uh, explained so readily. And like that's that's what we had a lot of fun figuring out on that first read through. Yeah. It's like, yeah, what is the Chome Company? Like what what yeah, are exactly, these yeah. things? Yeah, it doesn't tell you. And similarly, thing, things explained. aren't explained. Right. It, it's it, it, it is presented a bit more matter yep. of factly, a bit with, with that subtle hand. Yeah. And that's kind of why I'm happy. Like, I'm happy that they didn't bring up the Butler and Jihad, you know, like the the strange mixture of technology and you know how they do space travel it wasn't all just totally laid out for you yeah it, it's it's fun to stimulate the imagination and also to encourage people to dive deeper into the world right so i think and, and and i mean it could easily bog down the movie like i think i think a lot of the description in the david lynch movie does it does it does bog it down like yeah that's exactly it too. so i think i think that was a that was a really uh good move to steer clear of that yes yep uh, wisely done. So, so yeah, uh, we we get to Arrakis, and there's a lot that goes down there. You know, the rest of the movie, of course. Um, no pecans for you? No, I'll be good. All right. It's just kind of loud and obnoxious. You got to crinkle the whole bag. It's all, it's all good. It's really annoying. We're into that here on Dune Dudes. It's, you know, the cracking open of the cans, it's the crinkling so, of the... I don't... Mm. No one wants to hear Mm-mm-mm. that. All right, go on. Okay. Yeah, I mean, th- this is where, like, we get more focus on, um, like, s- some more of the side characters. Like, Thufir gets a bit more to do here, too. Like, th- I feel like this is his, his kind of proper introduction. Um where he meets up 
you know, he he's already waiting there, and you know, um, Duke Leto and Jessica and Paul and you know arrive, meet with him. Uh, so I I I, I liked um, the actor that they got for Thufir too. Like I I think he he does. Um, like kind of carry himself with a sense of intelligence that's like really you know important for Thufir of course what did you think of the uh, the mentat projection oh where their eyes like roll back eyes roll back yeah yeah I think that's pretty cool yeah it was good it's another thing that's how else are you gonna show that right it's another thing that's that's subtle like you're saying like it it doesn't say like oh he's in mentat mode but like you just kind of get yep that's what he does right yep exactly yep so yeah, that that was a cool way to show it for sure. Um, yeah, we we get that. We get more with UA here. Um, I don't really know where to start, but like thinking about uh, some more of the supporting cast here, like again, particularly Thufir uh, and UA, uh, both they they don't have as much to do. I think this is where I don't want to necessarily. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to say it. I think there is some uh, pacing problems. Not egregious pacing problems. Because, again, like not to harp on it, but you go back to the Lynch film, they're trying to stuff the entire story in one movie. I mean, that's... You want to talk about pacing problems. That movie is riddled. It's just totally oh, yeah. fucked up. Um, it's shorter than this. the, the first half of this movie, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I, I think it kind of goes to show, without getting too ahead of myself here, like there there is still so much that that can't be shown. There are sacrifices that need to be made. Yes, and it's it's tough for me because you know if I were watching this movie with fresh eyes, not having read the book, um, I wonder if I would feel that way. So that's that's what I was going to say is I do not think if I didn't know anything about the book. I don't think I would think there were pacing issues at all. Yeah. Like I, I don't like, I mean, these, these are thoughts that pop into my head. I'm like, well, like, why don't we see more of, of how it, you know? Yeah. And why didn't we acknowledge, you know, UAs and parallel conditioning? Mm-hmm. Um, but those are obviously not thoughts that non readers yes. would, yes. would have, which I mean, I don't know. Um, I think those things add like, a level of richness to the story, but um, and I, I do think it's a shame that they had to be cut. But I do understand why. I mean, could they have been put in there and replaced with with you know if you had to take something else out? Probably, like probably, and that might be more satisfying to me. But um, I mean, who's to say that that's the the final product would be better? Yeah, right. It's getting a little too hypothetical at that point. Yeah. But but yeah, no, I, I do kind of think that's it. Like. In a way, like my terrible purpose is, I, you know, and I, I've I've said this several times in the lead up to the movie, but the fact that uh, it, it really is true, you know, like my version of Dune really is in my head, you know, and so because it, it's so intrinsically tied to the novel, I think I'm kind of always going to make comparisons. I, I need to kind of like break away from those patterns you know, Benny Gesserit style a bit, uh, because like, I, I, I do feel like a kind of conditioning to compare the two. Whereas the, the truth is they're, they're two different things, you know, just 
of course it warrants a comparison and there are you know obvious reasons for it it is a interpretation of that very same novel but i i think the the truth of the artwork itself really is that it is its own thing you know it is telling its own story in a way and so yeah it is going to have to make those decisions and and oftentimes i respect that but yeah it is i i guess just to try and be concise about it I do think what I think of as pacing problems is exactly that. It's more, hey, this was in the book and now it's not here. Yeah, I you know? know. Yeah. But it would be really fascinating to see this movie with someone who hadn't read the books um, or just get like general audience thoughts. I haven't even looked into that yet because, yeah, very well might not even be on anyone's mind other than book readers. No, I mean, I, I, I could probably see people saying it's long, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. if we put the things we want in there, it would be even longer, you know, like, uh, so I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I know that, that, that there's a four hour cut and a six hour cut of, of the movie that do exist. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe one day we, those will be released and we'll be, we'll be satisfied. But maybe, but, but the thing is much like how I think about albums, I, you know, I do think that there's like a sweet spot, like two and a half hours is on the longer side for a, a movie, mm-hmm. if you ask me. So I do think my ideal Dune movie is this length. I, it, what it really got me thinking, uh, and it's, it, I don't even know, it might even sound a little crazy, but it really, what it really got me thinking was, um, I wonder if my ideal version of a live-action Dune movie is not to split it in two parts, but three, and each book of the novel mm-hmm. is its own film. Like, would that give it what I feel is, like, the adequate breathing room to, Maybe. to tell not all the intricacies? You'd still have to cut things. Yeah. You cannot. And I would even go, you should not mm-hmm. put all of Dune onto the screen. I really don't think so. So I'm not yeah. even trying to make it sound like, oh, they changed the thing and I don't like that. But it, it, it is, of course, going to feel like some pieces are missing because you have to make those cuts. I respect those decisions, and I believe they need to be made. I would cut things, too, if I made a Dune movie. Yep. But I, I do wonder if it were split into three sections, if, if that might um, give it even more of that time. Or, or maybe that's overboard, you know? Well, I mean, it's possible, because, like, you know, Yue, for example, like, I mean, we barely really even see him before the betrayal yeah. happens, and suddenly we learn that his, his wife was, you know... Yes. Enslaved by the Harkonnens. That all happens very fast. Yeah, right. And it, it does kind of, I mean, it's kind of like a cliche, you know, like like uh, that kind of betrayal in, in, in movies like this. Like that, that's kind of just a trope, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you bring in the, the Imperial Conditioning and how he, how he can't break that, you know, like that adds and that adds like a layer to it that makes it unique and and and, and more exciting you know and right. uh, so i think it's a shame that things like that were lost yeah plus i mean in the book he uh he knows that or or like assumes so readily to accept his knowledge he knows that his wife is dead yeah you know and he knows that by going ahead with his plan that the harkonnens are going to betray yeah. him and kill him Whereas in the movie, none of that is explored, so it does feel like a very cliche villain betrayal. Yeah, 
it, but it is cool because in the book he's just aware. Yep, his plan is to die pretty much. Like and, he knows, and it's worth it to him to potentially kill the Baron. Yeah, you know that's like his whole thing. Like it's, yes, exactly. Is is he? He thinks all this is worth it to kill the Baron. Yeah. So uh, I, I I could I can like see in in my mind's eye, however brief a glimpse, like if if this were one movie and you just told book one, you know. Instead of, uh, you know, the, the Harkonnen Sardaukar attack on Arakeen as, like, the halfway point, you know, that's the climax. That's the ending of your movie. You know, that's, yeah. that's where the whole film builds and crescendos to, just like in the book. Yeah, I can see um, that. Because I, I think one thing that um, is lost here, and I, I, and I do think it's important, at least this is how I felt, um, Going through the book, I remember feeling like how much, how much a sense of like dread and tension is absolutely is built up, um, knowing that these things are going to happen. Yep. It's inevitable that like the Duke is going to die. Yep. Everyone know the Duke knows. Yeah, like, I know. I know. That sense of peril is so real in the book, and I, I do think it's one of the things that is not. Um, not portrayed in a way that I got that feeling watching the movie. I think it's in there, but not until literally right before things go to shit. Like yeah. it's like in like the last two minutes, like pretty much like Leto's final night with Jessica. Like that's that's when you start feeling like yeah. like okay, he's he's resigned to his fate now. Isn't it funny that during that scene, Leto does get to tell Jessica, "I should have married you. I should yes. have made you my wife." Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I almost thought it was sweet that they gave that to him. I I I agree actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I um I think that's a nice little gift to to like like a, a nice little posthumous gift to yeah. uh, to Duke Lido. Yeah. A little bit. And then I wonder if that means like we're just going to dispel with the whole betrayal plot line like or 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 if that's going to be something that Thufir brings up when we meet him again right next i don't know yeah that that's true that's not really set up in a way right here so if you were going to go that route it would kind of come out of nowhere yeah it would um going back to yui though i feel like hmm. i think all that it would take really is like one scene with him and jessica discussing his wife you know like right which is, I, I was expecting which is a good scene. scene in the book you yeah. know where, where where they they're discussing that and his imperial conditioning and his and his wife and how, yeah. how much he hates the heart you know the harkonnens and because uh, there is a brief scene there. i mean it's one of those things it's not explained what it is we know because we read mm-hmm. but when ua gives paul the pills to help him sleep yeah you know that is exactly when that scene happens yeah ua gives could've. him the paul yeah Paul doesn't take them, so he doesn't sleep, and he hears the discussion exactly. of Jessica exactly. and Yue outside yep. the door. Yeah. So I thought that that was going into that scene, I mean, and then we don't get it. It could be a cut, you know. Exactly it's right. Pr- probably it was, was filmed. It, I'm probably sure was certain it was. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um, but but you're right. It is too bad because that that really robs Yue of the depth that he he does have yeah. in the book. And again, yeah. it's like they're 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 different they are and i i I think that um the movie does an admirable job but uh once we get to arrakis here it's where i began to notice more like yeah there's definitely some things that need to be left out in order to get us from point a to point b Mm -hmm. in these two and a half hours and 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 sometimes that's a little tough to watch it is 
But I, I think it's still like everything in this movie is handled with um, a degree of care, no oh. matter what. Like, I am sure that the editors and Denis and the team like had some incredibly tough decisions uh, to get this movie down mm-hmm. to two and a half hours. Yeah, absolutely. It is, I do not envy um, anyone who who had to make those calls. No, they, I mean they had to kill their babies. You know, I mean, yeah. That's, that's the name of the game, I guess. Um, while we're on the topic here, the other, the, in my eyes, the big scene that was cut was the dinner scene. Mm-hmm. Right. That's you know I think one of the best scenes in the entire book. Yeah, I still think about that scene. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so I think it's a shame that that was cut. Um, and I, I wonder if it was filmed. I, w- I wonder if we'll ever see that because I, yeah. I feel like it could be really good. Yeah. Yeah. No. With those, with, with, with those actors, I feel like it could be a really great scene. I think so too. Um, yeah, I would love to see that. I'm right there with you. That's uh, yeah, not only one of my favorite scenes in Dune, but yeah, I do think one of the the best dialogue scenes that Herbert writes throughout the series. Yeah, um, I, I would agree. It's it's so. So dense, yep. it really is. It, it it deserves the word. Um, so, Dune so is many, called dense, oftentimes. Yeah, but that scene is like that's dense a great example. Fuck. So many complexities, just like dancing around each other. Precisely, the yeah. Entire time, you know, it it really is brilliant. Yeah, it is. How about we talk about some of the stuff we liked on Arrakis? Sure. I want to talk about the spice harvester, the worms. I want to get to there because. That's some of the shit that that really made me feel like going to see this movie in IMAX was the right call. Absolutely. I mean, I said Caladan was beautiful. Arrakis is is really fucking beautiful. Yeah, and and desolate at the same time. Um, I think it's 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 just it's done so well. And uh, I, I I love how you kind of see, um, you know, Arakeen or whatever you know, the the and how how desolate it, it, the the Harkonnens left it, you know, and it it's, uh, with just the sprawling desert surrounding it. I mean, just the the, the sands and the spice flecks, you know, like in the air, like it's so subtle, like it it's it it. it, it it all looks really great. Yeah, i i I think it it really shows a lot of his strengths as a filmmaker here, and 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 more than that, what I mean is like it. I think it really showcases his personal style. Like I think the way that he portrays these things is like yeah, like 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 Denis deserved to get to make this movie. Because um, I've also seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and I just recently rewatched Arrival. I saw that movie back when it came out. Yeah, both very good films uh, directed by him. Why I'm bringing him up. Um, and the thing that I love what he what he's able to do is even in these like super, you know, sci fi worlds that in so many ways can feel so removed and alien. He's able to create this sense of like things being tactile, like mm-hmm. you can really like reach out and hold them you have an idea of like what they would feel like in your hands like he's able to make these worlds not only feel believable um but like grounded in a in a, in a kind of like technological logic that makes sense like like i can feel how 
the still suit works yeah. because like the the pieces are shown in such a way like it 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 feels like there's a sense to how it was constructed mm. or like the ornithopters you know in the book they're described as bug like you know yeah and you're reading it that's such a hard thing to fathom I know. like what does that mean you know but it's so well realized here in the movie like the way the wings are not only does it look like a bug you see like the the dragonfly inspiration but it looks like a ship and like i don't know yeah. i feel like it sounds dumb when i lay it out there like that but like that's what i mean the fact that he can I feel like a lesser filmmaker might make the ornithopters just look like a spaceship. You know what I mean? They could be a spaceship. They could be a helicopter. You yeah. know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very true to like the source material. Exactly. Um, and like done with like, with imagination, but also with like real world, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. sensibility. Like it, it looks like a machine as well. That's it. You know? And so like when you were talking about like the beauty of the world, like any scene where, you know, Paul, even when he just like reaches down and picks up a handful of sand and yeah. you see the the grains fall between his fingers like that's such a simple shot but he he does it with this sense of like closeness and artistry to it yeah. it feels like each grain of sand is like like perfectly rendered in his hand to feel yeah. like just like like there was an intentionality to that shot it's For not sure. just someone holding a pile of dirt mm-hmm. it's like there's there's meaning in in that shot, even in that simple shot. It's it's giving you this sense of like what the planet is like. What's it like to hold this shit in your hand? Yeah, that's hard to do, mm-hmm. and, and I think he nails it on Arrakis. Yeah, agree. Um, the worms, the worms, man. So, I think it's 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 so. I I mean, overusing the word brilliant, but it just. There is no other word to describe it. Like <laughs> you really get the sense of just how enormous these things are simply because we don't even get to see the full thing. Yeah. Like until the very end. Mm-hmm. Like we we see it thumping through the desert, you know, like it it's it's approaching then you're suddenly you're engulfed because it's it's that fucking massive that, you know, the, oh, the whole IMAX screen is taken up by its fucking mouth. Yeah, and like you're all be we're all being eaten by this worm. Like yeah. this worm, it it was done so well. Um, you just really felt the scope and the danger, um, of and just how like volatile this thing was. And I mean, obviously, it just it looks great. It does, yeah. Um, and then I think I think just like it's it's like teasing us. You know, we see like a little bit more of the worm until the very end, where we we, we do see the the entirety of it. Yeah. And, uh, so I thought that was all, that was handled so well. Yeah, me too. I I really liked the um, uh, especially like to get across that sense of scale, like you're saying, and the danger. Like before the worm even arrives, you know, you see the 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 movement of the sand the sound it makes like that's described really well in the books too the hissing and and the the sand being displaced mm-hmm. uh, but it's one thing to read about it and it's another thing to see it yeah you know portrayed on the screen with like a budget of a hundred forty million dollars or whatever the fuck like, yeah, that's conservative estimate uh, yeah I really don't know <laughs> um so like 
But yeah, I, I really loved the the sand effects. The, like when Gurney and Paul are running away from the, uh, the 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 harvester. Yeah, and they they trip, they fall. The worm's not even there, and they're sinking into the sand because of its its arrival. It just, like, it's gravity, exactly. Yeah. Like just the fact that it's there, like you you can't even. It changes the entire landscape. You're yeah. something else is happening, something unfathomable, and like they can't even move and i not only is that scene shot really well and uh yeah the way the way it's 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 done feels so real and 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 powerful but i like that it's put in there in the first place because uh you know obviously we need the setup for paul the spice the visions i don't think that this is in the book nope, so when it's not. when paul gets like assaulted he zones out it's it's just another thing to create that sense of like urgency in the scene like yeah this worm's coming he's gonna eat everyone but like paul our main character is out there and he's like getting swept away yeah, yeah. so like it, it's a really that was a smart move to uh to also like link this with with paul's like growing spice mind powers uh because you, you get more layers with paul and it, it just makes the scene feel that much more um yeah, I don't know. It's something Dangerous. that yeah, it's something that I w- w- like going into when it was starting to happen. I was like, oh man, what is this? Like, yeah. is this gonna work? And then it did. Like it 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 adds a uh, uh, a greater sense of peril to an already perilous scene, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and and so I think that that was a great way to showcase like Paul's changing mind. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. Arrakis, you know. Um, where yeah, he he literally zones out to his own detriment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was that, was, and and also it's just a great excuse to, to show how how dangerous the worms are. Yes, um, yeah, it, it all that that all worked really well. It was a, a smart way to tie a lot of things yeah. together. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What else? There's a million things to talk about there, here. Yeah, you want to jump to something? Or um. What do you think? I'm trying to think of um. Obviously, we got our our hero Mapes in the fold. Briefly, yeah. I kind of feel like we could have cut Mapes out entirely and just had more UA or through fear content. But, yeah. you know, for some reason, I guess it's an important scene to show uh, Jessica um, kind of confront uh, Fremen like that. And, I mean, that, that that's a pretty important scene for her. But, um, but yeah, that was the Hunter Seeker. I think that's a – I think – that is a great scene. Yeah. I think it was great in the Lynch film too, but this is also a great version of it. Yes. Um, Both were done well. Yep. Yeah. Where were you? I mean, it's, it's just the visual of, um, you know, kind of the, like the projection book that, uh, that Paul is looking through and just, you know, kind of seeing the, the hunter seeker through that um, kind of, layer of of light it just it's it's a it's a great shot like it's 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 like a really beautiful it is yeah beautifully filmed edited scene um and another smart way to like tie in like the the action of the scene with like that that light exposition because the thing that paul's watching is like giving you information about the world yes but hey it's also the hunter seeker scene you got it it's like pulling double duty there too that i mean there, there's plenty of times throughout the entire film that that happens, and I think it's, it's always handled really well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that was that was all great. Um, 
what do you think of um of our introduction to kinds um i i i like it um what i like about kinds here that i i don't remember as much i i think it's something that they have to um i guess like exaggerate a bit about her character or not exaggerated, but focus in on it more is uh, her allegiance to the empire. You know, yeah. so when uh, when when Leto is like showing her around at the equipment that they have and stuff, and he's like, "See, like the Harkonnen sabotaged us. Like we're fucked." Um, and you, the like imperial representative here on the planet, like you also are kind of the person it seems like to talk to about mm. maybe helping us out here a bit. Yes. And she's like, Hey, my hands are tied, you know? Um, yeah. I have strict orders from the emperor, so I don't, I don't really get to do that. Yep. Um, I mean, of course, like in the book, I, I feel like it's more like, well, kinds is part of the plan and, you know, uh, doesn't choose, you know, Kynes has, uh, their, their own plan with the Fremen, of course, the mm-hmm. Liad and yeah. the ecology and all that, but then also is part of the plan, uh, with the emperor to kill Leto. So yeah. like those things are working in the background the whole time. And, and here I think it's a bit more about like, oh, you know, I, I, I would do these things, but I can't because like, yeah. Imperial decree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get more of the like Liette ecology stuff later mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as the introduction goes, pretty good. I think does a lot of things really quick that are, that are handled well. And I think uh, our friend Shannon mm-hmm. plays the, the role really well. I was happy to see her in it. I think, um, I think that she does bring like a, a slick, sly sort of like demeanor. That's, that's really kind of what I was. Yeah, Kynes. that's what I was gonna say. Is is it's it's not like a dry reading of the character, which yeah. I think. I mean, we've seen kinds in the God, other adaptations. Oh God, kinds in the Lynch film sucked. Yeah, it just I really didn't even like him at all. It's just he's 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 just not dynamic in any yeah. way, and um, I think. Uh, What's her name again? Brewster? Yeah, Shannon Duncan Shannon Brewster, Duncan Brewster. She, uh, Duncan, carry on the Duncan I know, there. I know. Yeah. Can't be a coincidence. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, I, I think she does a great job at adding, like, yeah, some, some like, not mischievous, not, not, but, like, you can believe that, um, like, she's Fremen. Like, 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 she's very much, like, playing both sides, like, like, intentionally. And in other adaptations, it's like, do you really believe this, this, like, <laughs> you know th- th- this jerk is a fremen yeah, like no right. not really like yeah like um th- there's kind of like a twinkle in her eye almost where it's like i i feel like she says a lot with just the way she looks at you and mm-hmm. and th- not even in dialogue just like the way her face moves and i i, I think it's like really well done um i, I think that's I, I think it that was a great uh choice for kinds yeah um and obviously, we'll go on and talk more about their involvement and how things change. Yeah, in the book, but um, yeah, as far as introductions, I thought it was all good, and I think the scene where you know she's teaching them how to use a still suit is done well. Um, yeah, and and her you know her her interaction and kind of a little bit of the um, conflict between her and you know 
gurney and uh but i thought that was all handled pretty well yeah it is yeah another um small but cool cool change movie wise is um you know they still of course the the most important thing about the still suit aside from like the expedition exposition of how it really works is uh it's also the beginning of kinds being like hey paul might be the messiah right um against kind of like her better more scientific judgment and of course in the book kinds just thinks that to himself in the lynch film they just have him thinking it out loud with Mm -hmm. a disembodied voice here kinds says what she's thinking out loud um but they make the choice to have her do it in a language that the other characters aren't privy to so that was like a cool way to have like the best of both worlds again there i think where, it's also um, like a running it's theme smart. it's also a running you know theme where um or a thread that um when there's fremen that are interacting with paul and paul will show signs of living up to this prophecy they will acknowledge it in their in their um native language yeah. you know and and i i think that scene, you know, definitely it shows that she is Fremen. You yes, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it also plays up the the whole prophecy thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought that I thought that was that was really great. Um. Yeah, I mean, and, and then just her instructing them in the ornithopter. Terrific. Um, and I I I think. I mean, I, I it might even be downplayed a little bit. Her kind of, um, you know, Duke Lita winning her over a little bit, you know? Yeah. It might be a little bit downplayed. I think it is in there, just, like, very subtly. Right. It It's definitely not focused on. Yeah. She doesn't get a line, you know, where she's like, oh, I think the Duke's winning me over. Yeah. yeah. Which, which, I mean, to be fair, like, in the Lynch film, I think. Yeah. And in the miniseries, I feel like that it's, like, too... Yeah. Um, it's like in your face it is yeah and and right like you're saying like that's one of those cuts that makes a lot of sense when when watching the movie because you just see that when she's helping paul you're like oh well obviously she's convinced otherwise why the fuck is she helping paul Mm -hmm. so like once all the shit goes down from the harkonnens and the sarakar you know her her extending you know her hands who help out is is really all you need to see it's an example that doesn't need to be doesn't need to be said yeah because i mean I guarantee you, I'm pretty sure there's, like, a subtle, like, look at the Duke when he's yeah. helping, you know, the, um, uh, you know, spice harvesters. Right. Um, that, that's all that needs to be said. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's all that needs to be shown. Um, it doesn't have to be laid out, you know, laid out bare in front of you. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely a strength. Mm-hmm. Um, now, also, we, we got uh, Stilgar. We get Stilgar. Stilgar in the mix. Um, I thought this was a really good scene. Talking about introductions? Yes. When, when, yeah, when he, uh, when, yeah, he comes when, up. When, when he meets the, yep. the Duke and spits on the table. Spits yeah. on the table. Got, got some good laughs in our theater. That's, yeah, that, that's one scene that was played for laughs, and it, it works phenomenally. Yep. Yeah, I think that's the way to handle it, honestly. Yeah. I, I think that that is like a, a really good example of like taking the text and using it for humor in a way that 
Yeah, I don't think it's meant to be looked at in the book, but like makes total sense oh, when absolutely. you're watching it. Yeah, and because it, it, otherwise it's, it's just absurd. I know. Yeah, it's classic cultural differences. You know, humor. Yeah, you know, finding humor in that. I think it and it was handled very well. Right. Um, that's another thing because because it, it still plays out the way you need it to from the book, yes. where uh, Stilgar, you know, fucking stone faced just yep. does it. But this is another chance Duncan gets to show his charisma here. Absolutely. You see, like, the snarky-ass look in his yes. face. He leans in over the Duke, and he's like, uh, their, yeah, this is, oh, I've been here for a couple of weeks. This yeah. is kind of their thing. Like, Thank you for, for uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so this is a, a great Duncan moment on top of it all, too. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. Leto, of course, gets to, to show his... Um, I don't know his diplomacy, right? He's, yes, doesn't miss a beat. He's nope. like, all right, we're spitting now. Let's exactly. Do it. Yeah, like, he. I mean, he he rolls with the punches. Yeah, and, and yeah, he's, he's he's very adept at that. Um, I forget if it doesn't matter, but I forget if Duke Leto spits and responds in the book or not. I don't know. I really. He might not. He might. To be fair, but I got to tell you, I don't remember. Regardless, I like that it's here. Me too. It, it, yeah, it's done really well. Oscar Isaac handles this scene like. It really does float between like funny and intelligent. You yeah, know? and I mean, I, I I'm I'm like I I was really impressed with um, just overall um the respect that they do give the Fremen mm-hmm. throughout the film. Um, I, I do I feel like they have more agency in this film than any other adaptation. Yeah, which I think is is like that's number one. You know. In fact, while we're on this topic. I want to go back to that opening, yeah, the very opening of the film, yeah. when Chani's doing a narration, because it shows the Fremen as, like, guerrilla fighters yeah. on their own turf. Yep. Um, yeah, taking down the, the Harkonnens. Yeah. The Spice yep. Crawlers and mm-hmm. shit. Um, I, don't, I don't even think the novel itself is as explicit and clear in the fact that the the Fremen are warriors like fighting for their indigenous yes. land. Yep. Yeah. And no, it's not me. To me, is like this is the fucking text. Yeah. Like, this is what's happening. Absolutely. I think it's. I think that's a hugely important um, part of the story. That yeah. I mean, in the text, it it, it 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 it's not even as explicit. Yeah. But like, I feel like in. I don't know. I hate to like bring up the current social, yeah. political climate. I think it's super important to to emphasize that like it's it's just um it's it's like the right thing to do like i mean it's it's there in the book Mm -hmm. you know no doubt about that but it's like i think in 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 a visual medium played though it's downplayed i don't think it's as important in the first dune book like yeah that that conflict or 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 rather not to talk over you i'm sorry but but even more, like, there, the conflict is always there, but I don't think Herbert takes as much time to show that, like, the Fremen are are active fighters in, in with their own stakes in yep. this. Yep. Like, he's very clear about them being oppressed and subjugated. Yeah. But I don't think it's clear that they rise up and, you know, fight for themselves. Whereas Denis just flat out, it's like one of the first things you see. It These is. are fucking warriors with heart you know who 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 will um you know have an active role in their in their own destiny which of course yep. makes it tragic how they will eventually I know. be co-opted but i know 
but we see that here. I think you're right, and I think in the book, <clears throat> there, there, there's a very big, um, like, kind of um, background, like, plot point that it's it's like really the uh, the Harkonnens are like trying to cover that up. They don't want the universe to know the power of the Fremen. Yes, which is why they downplay the numbers. I mean, and you, you can kind of. Um, get to the idea that maybe they are really being attacked in, in great numbers, but they really don't want everyone to know how much, you know, the <clears throat> from and do of power. Yeah. On Arrakis. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's shown, shown in a, a much different way in, in the film. I mean, it's, it's, it's referenced that there's many more Fremen than, mm-hmm. than, uh, the Harkonnens led, led them to believe. But, um, but yeah, they, they really get their, their, um, their autonomy yeah in this film um which i think is totally essential to tell a story about the fremen it is it's interesting that your interpretation is that the the harkonnens are intentionally downplaying the numbers because um i always took it as that uh the harkonnens nice can crack that the harkonnens are um so single-minded in their harvesting of the spice that, that the, and the Fremen are so irrelevant that they literally don't even take the time to accurately count how many there are. I, now, I, I always thought that they dismiss them to a point of almost invisibility. They're like, yeah, 50,000 who even cares? Mm-hmm. Why are we talking about them? So they would say, I think that's how you are meant to think of it in the book. But given the context of the movie and how vi- you know viciously they are being attacked by the Fremen, it, it makes me think otherwise. Yeah. Um, I mean, if the, in, I, I think that's cool in the story of the film, you know, because that, you know, what? Let me let me jump quick. I want to connect this to something else, but um, I really like that that reading of it because, you know, of course, really what that does is it it shows the Harkonnens to. To have like that, you know, that sinister um, yeah. mind, you mm-hmm. know, that that they're playing politics here, you know, um, in in this really dark and devilish way, uh, which is important because that is indeed what the Baron does, uh, and and it does feel like it connects to like real world politics of our time because um, yeah, to to be dismissive of the numbers, I mean, you think about like. Um, all the people not reported in drone attacks. Yeah, you know, that's a classic tactic. Military. Uh-huh. Just, yeah. Don't even, just don't yep. even talk about it. Yep. Or report it, but be like, oh yeah, 50,000, not exactly. 500 million. You like, fudge the numbers. I, I think that's a, that's a totally real tactic that the Harkonnens would display. But, but, but as a measure of their intelligence that might not be as clear in the books, I think another thing that Denis does do that also shows... Um, or, or changes something in such a small way, but I think has big implications mm. on the Harkonnens as like kind of uh, evil masterminds. Uh, the the scene where the Baron is talking with Peter and Reverend Mother Gaius Hall and Mohan. Yeah, I, I do want. I think we, this is a good point to switch gears and like just talk about the Harkonnens and Getty, and Getty Prime. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Because there's a lot to talk about. Yes, that we have not discussed at all. That you're absolutely right. Let's do that. So, um, I just wanted to mention about this. Um, uh, Moheim makes the Baron promise 
that he will not harm Jessica and Paul. Yeah. And that is used as the reasoning for why they are brought into the desert to be killed by worms. Because the Baron, you know, of course, like uh, Reverend Miller's a truth sayer. And he's like, yeah, I told the truth after she leaves talking to Peter. And uh, he's like, you know, yeah, I'm not going to kill them. But Arrakis is a very dangerous place. Whereas in the book, that was one of the few things I I felt like was so clumsy. And Mm -hmm. we still... It's weird because I feel like Denis does both things. He comes up with this really smart and clever reasoning for why Paul and Jessica would be in this, like, kind of uh, convoluted bad guy twirling mustache trap. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, oh, I'm not going to really kill them. Oh, they're going to go somewhere else where they can easily escape. But it's, again, the setup here is smart. To, that, that it's done out of necessity so he can be telling the truth to the Reverend Mother. Yeah. Which is how it is talked about in the book. Mm-hmm. But I, I but I think because it's shown so directly in that scene, it it, it feels like it, it connects more. Um, like you don't... Or, or rather what I'm trying to say is I think it's done in the book where he, he does it preemptively. He's like, I'm going to have them go out into the desert to die. So when I'm questioning about this later, it doesn't come back to me. But I think having the Reverend Mothers talk about it beforehand, it, it kind of shows that the Baron would have just killed them. But he's kind of forced to change his plans in order to like still have a political relationship with the Bene Gesserit. Yeah, I think you're right. So I, I like that switch. And then I think it's kind of funny that we still get the whole, like, oh, um... I don't know. I, I something about that scene that I, I can't really bring up or, or, or think about how to articulate now. I still like they still kind of play it like how it happens in the book too. Um, I don't know. Okay, real quick. I thought the scene was all right though because Jessica is the one who kills the other guys. Denise yeah. changes that a little bit too, where Paul just uses the voice to free Jessica, and then Jessica kills everyone. I thought it was interesting that they kept in the idea that these guards were going to sexually assault her. I know. I really thought that was going to be taken out. Yeah. Um, no, I, I thought it was really... Uh, so I don't know. I thought it was done well. And I, I think, I think you know, my interpretation of it is, like, these are, like, low-level, you know, Harkonnen stooges. And, like, they don't really care to follow the Baron's rule to the T. And, like, they think they can get away with killing yeah, and, yeah, and doing yeah. these things to their captives you know so i I think it's uh, you know i think they're they're not really uh concerned with with the baron's plausible deniability you know yeah yeah. um but but yeah i think this is the best interpretation of this scene um where yeah i think jessica does have some some more um you know like pull in in the in the direction it goes yeah Anyways, yeah, so um, the Harkonnens. I, I think that there were small decisions like that um, in, in the setup of their plan that made it feel smarter, uh, which is important because when this plan gets carried out, like it needs to feel like there there is um, an intelligence to it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, 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 it is kind of clumsy. And I think overall that's handled well in the book. There's some parts that still seem a little... Um, it it is a bit of a weird plan, I think, and I think interestingly, Peter goes to the 
the starter car. Mm-hmm. Yes. To, n- not to enlist them, but to tell them that the Emperor has decreed it. And so at first, the starter car commander is like, who the fuck are you? And then he's like, oh, the Emperor says? Well, I'll do literally anything that the Emperor says. Yeah. So the starter car is like Empire Fanatics uh, is cool. Um, and I, I guess I like that we do get to see more of the Harkonnens interacting with them beforehand, even though we don't get the plot point that the Sutter car disguised themselves as the Har- Harkonnens. That's, that's out, but that doesn't matter. Well, it's, I think it's subtly in there because when Duncan reveals that it was a Sutter car, um, everyone's like, what, how are you sure? Oh, really, right. it was, and then, he says, and then he's like, like, "I know because you can tell by the way they fight." Okay, that's true. See, subtlety. Yeah, that even exactly. went over my head. Yeah. You're right, though. Yeah. Um, so it's not like the tattoo on their neck or whatever. You know, it's a it's different, but it still works. Um, and yeah, on on Seleucus Secundus, yes, which is is um, the Imperial Army planet. Um, and yeah, I, I thought that was kind of like it, it's it's kind of like a political meeting where like even though it was decreed that they're that the starter car were going to do this anyway, I feel like the like a representative had to meet um, with another representative of yeah starter car and the Harkonnens to to like certify it, you know, right. to like yeah, no, in that way it kind of mirrors the. The guild representatives, yeah. everyone meeting the Atreides. I think it's similar enough. They have to do yeah. a bit of the the ceremony. I think I think it. that's part of it. Um, but you kind of see how how brutal the Sardaukar are in yeah. that scene, which is which is pretty cool. Um, and now, what do you think of Getty Prime? I I liked it. Having not seen uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, it feels like it, it it is pulling some inspiration from some of the images I've seen of like yeah. the Harkonnen complex. Mm-hmm. It feels very much like HR Geigery alien yeah. kind of uh inspiration. It, it's all like organic and black. Also, also and gothic. Gothic, you know? yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um yeah, I think I think they're done pretty well. Um I would have made the Baron fatter, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but I I think more boils. Yeah, but I think the Baron um is is done really well here. I wish, I wish he had a bit more. I I think that Skarsgård's um, portrayal of the Baron is really well done. I wish that he had more scenes to showcase that i agree I wish yeah. there was more of him yeah we don't we don't really see a lot of the baron in this film i mean you know a, a, a good amount but it's 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 not um anywhere near as much as we do in the book um where I, I think it could be good to see more of him i also think it's effective to to limit his scenes like it's a big deal when we see the baron for the first time you know and um i mean we we, we even see him like you know kind of uh not entirely visible and and he doesn't really speak a lot for the first his first couple of appearances and so it kind of like builds up a uh like an anticipation of of like who is this guy and you know how evil and ominous he's, he seems so yeah um, i think i think it's played pretty effectively um but I, I i could use some more yeah yeah i liked it too um and honestly i was surprised at how much i liked rabin yeah me too yeah yeah 
the uh, the actor. I don't know his name, but I, I know oh, it's, um, he was in um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, yes, yes. Oh man, fuck. Was he in the poster too? And we forgot. Uh he might have been. I think he was. Might have been our friend there. Not sure though. Our friend, what's his name in Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, shit. Big guy, yeah, the big guy, the big guy, big guy, big guy, big guy, right? Mm-hmm. Nice, um, good one. Yeah, I mean, he 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 really sells being like a brute. He does, and like not a buffoon. Yeah, so that's that's good. Yes, yeah, he. It, it's it's very clear. He is ruthless. Yep, you know he he seems to like want to crush and mm-hmm. kill which is exactly the feeling you should get from Robin. absolutely so uh he was a really good choice he he totally sells the role of like yeah the evil harkonnen um which i i like that you know Rabin gets to represent more of like the the ferocity of the harkonnens mm. and the baron gets to be like more of the the calculating mind in the shadows yeah it's kind like of the, the, the way it should be I yep think. agreed um, that being said, too, you know, I, I do think it's important when talking about the Baron to, to talk about the things that are omitted about him, of course. Um, no mention of his sexuality, no mention of his any of the thi- sexual of the- assault <laughs> of, yes, yes. of young boys. Yes, uh, which uh, I did not. Or I, I I should say I did not expect those things to make it into the film. So them not being there is not surprising. And more than that, I think it's a good move. I think it is one of those things that I, I've seen. I've seen comments where, particularly in like more negative reviews of the movie from from film critics who saw it beforehand. Um, there's been a, a, a criticism that, uh, that the film, that, that Dune doesn't work as well in 2021 as it did in, what is it, 65 when it came out or Mm -hmm. uh, something like that. Yeah, 65. Um, and, and that like, it's almost a fool's errand to try and bring this, this sci-fi work from the sixties into our, you know, progressive woke culture of today mm-hmm. um and I, i've seen a lot of people on twitter in response to that have threads where it's like well uh you know how dare they say that they don't get the point of dune you know they're missing all these things and they don't understand it and like it, it's just as relevant today as it was in the 60s and like i think there's some truth on both sides there and i i think it's really easy for fucking dune nerds to dig their heels in the sands you know because dune has come under a lot of fire and it's not always fair but i i honestly i think a lot of times it is there are a lot of things in dune that are outdated particularly uh you know portrayal of uh queer mm-hmm. the, the queer community mm-hmm. and one of the things that I, I wasn't able to like articulate fully reading through Dune the first time is that really all I was trying to say when, when bringing up uh, the Baron's sexuality in the equation attached to his pedophilia is that he's queer coded. Mm-hmm. He's he's 
it's not that he's like queer and a pedophile. Like he's he his I think his queerness is shown to be evil or or that because he's evil and the only queer representation, it's negative representation. And so to take it out of a of a version of Dune that you're going to make in 2021, I think is the right call. I would always take it out. I think it is one of the missteps and the, 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 the one of the missteps in, in Herbert's writing. And of course you can always make the argument that he's writing it in a much different time. And sure enough, he was, um, no but gavel. It, right. <laughs> but, but it's not going to excuse how we choose to bring in, you know, these, these artifacts of our culture into, um, what is supposed to be what we, what we should make ourselves to be a more accepting and, and, and tolerant um, and and um, loving time. And I think removing that aspect of the Baron's character is important to do that. I think that that was um, another really smart, appreciated move of, of editing in this film. I don't think it's important to have that to showcase the Baron's uh, intelligence, his ruthlessness, you know, his, his, his evil, his dark side. Um, so I'm really glad that that was not focused on in any way in this film. And I wanted to, to take the time to mention that. Yeah, I think you're 100% right about that. Um, just, this does not need to be included. And um, really is a dark mark on... Herbert's writing, I mean, and it's clear as day, especially reading the the later books, that like he has a problem with homosexuality and and I mean you can you can make the argument that oh the the pedophilia part is the evil part, it's not him being gay, but I mean it just it's it's just there. It's just there in the text. It's right, it's yeah. it's not that's that's not it, you know, you're you're grasping at straws here. Yeah. Um and it's also not it's just just not an essential part of the plot, you know, so you don't lose anything with omitting it um and it, yeah it's it's just uh it's just a weird hill to die on, yeah, it yeah, really yeah. is um like you can enjoy a piece of art and still be critical of it, yeah, absolutely um and I think a lot of times it's it's more meaningful to do that than than to just kind of defend every single sentence you know yeah. which a lot of people do which just kind of i guess it's a uh it's an impulse right something you love you want to be defensive of it and yeah, defend I, it so i understand it but you have to realize the the broader context and like the societal implications and stuff um like it's not just black and white yeah um so yeah i think Denis made the right move on that but i will say that there is like a shade of a moment where he, where the Baron is being bathed, there's like a young. Oh, I didn't really think. There's about like a that. young man that's like you know pouring this black goo onto him. And yeah, he, he's submerged in the water, and um, all it did is it made me think of it. Yes, it, it, made, I see. it made me think of of that part of the book. Yeah, but it, it's gone in a flash. So I mean, whether that was intentional or not, I don't know. But I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to include because it it's um. It's not really explicit in, in any way. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it was, I don't know what the intention was. Um, just seems like he's, he's uh, a servant to the Baron, you know, which is a totally different thing. So 
um regardless of how it was intended i think it was i think i think i think that was handled uh much better than than it could have been because um, obviously like it's fucked up to use it as like a joke like kind of like the uh the you know the lynch film did and um or mm-hmm. as just kind of like a like a weird quirky you know form of torture you yeah, know, like, yeah. The, like a sci-fi miniseries did so just like i mean I I, th- I think it was handled as, as as well as it could have been, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Baron in this film, well done. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more of him. I would have liked to have seen more of him. Um, I think one thing that that is a little lost too is um you know the Baron and the Duke as like the heads of these families with. You know, an, an ancient blood feud. It's not that it's not in the film because it is, but I do think it's one of the things that, like, again, by necessity, not everything can be focused on, and I feel like that's a little diminished. So when we do get to the scene of the Baron and Leto finally together at the table, you know, I personally feel like I can bring in some of my my Dune knowledge, yeah. and be like, ah, here we are at the, you know, there's gravitas to this moment. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think it happens all pretty quick within the way the film itself play, plays it out. Um, I wish there was maybe even just one more scene or, or something that could convey, like, the, the like, almost timeless, like, hate that these two rival families, represented by these two characters, have for each other. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel as powerful as I would have um, liked or, or envisioned, but it's not to say it's not there. I do want to mention that it is, but, um, yeah, I would have, I would have liked to have seen that played up a little bit more, but overall it, it's completely serviceable. So I, I was okay with that. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think you're right. I think there could have been some more pronouncement on, on that fact for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, just, I, I just want to go back a little bit to just the the setting of Getty Prime. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, and I mean, just like the the weird creepiness of you know the Baron bathing in the black water. Yeah, the black goo after his assassination attempt. Um, the pet spider thing. Oh shit! Like before we get to his meeting with Moheim, like Thank that was you. fucking. I wasn't creepy. gonna remember that. That was creepy. Yeah, and and it was new. It was new. Exactly. Yeah, it was it, it it was brand new and just like definitely like shows like I don't know that they're fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like 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 <laughs> keeping like weird creatures as like pets or as you know, I don't know. Um, it, it 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 like tickles the imagination a little bit. It does. It almost talking about like bringing what what we know into. Uh into this first movie, it almost feels like something that you would see in the scattering. Like, you yeah, know, like this, it seems like a, like, like an unknown. Exactly. Yes. Like. It, it seems like something genetically modified for thousands of years. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. like something totally different. Um, which I mean, to be fair, like there were experiments going on, like this is thousands of years after that kind of, these programs have been established. So it could reasonably be, be just a thing that the Harkonnens have like, right experimented on and like yeah. created over the the years as their pet um just like yeah little thing like little touches like that are are really really good yeah there are it you you bringing that up like i i swear like i kind of forgot about that but i remember seeing it in the theater and being like 
it, it literally it, it lasts all of two seconds. Yeah. But I love that it's in there. It kind of makes me wanted to, to, like more of that. Yeah, like definitely. I, 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 I almost wish that they took a few more liberties of mm-hmm. adding things that were not there yeah. or, or, or conceivably maybe are inspired from other and that's, parts of the book. That's one of the things that the or Lynch books. movie gets right. The, like it, yeah. it, it does. It, I mean, it takes a lot of liberties. It does. It gets really weird and it <laughs> o- overdoes it for sure. Yeah. But it was good to swing for the fences like that. Yeah. And I think, I think Denis is aware of that and that's why he does include a few little things. I think, I think he, I think he could have done some more, but that's, I, I get why he he wouldn't want to. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, and and it it is definitely worthwhile to point out. Like, it's not just the spider thing. Like, there there definitely is more, or even just like his portrayal of, um, you know, certain events. Like we've been kind of talking about all over the place. You know, similar but different, right? Like he he does take liberties where he chooses to, and it's usually to the benefit of the film. But yeah, to to add something so unabashedly different i mean it feel it's like a fantasy creature it's this giant yeah. spider that they just mm-hmm. fuck it they're like let fuck it put it in dune I like know. i was it. like yes yes yeah. uh-huh. nice just, just weird and wonderful yeah so that that was cool yeah yeah um yeah i don't know i think that's i mean unfortunately really until you get to the leto's death scene that's pretty much all we get from the harkonnens but um while it's used while they are used sparsely they're used effectively i think um. So yeah, I mean, you want to talk about the death? Leto's I death? do. Yeah, I think that's a good place for us to yeah hop off to. Feel like we're, we're yeah. like we're at in this point in yeah, the story. Yeah, I, I agree. Considering that's like halfway through the movie. I, I know. Okay. <laughs> um, one thing that I liked was the scene where, I mean, he wakes up in there in the room with the big table. He's totally nude. Yes, which is good. I mean. <laughs> Space Zaddy. Can Space we say Zaddy. it? I he is. mean, he is. That's yeah. going to be big. It is. That's yeah, I mean, just just those freeze frames are, Yeah, that's uh I mean, and that's the thing like for for the for the sake of the movie though. I mean, he is naked in the book, right? I think he is. I'm, I pretty, think sure, so too. I'm pretty sure he is. And I I do appreciate that it's not it's one of those things like it's not portrayed as um like to, to be observed in a in a sexual frame no. so it's not to be like oh we're just gonna joke about it like yeah. isn't that funny like but i do want to mention i think like within the movie it's done like exactly right like i think what leto looks like sprawled there nude on the chair is like a renaissance painting you know yeah. like yeah you see the way like his i don't know like the flow of his form mm-hmm. like he's he's back in the chair he's leaning you yeah. know he's the limp arm he looks Absolutely. like uh I don't know. He looks like uh, what's that Michelangelo painting? Is it David? He has the finger stretched out. You know what I'm talking yes. about? The, the I'm two sure. fingers are yes, meeting. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I think it's a lot more reminiscent. Famously, the finger of David, <laughs> <laughs> or also known as David David's fingers. finger. Da- no, David fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I I think it's much more reminiscent of that. So yeah. I, I think it was um, I think it was like handled really well. I I. Uh, it was good, but I mean, yeah, like obviously Oscar Isaac is a, a handsome man. So he is handsome. That's, yeah, that's part of yeah, it. Yeah, and I mean, I think overall he did a great job as Duke Leto. Yeah, and this this death scene is no exception. Um, what I love though is that like the table is so long. Yeah, and in the book it is too, and like I'm pretty sure in the book that's the reason why the Baron 
doesn't die. He's just far away enough where it doesn't kill him. But in the movie, he's right up close to Leto when when he when he uh, bears down on the tooth, mm-hmm. at least the poison. But what saves him is that he turns his shield on right yes. before he leans in. Exactly. Um, so subtle difference. I was like, oh yeah, they got the table length right. It's gonna make sense, you know, why the Baron lives. But no, Baron comes up right, right in his face. Yeah, I, I think that's Denis like very consciously playing on yeah. book readers' expectations too. Like, it, it, to to almost try and give a sense of like, can can Leto at, really do it this time? Yeah, right. You yeah. know he can't, but. It, it feels it like gives, tantalizingly you're absolutely close. Right. Yeah, you're, you're 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 hoping against hope that somehow he actually can kill the Baron this yeah. time. And I mean, you know, it's it's not going to happen, but it doesn't stop you from hoping. Yeah. So I I, I like that that change happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um. Man, what a good chapter that is. But I got to talk I about know. the. I know. I got to talk about the book. It really or, is or the great. movie. Or, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. One and one thing. You know, we we get that quick shot of Peter uh, being dead, too. Peter's another character who doesn't get as much to do as he does in the book. And it's another... It's one of those things that's like, oh, I wish, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, I'm fine with Peter being diminished. Um, I don't... He, he doesn't feel as cutthroat as I would have portrayed him if I were in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems a bit more... You know, his power is his intelligence, not his, like... He's he's not a mentat assassin to me. He's just a just mentat a mentat. Here. I think yeah. you're right, and um, that's okay. But like because he's not as cool, honestly, in, mm-hmm. in my eyes, as he's portrayed in the book, I didn't care that there's not as much of him in the yeah. movie. I was like, yeah, yeah, Peter's dead, whatever. So uh, we get that. Yeah, I mean, I I like his portrayal in the movie, um, just because it's not trying to be, it's not trying to do Peter from the book. It's doing its own thing. That's just kind of like a like a background lackey kind of mentat yeah. character. So I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, and also kind of kind of plays like the straight guy to to Rabbit a little bit. You know, You're I right. think it's important to have somebody who's not a psycho to talk to <laughs> Rabbit. Yeah. You know, I think that's also uh, part of the reason. Yeah, true. No, it works out. the The Harkonnens have a good like balance in their dynamic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They 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 do all have their their role to play mm-hmm. in the in the plan yeah. in their discussions. So, uh, yeah, Harkonnens, overall done well. I think we got to talk about the elephant in the room quick. There's no fade. No fade. No fade. Um, which I don't dislike. I think that's probably intentional. Um, I think, obviously, he's going to play a huge role in the second part, I think. I think we're, we're going to save his big introduction for the, um, like, the... the arena scene yeah i can see that i think i think that'll be that that's gonna be a great introduction to you know uh the baron's pride and joy the baron's secret weapon you know um so i think that's that's largely intentional yeah i mean obviously fate is such a big character that it has to be Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i the thing is right i don't think it affects this movie like you're right it's what does surprise me in a way is that you can take fade out of this first half of Dune and it still feels like Dune works just the way that it should. Mm, yeah. Um, I, it feels like a big task though. Like, can we naturally 
implement Fade into the latter half of the book without feeling like, hey, guys, it's me, Fade. Now yeah, I'm here. Like, you yeah. know, like it's got to yeah. feel organic. Yeah. Like, why wasn't this character in the first half if he's going to have such a role in the second half? That's a that good point. That could be a, a tight or, or a tough, like, tightrope to walk. I have every faith in the world that Denis and, and company can pull it off. But I do think they've kind of set themselves up to have a, a harder time in some ways with bringing Fade in because he's just not even mentioned. No, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, thinking about it more, too, it's like the second half of the book um, or the second half of the movie is going to – it really is going to be a huge task to undergo because you introduce Fade, you introduce Erlan, you really introduce the Emperor himself. Right, no, no Emperor, no Erlan. Yep. I mean, there, there's a lot of missing pieces there that, that you that, – are all going to be incoming for this mm-hmm. the second part, which I think will will make the two parts more distinct from each other, and that'll be really important because they'll feel like separate movies, you know. Um, but but also that's like a lot to to, to like to like drop on the audience in in yeah. one go, you know. Yeah, you're right. Honestly, though, just to I think what you're saying is a good point because like they are making dune which of course we're going to think of as one story but to general audiences the next movie needs to feel like a sequel yeah not the same thing right Mm -hmm. not dune part two yeah yeah and it's kind of crazy that that's what they have um what they have worked out for themselves but like you i mean you think about you know when it comes to making sequels for films obviously one of the first things you do is introduce new characters you know it's like because what what people generally don't want, even if they think they do, what people generally don't want in a sequel is more of the same. If you're yeah. just going to make the same movie again, then why do it? Exactly. So it does need to differentiate itself. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe omitting Fade and introducing him as a new character is exactly what will like make the next Dune movie feel like a proper sequel instead of just like a flat continuation. Yeah, no, I think I think that's, I mean, it has to be intentional. I mean, it, it's yeah. I mean, like, the, I, one, I like, you can't fit everything into this one movie, but yes, also it yes. it saves some of that that um excitement and like energy that you can just inject into the the next right. one. You know, yeah. Imagine you don't know Dune, right? You don't yeah. know Fade Rautha. You no. go to see the next movie, and I mean, you're right. Like, I could totally see a Coliseum introduction. Yeah, just like it's a cool ass new character. Like, yeah. yeah, you're like, damn. Yeah. He's gonna fight Paul. Like, that's let's gonna, fucking go. Yes, yeah. I think so, yeah. I think that's exactly what we're saving him for. Um, we have a lot more to cover. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, let's here it. here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think yeah. we need to take a little break. Because <laughs> yeah, you know it's, what? Uh, okay, okay. We gotta we gotta kind of. Um, this is big. We've never done this. We've never done this. We've never taken a break, Connor. No, I think we need to. I think we need to take an actual little break and get right. our minds right. Maybe. Maybe eat something, drink something. This is we, this is big. We could even do this tomorrow. We could we could potentially do this tomorrow. This is big. This is big. You've, you've said you've said like oh you've talked about doing something like this before and I've never agreed to it. I've always been like nah fuck that. We're gonna I know. just do the whole damn thing. I know. But I I think this is big enough where it warrants it. I think it does, and I also think we will not give like the second half justice. You're right. If we don't no, take right. a little bit of a breather, you're right. You're right. You're so right. we'll call it for now and come back to it. And I mean, it could be. a a couple minutes could be a couple hours could be uh, tomorrow morning it's it's gonna seem like full space to the listeners it is yes because because you just fold it like a like a pancake it just folds and you're right there you got two spaces fold them together i always say fold space bam you're at the other end of the space 
It's folded. You fold it. It's you, folded. You, it's it's like it's like a burrito, mm-hmm. and you're in the burrito. Right. You're on one side. You fold it. Yeah. You just you hop down. You're in the you're on the other side. Crazy. Yeah. That's a wild analogy because like usually when you're folding things, that's like a quesadilla. You take the tortilla and you fold one side of it to the yeah. other. But you're like, nah. Let's do both. You get the burrito. You quesadilla fold that fucking burrito. That's, that's fold space. That's what I'm that's saying. Fold space. Yeah. Yeah. That that's how I I've always thought that's about how, that. Yeah. You know, wow. I'm a big. You know, I, I, I know a lot about quesadillas, <laughs> so, you know, I'm not, I'm not just talking out of my ass. I Yeah, I mean, I think uh, probably your only area of expertise greater than Dune. Would be yeah, it would be burritos yes, yeah. and quesadillas. So um, thank you for uh, bringing, that, bringing that in. That's the gavel there, so you can't argue with me. I have nothing else to say. You All gaveled. Right. Thank you. All right, we will resume uh, momentarily. And we are back. Back in action, baby. To you, the the listeners, it's gonna seem like it's gonna seem like nothing. Kind of like fold space. Yeah, we said you know? that already, which is kind of like we just folded space in half, like a burrito. Yep. And suddenly we're back here doing uh, Dune Dudes. And how how much time has passed for us, Connor? So, what really happened? Fifty years. Yeah. It's been 50 years for us <laughs> since we recorded an episode of Dune Dudes. We have been revived as Golas mm-hmm. into a, a strange and unknown future. And part two of Denise Dune still has not been released. Yes. Sadly. Sadly, it's still in uh, pre-production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Denise's son has taken over the, uh, yeah. the de-directing and... If you thought Brian Herbert was bad, yeah, get ready, Brian, get re- Brian Villeneuve, Va- Brian Villeneuve, yep, is uh something something else. Yep, I got my I got my dad's notes on the movie. <laughs> yeah, he refuses to show he us. He does notes. not. He will not show the notes. Will not show the notes. Pretty no sad. Notes. Pretty sad. It's it's been a, a little less than twenty four hours. Yeah. We uh, we did take the remainder of the day to to process, to chill, to decompress. Yes, bit. but most importantly, we we watched watched Dune again, again. But this time, it was on the small screen on HBO Max. Yep, and I mean your TV is not. I wouldn't say it's small. No. I wouldn't say it is. A, it's it's not a small screen. No, but it is a TV and not a movie theater. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We uh, wasn't big boy IMAX. No, no. And I I think it 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 does. It was cool to watch it back to back. You know, in that opening night, we see it in IMAX. Very next day, watch it on the TV. I I think it was a good um, showcase for the the filmmakers' point, like. Dune really is a movie that that benefits from that IMAX showing. Any yeah. movie is going to seem more cinematic when you see it in a movie theater, just mm-hmm. by that that being the, yeah. the, the bigger experience. But it absolutely sucked on the on the small screen. It was just a fucking load of shit. Yeah, we got a, like a lot of negative things to say now. Looked All like bad. shit. All bad. Sounded like shit. Um, smelled like shit. Yeah. Well, that bad. some of that was me. You did fart a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that was me. 
And you blamed your cats. But not all of it. The cats do fart. Oh, I mean, all right. The thing about cat farts is you can never hear them. You will never hear a cat fart. Usually like dogs. Like dogs, you don't often hear farting. But like you know when an animal farts. It's different. It's a different kind of fart. I, I heard a lot of farts. And then I was like, what was that? You're like, it's the cats. Yeah. So I don't know. What I mean. blame what? No, no, no. What I'm saying, I, I, I do blame that on the cats. But what I'm saying is they do also fart. All right. If you say so. Yeah, I do. I don't really I, believe you. I live with them. I live with the damn kitties. You can, yeah. I mean, you, you, you know how to blame them for, for your, uh, you know, flatulence. That's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't take responsibility for, for your own. You know, I, what I'm saying is I am passing taking res- of gas. What I'm saying is I am taking responsibility, and but I'm acknowledging that there's a shared blame amongst the residents of this apartment, and some of those residents are cats. All right. It just seems like... I'm not saying it's an even distribution. You have to take take them down with you. You know, you can't just like let it. You can't just like let it be like being. You can't just like admit like, oh, I farted. It's I did. Be, That's what I it's, am. It's got to be that. I farted, but also yeah. the cats. Yeah, you can't just take take responsibility. It's kind of pathetic. But if I'm not the only one contributing, then why why do I take all of the blame? How's that fair? They're just poor defenseless animals, Connor. Like I don't know. It's just it's not. I don't think that's fair that you're you're okay. pinning them. You know. Putting all these farts on them, it's all just right. kind of fucked up. Uh, I don't think our I, you know all, like all, that. all I was trying to say was that uh, some of the scenes, especially the 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 scenes that like set the um like the location, have a a, a huge impact. Seeing in that IMAX theater, like any of the establishing shots, the the uh, spice harvester, um, any ships like landing or taking off, like it's obviously the whole film it benefits from being seen in the theater. But like those kinds of scenes where like the the rumbling of the ships is heard and all that, like the when the fighting starts going down and the lasers are going off, um, those those were really cool to see in in IMAX and it was, yeah. it was it was interesting to see the difference like how I felt that landed watching it on TV yeah stuff. definitely I mean it still like looked beautiful and um you know was was just kind of I mean, it was still awe-inspiring but uh it did make me miss like the IMAX experience you know it, it, yeah it yeah it was not the same although it was still enjoyable and actually, I, I want to take this time since we're talking about those differences and and how like it's it's still good both ways, but there's there's so much more like um, uh, it, but it's so much stronger in the theater. I want to take this moment to talk about the soundtrack a little bit yeah. before we jump into yeah. Yeah, sure. kind of the latter half mm-hmm. of the story here, uh, because. I, I heard a lot about the soundtrack before seeing the movie uh, because they released, I think it was called like the sketchbook, like Hans Zimmer's sketchbook, um, which was just like a sampling, like not the full soundtrack, I think, for, uh, you know, to, to promote the film. And I deliberately chose to not listen because, you know, I was like, let's let's go into it. Let's see what, like, this has to offer. You know, I try not to expose myself too much to the film. I like to feel like it's – I'm experiencing it as I watch it more often than not. Um, 
but I, I heard a lot of people talk about the soundtrack that it sounds very different. Um, that it 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 kind of takes some some interesting directions and risks, and I think that's all true. I think the soundtrack uh is really really cool. It's not like a collection of songs that you would necessarily just sit down and listen to obviously it's 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 more about like creating that tone and that like feeling of like it it, it, it it's it's oftentimes very unsettling that's what i like about it it's it's not meant to like make you feel comfortable or like ah oh, you know like it's it's meant to like call your attention in this really strange way it's meant to feel unfamiliar and i think that hans zimmer like really succeeded in that i love uh i like when they first touch down on arrakis and you got the bagpipe guy and like he just starts playing the bagpipes and then the then then the actual like you know song in the film like starts and you know, you get like a freaking bagpipe march. Um, yeah, yeah. Or like on Seleucus Secundus when when we're introduced to the Sadakar, the throw singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so like, it's using a lot of things that um, that that make like these really like sustained, uh, like deep bassy sort of sounds like it's it's like rumbling it's moving um i don't know i i guess i just wanted to say that i i liked it quite a bit it sounds fantastic in the theater it's huge it's massive it's weird and like that still carries over pretty damn well watching it even on the tv because it's just like it 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 is very different than than how many many other films especially blockbusters sound and that was a really cool choice yeah it, it's not a star wars soundtrack it know? is not which i mean people love those soundtracks too and for good reason like those are fantastic but this is a very different you know hans zimmer went into in, into this with, with a very different intention from those films you know right um and yeah it feels kind of like the soundtrack is a character in itself that is like with you through every scene and sometimes it sits in the background. Sometimes it's up front. Um, and, you know, especially with, with the bagpipes and, you know, uh, we, I mean, we watched the behind the scenes video with, with him kind of de- describing yeah. the soundtrack and, and his intentions. I think, I think he really succeeded in, in his goal of kind of making this like music from the future, from another world, but also retaining elements that are familiar to us, um, modern humans, you know, um, bagpipes for one, that's like brilliant. Cause it's, it's, it's like the mixture of like old and new that like Dune is like Dune, Dune has futuristic spaceships and weaponry, but also it's, you know, uh, like fiefdoms and, you know, medieval times kind of, uh, uh, atmosphere and and so i think the the music really really uh captured that kind of um combination of the old and the new really really well yeah old and the new and then just like indescribable kind of like 
incomprehensible to to the modern ear. You know, it's yeah, like right. it's it, it kind of feels like similarly to like how you would interpret Bene Gesserit witchery, you know, as as like like actual witchcraft. But actually, it's really just humans in the far future, you know, after developing these skills for years and years and years. It kind of feels like the evolution of music um, after years and years and years and years and years where you were to our ears. It's like that's not music, but it is. It's just future future um, humans creating it and playing yeah. it. Yeah, that's definitely there. Yeah, for the most part, it it really like forgoes melody. Like there isn't a lot for you to like latch on to and, and hum. It's like it'll kind of like cut through yeah. in, in these really short bursts and then yeah, kind of like go away again. It, it's very discordant, you know. Um very dissonant. Um and I I think you talking about the rumbling, like that's that's very true. It's it's um yeah, it's like it's there, there is like an ever present rumbling and it it really sets the stage for how ominous things feel. And I mean, you know, Leto's death, getting back to that. We kind of discussed how like there wasn't a build up to it as much as in the book um or in the other uh films. But I think the score plays a big part in making you feel like something bad is going to happen soon. And so it's not explicitly stated in the story itself, but in the score, like you can tell by the way the music makes you feel that that bad things are going to happen very soon. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially like it, the 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 drums a lot. They kind of go on this like off rhythm, you know. Yeah. Like it's and and yeah, I think that does create that like feeling of unease. So uh, it's it's cool that there are parts of the film that that take on some of that. Um, Oh, uh, I don't know. I I guess that that part or that almost like a burden or you know it's like you you need to get that feeling right and so like it's okay to break that apart when you have a film that is so many moving pieces and and so many like schools of art coming together into one thing like yeah like you you do need to kind of divvy up that uh, responsibility of creating that tension. It's not just about the acting. It's not just about the shots. No, right. It's a whole thing, and uh, I think you know the team on this movie. They 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 went to painstaking lengths to make sure that all aspects of the film were you know handled with care and uh, with um, precision. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think the only other thing I want to mention about like the sound here before we we kind of jump back into the main discussion. Um, it, it just feels like, uh, I really wish we got some of Gurney playing the battle set because it seems like with how, how different and interesting they were able to, to make, you know, the film score itself sound like I would love to hear their interpretation of, of the battle set to see what it would look like to hear what it would sound like, you know, this super strange stringed instrument, um, but I, I appreciate that Gurney still gets parts to, uh, like, quote either, like, passages from the Orange Catholic Bible, it seems like, or maybe even just, like, song lyrics, you know? Yeah. Like yep. he does. 
So they they that were me very happy. in small ways, and I like that about Gurney. Yeah, they they um I do miss the Balasa. They maintained his character, um, and obviously the Balasa is is a part that is missing. Um, but we know it was a it, it was cut. It, they filmed a scene. We will get that probably eventually. It's a shame it's not in the film itself. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. It's, Release it's, the Balasat cut. Yes, yes, please. Yeah. Um, so I I I think uh, it's it's just one of those things where like as fans like we're like well if you put it in it would enhance it but again. Nobody else that's a non-fan knows that he plays the battle set. Yeah, it's a yeah. shame. It's a, it's it is a shame because it adds <laughs> it adds kind of a texture to it, it adds a softness to his character that I think is is needed. And I mean, him reciting the passages, um, that that does a similar thing, but it's it's not quite the same. Yeah, yeah, you're right about the the softness part. I think that is kind of a difference in in how Gurney's portrayed here in this movie because um you know even comparing it to like how Patrick Stewart plays Gurney in the Lynch film you know Patrick Stewart is usually a much more uh uh I don't know um he obviously carries himself with a uh, an air of class about yeah. him you yeah. know he's you know it's not so much that he's like reserved it's it's that um he he has like a a, a sort of an, an an artistic air about it's him. He's got a gravitas, a gravitas. Yeah, and Josh Brolin here does too. But yeah, it is much. It's a different fiercer. thing. Yeah, it, it it seems like he's just a military guy, really. Yeah, and so when he's like reciting passages from poems, or you know, if it is the Orange Catholic Bible, it takes you by surprise. Yeah, and like that's kind of cool too. You know, it's kind of like oh, there's there's more to this guy than he's than just uh you know. Being a strong man, yeah, you know, yeah, no, it, it works, it works. Yeah. I, I think Gurney, which I think actually, is, I think that was the well. issue with um the Patrick Stewart Gurney, is like he he wasn't the 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 lump of a man that yeah. was described in the book, and not like Josh Brolin is a lump, <laughs> but <laughs> he's, right. he's very much not. Yeah, but he he is kind of a more hardened yes. guy on the outside. Which I think that's important for Green's character. Um, so so yeah, I think there's there's parts that that they get right and parts that you know, I I, I wish they had done differently. Um, but I mean overall, I do think that it's a it, that he's he's a good. Um, he's a good gurney. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you're saying, like different parts of the character are focused on. Yeah. Uh, here, so yep. just like you're saying, like right I mean, stuff was missing from yeah. from Lynch too. So. I mean, honestly, I think the best, or I mean, the best fan pleasing version of Gurney was the TV movie. Yeah. Like, like that's that's more how I pictured him. Um, but uh, but I, I mean, I can see why they made changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so. Yeah, where we left off was was mainly just talking about, um, yeah, the, the the Duke's death scene. So how about we cover a bit more of like the fall of Arakeen here when yeah, um, yeah, the yeah. Harkonnens and the Sardaukar really really attack, really let loose. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like the the big set piece action moment of the film. It is, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. This is massive. It really is. I mean, uh, it's just. It's it's filmed wonderfully, and it and uh, you can you 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 really get the um, the scope of it all 
it's it it really is a massive um a massive takedown of house trades yeah um and it comes on so suddenly it it, it really hits you hard really suddenly mm-hmm. almost a little too suddenly almost too suddenly because I, 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 I think that's part of like oh the pacing mm-hmm. but again yeah. it's like oh, but how much can you do like yeah, i don't i know i don't want to keep repeating myself but it, it is something that um yeah, I think the action is done really well, but uh, it, it, it does kind of go back to it, it feels like it's it's not so much the release of tension, you know, uh, as more it is like just a unexpected explosion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I feel like it's it's more accurate to like a real life, you know, um, example of, of something like that. Like it doesn't really happen. It's 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 not um you know on the wall. It's not it's not always written on the wall for you to to know when you're going to get attacked. I, you know I think so. It's so I mean it kind of makes sense that it would come on all of a sudden. Um, and you know I I I'm I'm happy that you know a lot of the moments that um we need with the characters were hit before it happens. We do get kind of a more intimate moment with uh with the duke and jessica Mm -hmm. um however brief it is it's nice to see um but then yeah you just you you're plunged into you know the attack very very suddenly um how did you feel about uh you know how just just i guess the invasion as a whole and how how it was uh portrayed i think pretty pretty good um like when it comes to the fighting itself i I, you know what i really liked was like the siege feeling of it where you know the ships the harkonnen ships are are landing descending from space and and you see like their projectiles like shooting down and and like destroying all the the like the atreides carriers or whatever they are and then the atreides are firing back they have like these uh you know ground to air missile launchers or whatever the fuck like it, it looks great when yeah when like these giant uh you know uh like ships and and like huge huge military weapons are like battling off each other when when the 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 las guns are like slicing through mm. everything and, yeah. and you see it like hit the shields and then there's like the massive explosion like i i like that that's a thing that like doesn't need to be explained but like we get that that's why that's happening like yep. as soon as the laser hits it and and you yeah. see it like make contact with the mm. shield it, the the entire ship is just like decimated like all that shit is is super cool. I thought it was a little funny in a way that when it comes to the actual like person to person combat on the ground, Gurney's just like running out into the fold with like two knives. I know, just, I know, just like slicing every. You know, yeah. like like the Atreides battle response is like, all right, everyone get a knife. It's just like a giant like. I mean, imagine if, like, when two armies meet, it was just, like, one massive knife It's fight. like a brawl. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like a, it is like a brawl. It is like a brawl. So, like, you get, like, this huge military conflict, but then also, like, I, yeah, just like a <laughs> – I don't know. I mean – Like, Gurney feels less like a commander, right, and more just, like, just this, like, fucking 
huge, strong dude just, like, yeah. knifing people down. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I do, it, yeah. I, it's not yeah. – and it's not a criticism. No. I just thought it was kind of funny to see because, like, I don't – I don't remember it being, like, discussed that way or, or betrayed – portrayed that way in the book. So, like, to see – like where like and this is what we talked about too like we kind of knew or or suspected that um you know the the huge battle scenes you know of course that's what the movie is gonna focus on or try to get more out of because that's that's you know part of what the the movie can do better so it's gonna have to take some liberties to portray that like uh like what it actually looks like when it's not fully described but uh yeah, it was it was cool. I think the combat feels like very brutal. It does. I think it's a good choice to not have them all strapped with las guns or or whatever because that's I don't feel like that is necessarily the use. Like that's not what they're used for in the Dune universe. Like they're not they're not I mean they're called las guns. Yeah. But they're not like they're not like sci-fi laser guns, you know? They're kind of like used more of as a tool, yeah. you know? Um and for like like you know ship combat or, or or like for like big like taking down big things, I think there I think it's like probably even less effective and more dangerous to the to the um, person shooting it to like to like person to person combat. You know, I feel like both of you would die because it's like such a it's such a, like a massive thing to to um to shoot. So I mean. That's like my perception of it. So, and in, in, with the mixture of technology too, I feel like it makes sense for them to just go with knives, especially if they're all just like waking up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and, you know, they're all in their, you know, like just just like jackets and like jam jams. Yeah, right. <laughs> like the, just like the, running out. The official out. Atreides jam jams. The official Atreides uh, with, with with the flag on the pants. Yeah. No. Um. But uh. But, but yeah, they're they're waking up. They're they're taking whatever they have. Uh at the ready and just just going for it i think and i think that um is shown accurately here um during this scene yeah um it is kind of funny though it is yeah. Be- because you know you, you got the harkonnens with their armor and like just i mean they they're just total brutalists and then you have the atreides and they're like just like just in jackets and, yeah, and with, right. with, with with knives so i mean it kind of I mean, it it goes a long way to show that the Atreides are the underdogs here. You know, I mean, um, and they they put up a a really good fight um, next to the Sardaukar and the Harkonnens. Like, uh, but there really was no no question that you know which side was going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I think I I enjoyed it um, quite a bit. And how I mean it, it just like it just looks great, and it's like it's it's such a great action um, like scene, but without, but well, you know without the cliches like with and and I, I mean the closest thing to to, the, to a cliche was you know having Duncan you know and, and like he's like smirking at the camera when when he's like he like pulls out his you know sword and yeah. stuff and uh, like those moments I feel like are earned because they're they're su- they're such a rarity you know yeah. Um, yeah, and that's yeah, cool. It, I like, I like seeing Duncan get to fight here. You know, yeah, he's for sure the Atreides swordmaster. Exactly, like, that's his thing. Let's see him, you know, master some swords. And we do, we right? do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he, they they definitely expand on that because he gets yeah two big scenes. Of course, he yep. he's fighting here at Arakeen, and then uh, of course a little bit later when he when he faces off against the Sardaukar again. 
Yep, for the last time. Quotes and yeah. quotes, air quotes yep. there. Yep. Um, and then yeah, his his getaway in the uh, ornithopter is awesome as well, and <laughs> yeah. how how he's like guiding the laser to uh to kind of sabotage. Yeah. Him, uh, um, really, really well done. You know, it takes on damage, and it's it's uh. Just looks just looks fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, it it does look really cool. I like it you know, the the way that it's it's shot here. Um it I, I like that like even though so much is going on, you know it, it the the direction of it is pretty clear, you know, and you know, it's it's a scene that's happening at night, but like you get this really cool contrast, like pretty much everything's on fire. Uh, and then you see like the, the, the blue lasers cutting through, like it's the only thing that has that color. Like, yeah. It's yep. very, very distinct when mm-hmm. they go off. Like, but there's a, a lot of cool, like light, dark contrast with the nighttime and, and the fire and the explosions that like the way that Denise shoots things, the way that he lights things and, and like composes the shots, um, looks really good. Uh, so it, it, it doesn't feel like a lot sometimes, um, uh, when it comes to big action scenes like this, it it, it can be, um, you know, kind of confusing about like what's going on, where mm. are people, you know, what what are the the stakes, how how is the battle progressing? But I, I think that Denis has like a really strong focus in this in this scene. You know, he really zooms in on like more of the character moments. Um, yeah, even yep. even when like all the ships are blowing up and you know it's like well what's going on with gurney on the ground what's going on with duncan you know they kind of like lead you through the action agreed instead of just like zooming so far out that you you don't know what's happening i think that's super important to do um in those scenes because a lot of times i mean you can get lost in the action um and that's like i mean that's kind of why i'm like not a big fan of like action movies and like action scenes like in 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 movies um it just it takes like i i i'm somebody who is like i get very invested in the characters um so so i really really appreciate a movie that that is character focused and that's what this this really really is this this is a very uh character focused um adaptation and i appreciate that yeah yeah one character we don't get focus on who um does does have a uh, you know, more time in the book during during this attack is Thufir Hawk. Yeah, yeah. And I I suspect that uh, when and if Part Two gets made, they're going to keep Hawk as like the uh, the captured the Harkonnen Mentat. Yeah. You know. But it, it'll be interesting because they'll have to frame it as more of a reveal, more of a surprise again, right? I think like, so, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, he's alive. Lufir didn't really die. Yeah. He's with the Harkonnens yeah. now. Like, yeah. Uh, but I, we, don't see, we don't see any of no. what is happening. To yeah, him. no one even asks afterwards, like, where's No, they, they don't like, give a shit. He's just gone as far as the, the movie. I mean, concerned. you can assume he's dead, you know? I, you'd have to if yeah. this is all you know. Like, you're like, well, I guess Hot died. Yep. And I mean, for people who have not read the book, I think that could be a really great reveal for part two. Um, and I, I like to think that that maybe that's why they didn't show him during that scene. Um, you know, it, it likely could be 
another cup for time, but I, I think that's a good that's a good idea you brought up there. Um, it could be more effective to not show him um, being, you know, kidnapped, taken away. So we can save that for a big um, moment of revelation next next film. Yeah, I think it makes sense because if you if you did try to keep it the way they do in the book. Um, then you'd, you'd have, like, some sort of scene of him, like, being captured, which I, I guess you could still have and just leave it there. But the thing is, we don't catch back up with Hot for, I until, mean, in the book. Until the cat a, milking scene. It, yes. So, so picture this. Classic. Picture this. Picture this. Half an hour into the into Dune Part 2. Yeah. We, we, are, we cut to Getty Prime, okay? Yeah. Close up on cat udders yeah <laughs> close up on the cat nipples yes. okay we see hands they start milking milking the cat right yep zoom out yes it's through fear being made to milk the cat yeah yeah that wh- how powerful would that be yeah the 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 forced the the manipulative uh cat milking scene is mm-hmm. I mean, just one one of. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm going to say it. I was going to say one of. I'm just going to say it. The the best part of uh, the original novel, e- easily, easily, and, and and I love that it takes up about about uh, like one fourth of the novel's entire runtime. Like, yeah, it's, it's like six chapters. Yeah, long, yeah, yeah. Just it's... of just painful description of of <laughs> Thufir milking a cat. Yeah. Like, it's 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 really a bold move on Frank Herbert's part. You would think that it slows down like the the plot, but like you you realize just like with anything else in Dune, it's it's all about the layers. Like, exactly, it says you, a lot about every every other aspect of the book. Exactly, I mean, it you kind of realize like people will will joke, you know, yeah. they'll be like, oh, well, D- Dune is about big worms, you know, and it's like, oh, is it? No, you know, Dune is about cat milking. It, it always is. has been. It, yeah, it's been there since sixty uh, five. And I'm people, sorry. I mean, you know, there is an argument to be made. About how it can be an allegory for how we should milk cats in in modern society, mm-hmm. and how how beneficial it would be for all of us if yep. we actually milked cats. Yeah. Um, now, what the audience, the general public, doesn't know about part two is that most of the second part of the movie will be about cat milking. Yeah. And so that will be a shock because it's not going to be like a sci-fi movie. It's going to kind of like be a <laughs> Kind of like a, I mean, not like a documentary, but you're gonna learn the, you're gonna learn the ins and outs of how to milk a cat and why you would, mil- why you milk cats. Yeah, you know the benefit to milking cats. Just like with, um, you know, Herbert's, Herbert's, um, you know, research when it when it came to like melding religions, when it yes. came to yes, blending different elements of society and power structures. It's it's clear that if Herbert himself was not milking cats, that he was in close contact with them. Absolutely, I mean, I mean he, there's he did his work. He he put in he put in the hours of uh, research, and actually in um, college when he went to college at uh, you know the University of um, West Philadelphia. Yeah, um, born and raised, I believe he was born and raised there. Yes, um, he actually he he wrote a, a research paper on. The benefits of milking, and I think it was called the benefits of milking animals other than cows. Hmm. And the, the 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 deduction he made at the end was cats are the best animal to milk, right? Not yes. cows. Yeah, no. He went through a lot of other animal. Like he was like dogs, you can milk them, but they're more effective as chairs. Yes, you know. Precisely. And 
but cats are cats are are the number one uh, animal to milk. Yeah, no, I remember that. Um, yeah, his that paper famously uh, coins the abbreviation AOTCs, animals other than cats. Yes. Um, yep. Which which is used in everyday well, life now. I was going to say famously, that's where the title for George Lucas's second Star Wars film, Attack yeah. of the Clones, yep. AOTC, yep. Mm-hmm. comes from. Um, just another thing that people, you know, say Lucas kind of ripped off. There's no Harvard. secret of about George Lucas's, you know, affinity for Dune. Listen, Frank Herbert, we we could sit here and talk about all all the uh references and allegories to cat milking in the Star Wars series and, and we could and, we and could. how, you know, that you that know, links it directly to Dune. Actually, but. let's let's leave it at that cuz I think I think now I have got an idea for It's, it's for another time. Yeah. We're, we're going to we're going to have a big episode about that. It's for another time. We th- I mean that might be a multi-part like mini series. We, yeah, we do. Yeah, we could go There's we could so go much right there. back into There's that. so much there. So. Uh but anyways, Dune. Dune. Yes. Sufir Haunt. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, so it it does work that we we don't get that focus in on him here, but uh watching it through the second time is when I really thought about it more i was like oh like the last time we see hot um i think it's just the the i don't when they're all at the table like the, it's like their last like planning scene, yeah like just before all yep. the shit goes down mm-hmm. um so we don't even really get like any any focus on like where he is when this battle occurs which again right it's okay um but yeah will will be kind of interesting to see how they follow that up uh, in the sequel, so yeah. it will be. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do hope that he gets a bigger part in the sequel. I think he is a great choice for how I think I think he does a great job. Yeah. Um, dare I say, much better than the two other Howards we. Yeah, we, I never liked. I mean, I know Lynch Dune. Like one of the things that we enjoy is how weird it is, but like the whole hair eyebrow combo, it's, it's so fucking weird. But he it's looks not, like a Doctor Seuss character. He does. I cannot. He does. Yeah take that how it's, it's seriously it's, it's not through fear it's um it's 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 like count dracula or yeah. something i don't know um count chocula yes. count chocula uh but yeah so, so this 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 is a good choice for through fear uh hope we can see more of him yep. um i think we covered this like a little bit um yesterday but uh we we get obviously ua's betrayal yeah scene in this as well um leading into obviously him inserting the the false tooth into Lido. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that was handled? I mean, we, we talked yesterday about UA's backstory not being, uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. so whatever that, that that is what it is. How do you feel about the actual moment of the betrayal and the, you know, um, so, you know, so, so, sedating, yeah, Lido with and Mape's death and all, and then UA coming in. I I think it's done. I, I think the way that it is like actually shot and the effects in it um, looks really good. Yeah, like especially when the dart hits um, Duke Leto, he's the like, shield he's scrambling. Yeah, he's, he's trying, trying to yeah. get it. And yep. it, because it takes like just a few more seconds for it to penetrate. It breaks like, through. It's, yeah. yeah, it it is kind of tough to watch. It, it feels is. like he could grab it. I know. You know? I know. Um, he, it feels so close. And then, uh, yeah, Oscar Isaac does a really great job of like. I don't know, like por- portraying the, um, like being in that kind of like fugue state or whatever, you know, yep. he, he's like just barely hanging on to his, yeah. 
his awareness here as as UA is doing mm-hmm. all this, you know. Um, and so it, it kind of feels like you you see like how uh, limp his body becomes, but like he kind of has that that awareness. You can tell he's so you like, can you face, can tell he's conscious, right? Though, in his eyes, that, that he's they can experience all of this. Yeah. yeah. So like I I think he he pulls a lot of work here. Um, UA himself, I yeah again like I think the actor that they got uh, is good. Um, and I guess I think it works, but I'm bringing so much knowledge to it that it's, it's tough for me to like really try to like back away and think about how the scene plays out yeah. totally. Cause I, I just know how much isn't there and I, it, it's hard for me to judge it at face value. Agreed. Um, I, I guess I would say, and I think we did talk about this a bit, so I, I won't you know uh go into it too much but i i do feel like even on its own merits in the film there just isn't a lot of weight given to it you know when when it is ua it doesn't even feel like there's a reveal like oh my god ua because he wasn't really a character before no so like no. if you're just watching this you don't really know who he is He's, it's yeah they don't go like, for that oh, it's, it's that guy yeah it's it's not really meant to be a reveal unfortunately i mean if if it was even even if it was Howitt that was the that was the traitor, like like we saw enough of him where it would be like oh my god yeah but no, I mean yeah we we, we barely see any UA yeah you know, unfortunately um, the the scene that he has with the Baron where he's killed I I think is good but um, again I we we also get that like it it feels like UA is not as um like clever or aware of like what was going on with the Baron's plan it just feels like he's betrayed which again it we does. said yeah. uh but I think for those reasons this part does feel a bit more flat I I think that this could have been constructed in such a way where um you you still get some of those those elements of uh shock and betrayal that that the book you know captures so well um but i guess that's just clearly not what they wanted to do if they wanted to there's no reason they couldn't no, have accomplish it, that it seems like it's like like a decision rather than like a mistake yeah. made you know it, it's it's a it seems like they chose to not focus yeah. on this which is fine but as a fan you know as as many fans do nitpick mm-hmm. Uh, this is for sure one of my nitpicks is yeah. that it just, it, I mean, it feels underwhelming to me. Yeah. It's probably just another time saving decision because if, if you don't choose to play it like a reveal and, you know, and a setup, then you also don't have to put in the work to do the setup and the reveal, you know? Yeah. So like yep. Yep. if, if you just play the moment straight, then, you know, it, it also kind of gives them license to be like, Oh, well we don't need UA. You know, like think of how much time theoretically they saved by just having UA in those two brief scenes. Like, I do think it makes a lot of sense, um, but it, it is not how uh, I guess I would want it to be done in in, in my ideal yeah. Dune movie head or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's no, fine. I mean it's, it's it's a very very minor gripe. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I it's almost insignificant. But but it's there. <laughs> well, know. let's talk about it for another twenty minutes. <laughs> I know. Um, so, anyways, I mean, um, anything else about the attack itself that you want to talk about? Not me. I, the only other thing I kind of talked about, like I, I really I like the the feeling of like 
contrast and like the the light dark like especially like there's a lot of focus on the fire and that yes. is talked a lot about in the book like i remember i remember seeing the trailer for this movie and one of the the shots that they show in that first trailer is like all the palm trees on fire yeah and i remember especially after you know and this is actually we didn't discuss the the the, the scene uh, with paul and the like groundskeeper yes with, with, with the water obviously that's a stand-in for part of the dinner scene yeah. you know um but seeing the palm trees on fire ap- after hearing about how much water they they take every day mm-hmm. I, that was very effective yeah. yeah yeah it is right a hundred lives yeah they say it, crazy. it counts for yeah crazy um but yeah that that's really cool because that is like a, a really good book moment too you know to to keep i feel like it. yeah um so I, I like I like that we get that imagery still, you know, um, that scene of, of like UA walking past the the trees Definitely. as on fire. Yeah, uh, but I, I guess I guess that's all I really want to cover here. I, I think it's I think it's done well, and it's done in a way that feels like you know, yeah, the the, the movie really gets a chance to like shine here in in you know not showing different things but just showing more right like we, yeah. we really do get like kind of the f- the fulfillment of like that promise of like you know again herbert never really focuses on the action no the, the no. book isn't about that and denis is able to create like this this really striking just cool action sequence without making dune an action movie Totally. Absolutely right. And I mean, one of the great gifts that Herbert gave people who are you know, adapting this to film is that he, he does not, you know, write the action in depth. Like it's not an action book, you know, as you were saying, and it, it gives great license to the reader's imagination. And um, luckily for us, Denis seems to have a really vivid, vibrant imagination. And uh, that's on full display here. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, I really uh, cannot wait to see what he would do with uh, the the final battle of Arakeen, the Agreed. the atomics going off, yeah. the worm riding. I mean, and I, I mean, right when you mentioned the fire and stuff, it hit me like, if we get to Messiah, think about the stone burner, dude. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that. That's gonna look so epic. Yeah, like insane. Yeah, it will. That's um. That that would be huge. I know that would be huge. That would be absolutely massive. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of cool opportunity to to expand on uh, those sequences. That like, kind of funnily enough, you know, when we were reading it, like so many times we'd be like, "That's it," I know, <laughs> you know, like I know. that's it. I know. Yeah. And he's like, "No, that's not it, motherfucker." Yep. Like, let's go for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it works so well. Um, and then we get we get to Paul and Jessica. In the ornithopter with um with the three thugs, the three yes. Harkonnen thugs. Yep. And I and I know you. This is one of the the places in the book where you did have an issue with how Jessica was portrayed, right? Yeah. I mean, um, I think you. I think we did talk about that a little bit um, earlier in this episode. We. But, I think we did too. Just, I mean, that was mainly just about Jessica and, and her portrayal. And we watched it again. Um, do you have any further thoughts on that? And then obviously we can just dive into the, that, that scene, um, in general. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I just want to clarify, it's not necessarily so much about the portrayal. It's, I remember thinking more, it's like kind of like the, the, the cliche 
you know, thug uh, moments where they're like, oh, you know, we're just going to have our way with this. Yeah. Woman, you know, like and I guess on the one hand, even in the book, uh, but here in the movie, too, like I, I it, it's just like Gurney says, you know, you haven't met Harkonnens. They're not human. They're brutal. Yeah. Like, why? Why wouldn't they showcase that brutality? You know, um, why? Why wouldn't they feel like they could just do whatever they wanted? I, but I, but I, re- I remember really my my big gripe was like, you know, it, it feels like the Baron constructs this this rather careful plot, and then like they they have victory in their hands. They could just, you know, if 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 this scene in the Ornithopter like went the way it needed to, then they would just win, you know? Um, of course you can't have that happen, but like, I, I remember thinking like, I really like the precau- the precautions that the Baron has the guards take, you know, they have the, uh, the death guard there. Yep. So the voice can't be used on him. Like, how do you overcome that? Yeah. I think that's all pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I don't even remember too much about like what, what it was in the book that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But I, I do think the scene is probably played better here. I do like that it's more about Paul using the voice to have the guards remove Jessica's gag so she can really use the voice. Like, she does have some really cool moments here that she doesn't get in the book. Yeah, I I think, I mean, for me, the big difference here, um, and I, I don't... I don't recall how exactly it was portrayed in the book. I think there, I think it is in, in the book, but um, in in the movie, it really uh, felt like a, a learning moment for Paul. And like you can really tell, like his mother is in danger, and he ha- he has to use a voice. Um, and so he's kind of he's put into a tight spot, and uh, he, he's he's still not great at it. You know, he's he's still not all there. And uh, Jessica, you know, uses it as a moment to to teach him you mm-hmm. know um and, and we get some great atreides hand signal moments we do which, which we haven't talked about it all yet we do but they are used a lot in this movie and i i have to say i think each time it's used here it's it's done well yeah mm-hmm. um i am thrilled that there is no braille leaf i was gonna ask yeah i am <sighs> i am thrilled uh because that, I wish there that was. is infamously one of my my biggest issues you, in all of dune just the whole that, saga that was that was a huge hang up for i'll you. never get over it you, you were like i'm i'm about to like just put down this a, book. a leaf i'm not gonna keep reading that's i i'm anti i'm i'm, I'm anti braille leaf yeah i you know? you know i was like wow i think we're gonna leaf this series alone now. that's what you said famously yeah yeah uh <laughs> I, and I said connor it's not fall yet yeah we we we're stuck on the street got, for a little longer. We gotta go. We're we stuck on the street go. for a little longer. Yeah, I think the the like the secret communications were done well. There's even right. There's the the, the scene where um, Jessica meets Mapes. She has to use the hand signal on the Atreides guard yep. to be like, be ready. Know, yeah, right. Be ready. Prepare for violence. Yep. Wait, not now. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, definitely uh, some moments like that dispersed throughout the film. Even the the cone of silence is shown in the mm. the Harkonnen chamber with the Baron, Reverend Mother Peter. Yes, yeah, yeah. I like that, that that's not something that uh, comes up in the book until Count Fenring and the Baron talk on Gaiety Prime. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So I think it was cool that he he brought that in now. So 
Yeah, it does feel like there, you know, it, it definitely highlights like the necessity for um secretive communication and I and I do think the hand signals are done well. It feels like they're they're short, you know. We don't get the the humming language or anything like that. Let true, yeah, you yeah. know, like it's yeah. it's not it's not full blown discussions. It's well, the humming I language need, was I, count count and lady. Yeah, Fenrin, I know. So I know. we may get that. We may. I can't wait to see Larry David just humming away. He just yeah, hums exactly, the curb theme song. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I I think that that's really the the key in my eyes for like making it work here because it 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 just like for the moments that i feel like it it worked in the in the novel it's about getting across like that brief necessary you know usually like battle focused communication like yeah i it it made it feel believable to me to see it play out in the scenes so i liked it yeah no i mean it's 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 a form of sign language you know, it's, it's it's a form of si- that's yeah, what it's it is. It's, yes. it's not anything magical or extra human, really. It's uh, it's just their own version of sign language. Um, so I think it's 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 still pretty brilliant. Um, yeah, and I I, I think uh, I like the ornithopter scene, um, and I think the the goons, the three goons, played their roles well well enough. Um, they were not too buffoonish. Um, which I think is an issue in in both previous adaptations. Just for any Harkonnens that we that yeah. that we see, they 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 really are prone to be just like big buffoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously that brings us into the desert. Finally, it does. they. Well, they don't necessarily crash. I mean, yeah, like lands, crashes. Somehow yeah. it, it, the controls cut out. Like they do something. It's The it's, pilot does something, so it can't be used. The pilot much. either does something or, I mean, maybe there is just like a like a precaution that the Harkonnens put in there. To, yeah. So if it does crash or land unexpectedly, that it, it just it, it just killed. So there's no chance of, of you know, you know, any Atreides survival. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that 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 works. I forget how that plays out in the book, but regardless of if it's the same or if it's different, um, it's done well here in the movie. Yeah, and yeah, we we are finally on the the sands of Arrakis here, boots on the grounds. Yeah, here they are with no still suits. Yeah. Um, but you know, Jessica does notice. Yeah, UA leaves them. Yep. The, uh, the still tent, yep. all the the supplies, the frem kit, the ring. The ring, the ring. Yeah, the ring has a lot of uh, focus here. Paul's seen, you know, I'm happy wearing with, it, yeah. staring at it several times. I'm happy about its uh, its its big role. Yeah, me too. It it, it feels like the way that um, they handled the the bull. You know, where it's it, yes. it's it's this item yes. with like heavy symbolism that no one. You know, it, it's it's not so much about like discussing it directly; it's about showing it repeatedly. And you it's, know, it it's, feels like there's a weight. It's set up so beautifully in the beginning. You know, like Denis is just it's 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 just he sets up these key elements right from the start, and and it just it I think it makes all the difference in in the payoff. Uh, you know, when when the the moments are you know actualized. 
Yeah, yeah, like the last, I'm pretty sure the last scene we see Paul wearing it is just before the knife fight with Jameis. Yeah. I think he's like staring at his hands. He is. And, yeah. uh, yeah. Yep. yeah, it feels like he's like really, I, you know, kind of like caught between those two worlds of like the role that he was supposed to fill and that's kind of been like taken away from him and then like where, where he needs to go in order to like get back there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of another thing I was thinking about when it came to uh, kinds in this, because for the the brief section that she is around, um, I, I you know Paul asks like, "Oh, you're Fremen," and she goes, "Well, I'm accepted in in Siege yeah. and the Imperium, if that's what you're asking, or something like that." You know, and it, it really made me think like, yeah, like kinds kind of like sets sets down. Um, the groundwork for like showing that that's possible too, you know, someone who can like walk and, and, and be a part of both paths. And I, I think like Paul kind of sees like that that's sort of where he needs to get to. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's shown, you know, even more explicitly when they meet up with kinds again, you know, and uh, Paul asks her who she is to the front and, and she just smirks, you know, and uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it it like it kind of like gives you the backstory just in those little interactions. Like, obviously, we know that Kinds and even more so, um, Papa Kinds. Or, I mean, I, I don't know if it was if uh, <laughs> who uh, Pardo Kinds is in this uh, yeah. this adaptation, this universe. But um, their their parent is even more revered by the Fremen. You know, it's it's so it, it's kind of like a precursor to. Um, you know, uh, worshiping a uh, kind of a oh a, yeah, you're right, a godlike figure just on a different level. You That's know? true. Worshiping an outsider, right? Or, you know, an outsider that comes in and is, is revered. Uh, so right. it, it, it that all lays the groundwork for Jessica and Paul to come in and take on that mantle. Um, and so I think it's done really well without having to do a like a an info dump, you know, of the history of kinds and. Mm-hmm kinds of parents and you know all, all that stuff so yeah i'm sure they'll they'll film all the uh the appendix parts as a as a bonus oh yeah of course film absolutely afterwards. absolutely yeah um but yeah before we get to that we uh we do they set up the tent they set up yes yeah and, we, and we I, have to I, I think the tent is, is actually it's it's filmed really well that's a great scene it like um obviously there this is a very important part this is kind of a pivotal moment it's huge yeah and uh <clears throat> it's 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 done pretty well I, I i especially love seeing the spice in the tents you know it's uh, the moment when paul realizes there's spice in the tents and it's affecting him yes um and then we get the we get the meltdown we get the meltdown yeah uh paul and yeah, Timothy Chalamet, who we haven't really discussed. Yes, yeah. So we've now's been, a good a time. As we've been any. meaning to, to discuss his performance as a whole. This is a good point. Yes. Yeah, he he does sell the panic that he feels. Like this this is the scene where Paul understands. Like he he kind of feels like less of a person and more of a product. Like yep. he he has this vision where. He recognizes like his entire life has been 
manufactured you know he's not the chosen one he's the created one yeah like he exactly he's chosen nothing nope and um he suddenly feels you know it, it it's like he's imbued with so much power that he feels powerless he can't avoid anything anymore yeah. he sees everything laid out before him and he is terrified that he can do nothing to stop it i think that that Timothy Chalamet sells that that fear. And I think that's the biggest thing to showcase here is that, like, Paul in this scene, regardless of, of how, uh, like, collected and, and powerful that, that he might seem afterwards, like, there's always this, this simmering, constant fear underneath him that he, he tries to, like, keep control of. And this is the scene where, like, it, it completely overtakes him. He is he, – he can't do any – he can't do anything. He's not in control. He's kind no. of acting like an animal, you know? Like, he is, yeah. Uh, that, I think, is really the most important thing. And I, I do think that this scene is able to get that across. Like, that's what it needs to do, and they do it. Timothy Chalamet does that well. Absolutely. And and one thing that, that, you know, you just talking about that now made me realize is how much of a turning point this is. I mean, we, we know it's turning point for Paul, but I mean, in Timothy's performance, after this scene, it changes, it like it dramatically changes. And I think it, it's, it, 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 I think he, he did a great job at, at realizing that there's these two distinct um, versions of Paul, really. Um, in the beginning of the movie, I, I, I loved how he played Paul because I think it's it's you know more accurate to the book. Like Kyle MacLachlan's performance of Paul is like good and nice, and I think he does a great job at what they wanted to do with that film. Um, but Timothy really plays the part of kind of like a a disaffected kind of like like bratty teenager like like he really does sell that he's 15 years old and he's royalty and whatever and he you know can't be arsed to uh to to meet you know there he is unarsable he's unarsable exactly yeah and like like really reminds me of like like a holden caulfield character you know kind of just like i mean we've we've all been there i mean royalty or not you know we've all been shitty 15 year olds yes um and he he, he sells it so well and you're like, well, yeah, that's because he is, uh, he's like a, he still is a teenage brat deep down, right? Maybe so. I don't know him, but what I will say is he plays that part up until things get real. And after this tense scene, he he plays Paul more as an adult. Like he he he, he you know he really he takes things seriously and and is is trying to, um, I mean like work at solutions right i mean like like the very next scene like after this like he's you know he's like leading jessica through through the desert essentially and he is and when they meet up with kinds again he is offering solutions to kinds on on how to uh you know uh, i get their path to victory right so I, i think that's a it's it's just a really well done performance and i think I think a lot of people might be, they might think like that he's not acting in the beginning. You know what I mean? 
like it, it might come off as like a sub subdued or like lazy performance in the beginning. And I, I really, cause I, I've seen that criticism on Twitter a little bit and I can see where they would get that. But I mean, in my eyes, it's, it, it seems like it's all intentional. Um, just because the, the contrast between, you know, the two halves of the film really, um, before and after, you know, uh, this, this spice, transformation you know this 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 first first part of his transformation i mean obviously it's not he's he's not complete yet but um but but yeah i i think he really he he sells paul's arc in this uh first part of the book so so well yeah and and talking about like his um his acting and the character's decisions after this scene right like with kinds um, and then um, at the end, end uh, when Jessica's like, Paul, Paul needs to get off world. Like there's ships, you know, yeah. we got to And Paul's like, no, no, you know, this, um, mm-hmm. this is this is my path. You know, exactly. Um, I at, at the very least, I know the kind scene is in the book. I kind of forget if Jessica is trying to get Paul off the planet or I don't or recall. What. I don't recall. It. Yeah, it makes I, sense to me. I don't know if it's in the book. Yeah. Uh, but but at any rate, for the for the most part what they are drawing from is the source material itself. But I, I bring that up uh, not necessarily as a point of like comparison, but I, I remember, and you probably do too, me talking about this. The, the, the one of the things that, that did bother me was that Jessica feels diminished to, to have that contrast between her and Paul, where Paul isn't just like better, but Jessica's kind of like worse. Sure. Um, I think for the most part, that is, uh circumvented here because you know Jessica's still showing her emotions like in the tent scene you know she she's still crying but like she's she's comforting you know she's holding Paul it's not just about like her fear she's she's still trying to just be like a the best mother that she can be yeah. in this situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there are still par- parts like you're saying where Paul is leading Jessica but it it doesn't feel like the focus is on like that that Jessica can't do it otherwise or that she's like aimless it's just more you know Paul Paul has grown in such a short time because of all these past events that have created him that like he 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 does need to act that way i think that um it is one of the the subtleties of the movie that works in its favor like paul is acting differently but you might not notice it too much no i mean like it's it's subtle the film isn't calling attention to like look at how different this character is no there's still there exactly yeah there's no scene where it's it's like i mean people want this to go like psychedelic and and there to be like a, a you know major you know like journey into Paul's mind during this, this awakening moment, you know? Um, and while they could have gone that route, um, and they did a little bit with, with all the visions during that scene, which I thought were also well done. Um, it, it seems much more grounded and it just, it's, uh, you know, first glance, it just seems like he's just extremely upset, you yes. know? Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's subtle enough that like, I didn't even, think of of how drastic the transformation was until we just were talking about this right now so 
um just like yeah it's just it it's uh it it all feels organic yeah i the one thing i i I wouldn't necessarily want the scene to be like more psychedelic although i do think that's one of the strengths of the lynch film that we totally keep going totally yeah I, i love that he he goes in that direction um but i i still i still really uh love herbert's description of like uh of what he sees in this scene in the novel in that um it's it's a lot more about the the possible futures even when we were discussing chapter house like when we were talking about duncan as a possible quasi tatarak i went back to herbert's first mention of how Paul sees time as a undulating cloth mm. you know I'm pretty sure this is the scene where where it happens where Herbert lays out how Paul's perception of time is forever altered he can never go back to you know that that human linear understanding of time it, it, it is completely um, irreversibly changed mm. and then like you kind of get the feeling that like that's of course where so many of the differences we see in Paul come from like he he's like stepped outside of time you know and uh i i again i think the um, most important thing to get across in this scene really is the emotion like the turmoil that Paul's going through i think we get that so like on the whole it's successful but I, I do wish we got a bit more about um, the the expansion of his consciousness because it's not so much like yeah like we we do get a lot of cuts of Paul's various visions throughout the film and like he says the the visions are not set in stone like we do get it we we see it and the, and Andy says that. Um, you know the events are going to play out differently, and we're. I want to talk about that when it comes to the visions Same. with Jameis exactly. and the fight. Exactly, yeah, and and Chani as well. Right, but I, um, I I guess I wish that maybe there was more. Just just something that made made it feel like his his brain was opening in a way that like it's like I don't know if Paul ever has a vision that's bigger than this one moment. Even in the books, like well, it, it's like it's bigger than anything he ever experiences ever again. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I kind of feel like Denis does not want to blow his load too early because we have this. This is a pivotal moment in the film, but in the entire book, we also have the spice agony. Yeah, you know, um, he hasn't drank that sweet sweet water yet. That there's a lot of potential there for uh, something that is truly otherworldly psychedelic. Um, so I, I kind of feel like this is more of a leveling up. And I'm, I mean, obviously, after he drinks uh, the water of, of life, um, things change forever again. You know, it's 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 kind of like a, it's just kind of um, like his old life is closed off forever, you know, irrevocably at this point. I mean, if, if, if Jessica like says, Oh, we're going to go back to Caledon. He could just, I mean, he, he could agree, you know, still. Um, I don't know. I, I would argue, I mm-hmm. would argue, 
I think this scene is the point of no return. I mean, the I, way that it's written in the book. I think it is a point of no return. You can't. But you can't I think have, it, you can't have I, multiple I do, points. I of think no you return. can. I think. I mean, in, if there's more with, than one point of no return, then with, you can return. Well, with with a view of time like Paul's, I think you can. I think there. Are, I think there are multiple points of no return. All right, maybe. Um, I. But but this is like the cr- the crossing sure, of the threshold. This it is. is the 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 change. I get what you're saying. Well, but the. Spice agony is a greater change, though. It uh, just just on a like a metaphysical level, like a change that that changes consciousness forever. That's not. I mean, the thing. I don't think it's. I I, th- I think that is a bigger change to his like like mental structure. All the, in all, the, the thing is, is that you're right. I think so too. Like, of course, the agony is going to be bigger. But I, I just feel like um, not even just like within the, the lore or the, the actual explanations of like how these things affect the, the people of this universe. I think from like a narrative structural standpoint, just like we're saying, like this, this is like that, that midpoint between Paul's character arc in this film. We get these distinct halves and in between, in this scene in the tent, like, he comes out reborn, a, a different thing. This is like a cocoon that they inhabit, you know? And uh, when the, the way that he acts here in the tent is different than before and after. He has this moment to to sell, like, this horrible pain he's in that, that causes the transition. Um, I, I think it would be, like, a like a, disser- a, a disservice to, like, the story if it, if it felt like... Oh yeah, like he changed, but like eh, it's not that big of a deal. Like I, I do think it's this still scene, a big deal. I do it's think this huge, scene is big. It's a huge. I think it's a big deal. It's a it's a huge turning point for for Paul, for sure. But it's not the only one. It just it's it's not the only turning point. That re- I mean, it, it really no, isn't right, and we we know it's not. I mean, he the, the agony he's he's out, he's in a coma for you know days or weeks or whatever like yeah. comes back a totally different person it's it just i mean it's 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 yeah it's saving your load not blowing your load <laughs> in the first film to keep talking okay um the load i i think there's room for two for 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 more than one of these moments because i mean in the book in the book i think maybe the this scene is played um for a greater importance than the the actual spice agony is i think i think you're right about that um but overall i think that uh, the spice agony has a greater payoff um because he's he's still learning about his visions you know uh and his relationship like like this is kind of what brings him to a place where he's able to kind of understand what they are like he wasn't he wasn't able to understand what they were but like before this moment it was all still confusing to him now he's learning kind of his relationship to his prescience i guess and then the spice agony in my eyes like solidifies that after that he 100% like he knows what he is he knows what he has to do he knows he's he's at, he comes to um he he comes to terms with everything yeah, um, in, in in a very solid, defined way, whereas he's still 
he's still in a place of learning. Yes. That is true, and I agree with everything you said. I just feel like that that all those things that you're talking about that are true could still come to pass and maybe have this scene beefed up a little more. Because I, I think I am one of those people who would have appreciated if the, the visions in this scene went a little farther. But Yeah, that's fair. I get that that, um, you know, clearly, and again, you're right, deliberately is not meant to be the focus. I think the focus is is on uh, the the characters, Paul and Jessica, and how they feel in this moment. So yeah, the, and the visions and, are secondary. And because Denis is not blowing his load right now, it's not he's not yeah. blowing the whole load right now. Right, like a little, it's like a little precom right now. Yeah, you know. Um, what I do, what I do love, <laughs> what I do love about these visions is the jihad. Yes. And obviously there could have been more shown, but we we see visions of the jihad. We see the Atreides flag being raised in in uh you know, by the Fremen and worlds unknown. You know, we see we see Paul and Chani looking over as it happens. It's it's some really powerful stuff. It is, yeah. Those, burning bodies. Yeah, the burning bodies, yeah. Those those shots are all really good. Um and, and you could see like in those images of like Paul and Chani standing on the ships, like they do look godlike, yeah. you know, standing there. But yeah. it, but in not in you know, obviously the idea is not in a benevolent way. Like no. they are no. you know they've ascended into, into something that just doesn't even care about humanity. Absolutely. Like they yeah. are removed. Removed. They're, 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 I mean, literally soulless. They're looking over them. Yes. Just, just like staring down, down at them, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's, so, I, I, I love all those scenes and I mean, watching them makes me want to, it makes me want more of them, obviously. And I think that is kind of, um, one thing that Danita's really well too, is that it's, it's, a. Uh, the art of withholding, or, or rather, the art of of making you want more. Yeah, he doesn't much, just he doesn't just blast you in the face. With he cum. doesn't. He doesn't just come all over he your. He doesn't. Face. No, no. He, he he he. You know, he like little, like little spurts. Yeah, spurts right. out a little bit here and there. It's like teasing you. Right? Yes. You know. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. But yeah, I thought that was this is really good. Edging. Ed, that's what they call. That's what the kids call it these days. This is this is cinematic edging, as as Denis would say. I think he coined the term. Cinematic, yes, he did. Yeah, cinematic. Um, yeah, I mean, and then, then just uh, also kind of after this moment, I, I, I wanted to bring up the, the tent itself and how it stores the water and kind of showing that. that that's a really, uh, really great shot. It is cool. You know what I liked about that is it, it felt like um, it felt like, ooh, can crack. Oh, yeah. Felt like seeing like blood cells move through veins or like it, it felt like very like biological and and to me with all the dune knowledge i'm i'm bringing in now felt like really striking imagery when it comes to like um i, I guess like genetics and dna yeah. and i don't think that that is really any part of the intention of the scene but it like imagery wise like that—that's something that it—it it, it feels like it's kind of evocative of. I don't know if you got that at all, but yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, it kind of happens where the lighting is changed, and it's a close-up on like the the like the veins of the 
of the tent and you're like what the fuck is this and then it kind of slowly pulls back and you're like, like oh this is the tent and that's it's the the, the water conservation mm-hmm. then obviously we have jessica drink from it you know um she's like oh yucky yeah. paul's like sweat and tears sweat and tears, sweat yeah. and tears mama um so that's that's a really good that's a good scene um it is yeah all the technology in the in the frem kit and the tent and everything like looks really uh believable really well made like the um, what is it the sand compactor that they use to that you know they kind of show you how it works in the tent briefly where it yeah. separates the sand yeah like some some field yeah uh that that's what they use to get out you know that's Herbert makes a attempt to describe that in the book, but I never, I was like, what? You know, just, just like when I watched the Lynch film and, you know, I, I knew, I understood all the events of the book, but to, to see them played out in the visuals, like, oh, I remember talking like, oh, the maker hooks, like I get how that works yeah. and shit. But I think similarly, uh, that, that was like a really small thing that I think did a lot of work in, in, in feeling like, yeah, like this, this technology feels, feels grounded to see how it works kind of like demystifies some of the the weird you know it, it's sci-fi of course because it is but you you get a sense for like how it actually operates as a tool and um it's it's cool to see i think that's that's part of what i was trying to describe when i was saying like Denis has a knack for making things feel tactile you know um these these technologies that that don't exist there's a logic to them and and that's definitely showcased here with with how all like the Fremen tech works in and around the tent. Yeah, he does a great job at making all this feel real and visualizing it. Um, that's another you know point for his imagination, I think. And I mean, not just imagination, but like real world application of it. You know, yeah, it's like you can tell he's been like a, a filmmaker for years and years and like knows how to translate these things. You know. Um. Yeah, and then they pop up from the sand. Mm-hmm. Right away, Duncan Idaho comes and uh, saves them. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, but I, I, I did want to just quickly call attention when they pop out. You know who meets them before Duncan? Oh yes, yes, little little uh, little baby Moa Dib. Yeah, baby Dib, baby Dib himself. Yep. Um, I. <sighs> I think it's it's another really great nod to the book um having all these little little uh mouse uh shots yeah yeah the the mouse shows up and um the like the the hollow book yep in the uh the hunter seeker scene yep and then after the tent he has a vision of with him and Chani looking yeah, at the mouse. Right. Yeah, right. The mouse like says like, "Don't be afraid." Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's cool that not a single character ever goes like, "Oh yeah, that's Muad'Dib." You know, I like, know. no one know. says anything. Yeah. That's just just like with the bull, pretty much. Yeah. Like that's something that is is put in where if you've read the book, you can extract that depth from it. If you haven't, it'll probably be a cool payoff. In the sequel, that's what I'm saying. But it, it's yeah. just part of the flavor of this movie. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's it, it's going to make the the sequel. Uh, you know where he chooses his name. Um, much more impactful, which is awesome. Um. Yeah. That 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 was a good scene. Uh. And, and then yeah, I mean, uh, 
Duncan. Duncan's back. Duncan's back, baby. Again. Paul does. I, I remember thinking, reading it, when, when Paul is able to tell it's Duncan flying the ornithopter by the, like, the minutia of how it moves, he's like, that must be Duncan using the controls. I think this is another scene where um, the, the movie benefits. The same thing happens. Paul says, that's Duncan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I know that Paul is realizing that it's Duncan because he, he, can, he has this heightened consciousness now. Yeah. And he sees the way the ornithopter moves, and he's like, oh, shit, that's Duncan. But in order for Herbert to explain that to you, in a book, he has to take like a whole ass paragraph and write it out. And that takes time for you to read that whole ass paragraph. And the whole time I'm thinking, are you shitting me? You want me to buy that <laughs> Paul is like so fucking hyper intelligent now that he can tell who's flying a ship based off like the, the minor fluctuations now they operate the controls? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me, Herbert? <laughs> That's what you want me to accept. That's what you want me to believe. But the movie is able to accomplish the exact same thing, but it just happens visually. So Paul just says, that's Duncan. You could just think that, oh, you know, he just has a feeling or, you know, like. Yeah, you don't really question it. But but I, I feel like it's it's something that portrays it accurately to the book that doesn't have to take the time that makes me roll my eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's it's something that I think maybe Herbert was trying to get across. He does get it across, but I, I guess what I mean is like literally just like based on how the medium has to tell it as a story. I don't think it works as well. I think it's something that works better in the movie, but it's the same moment. It's something that the movie does better because it can. You know? Yeah, I I get that. Um, I think that's that's a really interesting thing to discuss because I mean. As far as like it, it just it kind of seems like just, it's it's like a movie moment where you know like the second they re that they reappear they're 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 saved you know I mean so um it kind of makes sense to kind of a uh, or brings some sense to kind of more of a a moment that you know some people would would be like oh that's that's not realistic you know but um but I think I think you can explain it yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because, like, I, the only reason I I know that Paul knows that it's Duncan or, you know, is, again, because of the moment that I don't think works as well in the book. It, it's funny that there's, like, that that back and forth between the two. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, done well here just for how brief it is. Duncan picks him up. Um, Kinds is there, right? Kinds is in the Kinds old in the ship, yeah. and they they yep. all go to the the old ecology research center yes. where where Kinds is held up. And um, one of the most important things that happens here is they show us how the Fremen make coffee. Yes, they do. Yeah, it's mostly spit. It's spit. It's but, pretty much all spit. But you know, it. I mean, coffee is coffee, right? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Not drink coffee. Once you heat up that water, it doesn't matter how you got it. Yeah. I mean, that's how you know you made it with your pee this morning. Yes. Um, So it was already a little bit warm. You just heat it up a little bit. No, yeah. There's benefits. You get uh, it's it's a lot of electrolytes. Yes, those. That's very important. So. Um, But yeah, we also get kind of uh, kinds is. 
dilemma being between these two worlds uh she can't really speak against the imperium or the the emperor um but her actions are louder than than words and policy uh, yeah, yeah. policies them yes which is important yeah yeah i think that's all pretty well done and then that that gets us the moment like you were saying saying uh like how how timothy like has to change his performance to showcase paul's growth here like this is kind of the the first big scene where you see it where yes. he he lays out the plan um you know of, of how like you know kinds is like pretty much the dilemma like you're saying kinds is faced with is like well if if i'm going to help then i'm going against the imperium uh which pretty much means like i'm gonna die and everything i've worked for will be destroyed and paul's like well what if i become the imperium you know like we we could do it in a way where we help each other so you help me get revenge and become emperor i turn dune into a paradise like you want so uh yeah that that it, it makes a lot of sense it's the first time we we know that i mean paul can see like a clear way out like he can see a clear path of the future mm-hmm. and i think it's that's good to to get because we don't see that in his visions really it, I, th- I think the way his visions are displayed um are, are so great because like it's it's not i mean we we don't see like a like a clear you know shot of the future it's 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 kind of mired in, in abstraction and kind of symbolism and um <clears throat> but through that we like it, it kind of even like goes to show that like we don't we, like we're not seeing the visions with him like we're seeing the same visions but we're not getting the same thing out of them you know like he he sees the visions even a different way than the audience does and um i think that that's you know clarified here where where he like he he can see a, a path forward and but nobody else like believes him at this point yeah yeah that's that's uh definitely the case it, and it, it is cool to to show like right there's there's more to paul than even we see even though yeah. we're, we're kind of right there with them yeah yeah um another thing that i like about this scene you know we were saying that uh you know of course the emperor is not in the film Irland is of course not in the film um this is the first inkling we get of her. Yeah. I, I do think one of the things this, this does well to kind of like mirror the, the storytelling of the book, you know, of course the emperor doesn't become a character until like the last, what, five chapters or yeah. is that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but his presence has always felt throughout the story. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, that holds pretty true here still. Um, the Harkonnens are, of course, are talking about the Emperor. The Baron says he's a, you know, a jealous, dangerous man. His we, presence is, is very large. Yeah. His presence looms over, I mean, the, over this movie. The Sadarkar are, you know, obviously kind of the, the will of mm. the Emperor, you know. Um, and what, you know, what uh, Paul says something that I think really beefs up his, his, uh, his presence is, is he says that um, all of the great houses this is their worst nightmare. Yes. What, what, what happened to them? The, the, the emperor, um, unleashing his Sardaukar on a great house is every great house is just nightmare. Mm-hmm. And it happened to them. Yes. Um, that says a lot. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Right. Very interesting the way that um, the Emperor, you know, it's like all powerful, but still has to be uh, sneaky in the way they wield yes. their like ultimate power. Yeah. Um, yep. Very, very cool how, you know, Denise able to, to still um, carry over that 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 power structure between the emperor and the lands rad and even the spacing guilds. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's all cool. And then Paul, Paul briefly mentioning, you know, that the emperor's daughters, none of them are married. There's no heir. Um, also does like the, the briefest, you know, blink and you miss it setups for Irulan, of course. Yep. But I think it's good that there's, just a line to to draw some attention to that uh so it, it doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere yeah, later same. on yep. so um yeah i think paul laying out the plan and, and how it's connected to you know um overcoming the emperor and and how that the key to victory lies in uh you know like using that feudal power structure to your advantage like if i marry the emperor's daughter then what are they going to do like Mm -hmm. i'm the heir so um yeah that uh that that is all very cool and well done here can we pause it quick yeah you gotta pee i gotta pee i gotta whiz to my my brother yeah let's make some uh piss coffee again quick all right we'll just get the pot and uh we'll get a pot to piss in so, yeah, we are here at the Ecology Center with Kynes, Duncan, Paul, and Jessica. Yep. Um, amongst some other Fremen, of course. And uh, really what goes down uh, is the attack. You know, um, the the Sadaqar... Um, show back up they are a relentless force and uh i i like to see the the fremen response to their attack though like you know yes of course the fremen do get killed and overwhelmed here but we we know that the the fremen just like duncan says uh earlier the the greatest fighters you know he had ever known right that they they are formidable in and of themselves so like that scene where the Fremen are all out there making their coffee and then they, like, disappear, you know? Yeah. Uh, was actually a pretty cool visual. You just see, like, the lone coffee pot sitting there. You're like, where'd everybody go? You know? There were a bunch of Fremen around Doesn't here. Doesn't anybody want the coffee? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, they, they, like, you know, pop out of the sand. They ambush. Um, all all really well done and, and really cool. So I, I like that there was at least... Um, some showcase of like the solder car and the Fremen fighting. Cause I, I feel like that ends up being pretty, pretty big in the, in the ends too. You know, that it's one of those things that I don't think matters so much to the story of like Dune, or it's one of those things that you can easily cut out. But when it comes to like Messiah, when it comes to children of Dune, the fact that the Fremen are as powerful as they are in their own right. And then the ways that they like change and lose that is kind of like an important part of how those stories go forward and, and tell the tale of the Fremen and, and how they're, they're manipulated and changed by, um, by Paul and the Imperium. 
so regardless of, of if any of that is ever like expanded on just the fact that the, that the Fremen and the Sadakar do battle, that they're kind of shown as like equals, um, I think is really cool. I can definitely see in the sequel, like more of those kinds of scenes happening. Oh yeah. Have a, have a bit more focus on that. And, and the Fremen force, you know, fighting yeah. of course. So, uh, that was a, a a really cool battle scene. I, I like the way that they that they face off here. I mean, you can kind of see Denis is planning uh, this more as a trilogy, I think, than just the just Dune. <clears throat> um, and I think I think you're right. I, I think that kind of change in the Fremen uh, in Messiah will be a lot more impactful. Um, seeing how vicious and like you said, formidable they are in this film than we even really get to see in the book. Um, so I think that's going to make a huge impact. Not only that, but putting a, a bigger focus on Duncan Idaho's death. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Duncan. Yes. Once again, let's talk about Duncan. Just making him a bigger focus in the movie um, What is a great call. Um, but focusing on his death... And how, you know, noble it was and how valiant it was and how he, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great, great death scene. And importantly, it's done in the service of the Atreides, right? Exactly. He sacrifices himself for the royal family. Very clearly. Yeah. Very clearly. Um, which, (laughs) I mean, as we all know, Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of comes back to bite him in the ass. Yeah. Kind of comes back to bite him in the arse. It, it is his fatal flaw time yeah. and time again. But, yeah, I mean, shining such a light on it is is a brilliant move on Denise's part. Um, I mean, obviously, you got Momoa, so you're going to use Momoa. Of course. This is a total Momoa moment. It's a Momo- It's a moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a moment. Um yeah, it, it, it's it's great. When you think he's dead, he's not dead. Yeah, I he love rises that. again. He, he, you know, he he plays dead just to uh, just to trick the uh, the Sardaukar. Yeah, um, to to buy more time for for Jessica and Paul, which is awesome. Yeah, actually, you could you could take that moment as a kind of metaphor. Uh, I, uh, yeah, right? rising from the dead. Yeah, yeah. Yes. no, I, I thought the same thing. So uh, no, that's, that's foreshadowing. Yes, there we go. Right. Um, yeah, one thing about this moment, too, uh, I, I don't really know what it means or, or what the purpose of it is, but I thought it was interesting, and I noticed on my second uh, watch here. Uh, it's at, at the beginning of this scene, when they're at the, the center, like before the Sadakar show up, Duncan's just like chilling, and he, you see him like playing with a beetle, um, and then after he's really dead, he falls and like the beetle kind of like crawls by him. And uh, yeah, I don't really know if there, you know, if there's anything to like dissect there. But I, regardless of if I'm gonna get there or if we're gonna like figure anything out, like I, I it, it feels like one of those like cinematic choices that uh, Denis and company made. I, I think that they have some kind of intentionality behind showing it. And I, I think that's one of the things I might I might think more about, or it could even be something that they come back to in later films. But could it be. feels like there's some I don't know something there about like Duncan playing with this little bug. It, it's almost like um, 
the way that I don't know. I guess may, maybe that like Duncan is is kind of seen as um, just like this little insect that kind of gets to be uh, like observed by by these like larger forces. You know, not that not that Duncan, of course, isn't like uh, powerful and amazing like he is, but you know, just just like the way that a person can reach down and like pick up a bug and you know like change its whole life or whatever, like Duncan kind of has this moment of observing something that is like on on the face of it like so much smaller than him. Like, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's something. There could be something there. I mean, even even you know the the beetle becomes an extension of of Duncan, and I mean the beetle getting away is is maybe a. Uh, up a little heads up that you know Duncan's story isn't over right um still still crawling on yes yeah he'll yep forever crawling on so that that's an interesting thought um I'm sure there is some sort of intentionality behind it um and, and I also love you know him him closing the door behind him locking it so Paul can't come in fight alongside him um <clears throat> so he can get away done very well i thought uh timothy did, did a good job showing you know real concern and and desperation for his his friends yeah you know like you were saying that's one of those kind of cliche movie moments that works mm. well here where yeah. you know oh i'm gonna sacrifice myself and they Absolutely. close the door you know and yeah like i you've seen that done a hundred times mil- yeah but yeah like it's okay to see it done 101 times here because they, they pull it off really well it, it's a great mixture of like because like jason momoa like he he sells that scene so well like like he's got just the fucking action hero face like like he he so intentionally you know shuts the you know shuts and locks the door and then 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 looks forward and 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 you can tell he, like he knows he's going to valiantly sacrifice himself now mm-hmm. like that's yeah, his, there, right there's no escape there's no escape and that's his plan and that's that's i mean he's he's happy to do that like that's uh, it i mean it's it's total action hero momoa but works so well in service of the plot right um it's a great hashtag moment it is yeah you know listeners please (laughs) please please use that hashtag and you know pick your favorite jason momoa moment hashtag (laughs) hashtag moment yep doesn't have to be in dude it can be it can be an awesome you'll get one of those little uh duncan uh emojis next to it yeah yeah we already (laughs) talked it over with twitter they said it's a go yes yep yep we're we're good friends with jack on twitter yeah he, he okayed it for us um yeah it's a great fucking scene it is yeah um and I, I like seeing the like the the personal las gun here too. You know, it's still like yeah. this big heavy. It, it, you're right. It kind of it's not shown to be like this little handheld pistol. Like it's this no. big ass. Yeah. You know, it almost kind of serves like a battering ram more than a weapon. It's yep. to get through the door so they can use their swords. Exactly. Not to exactly. Like shoot them with a laser. Like yep. they don't care. Nope. Uh, but yeah, the the way that that Duncan after they think he's dead. You know, um, Jessica Kynes and Paul can't cross because of the laser, and then he stops them from firing it again when he gets back up. So, yeah. like it, yeah, there is a really cool cause and effect there, and um, yeah, just just to show uh, like his uh, his strength, yeah, and definitely yeah, the getting back up after dead. Uh, I I didn't I didn't think of that as like a metaphor, but now that we're talking about it, I it totally I, it's, is. It's there for sure. So it's yeah, it's really cool to have them add that in because of course that's nowhere in the book no um duncan's 
I, I, I mean, his and, death is is like is is like nearly a footnote. It's not. Yeah. It's not really a huge moment. What I was going to mention actually, though, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I think in the book, Paul actually sees him die, whereas here he doesn't. Not that that like really changes anything, but maybe I'm not sure. I'm just thinking because like that. It, it it's a clear it's a clear change for the movie to have Duncan go down and come back up. Yeah, so like absolutely. that's that's definitely what makes it like feel yeah. so meaningful too. Because I, I think Duncan just gets like he he kills Sardaukar for sure. But I mean, yeah. like, when he goes down, he's done yep. in the novel. So, yep. um, yeah, that was that was very cool. And then we get the escape to the ornithopter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Kynes and uh, Paul and Jessica they go their separate ways. Um, Paul and Jessica get to an ornithopter to escape. Um, and you know it sputters a little bit to start up, which is a very tense moment because obviously they're they're being chased. Yeah. Um, but they get it running. What do you know? They fly straight into. Well, they're being chased. Yes. By you know Harkonnen, Sardaukar, whatever. Um. <clears throat> ornithopters but they fly straight into a dang Coriolis storm yes they do connor let me ask you a question these Coriolis storms on Arrakis yeah, yeah. are they deadly so are they dangerous what do you make of this one so you know you're like, like you, you've seen thunderstorms here on earth i have so not like that they're not like that okay um, tell me more. Have you seen uh, like tornadoes? Like, like you'll get like a tornado warning. I, I've your, gotten like, tornado iPhone. warnings on my phone. Like, beep beep beep. Tornado yeah. warning. Tornado uh-oh, warning. Yeah, uh-oh. you say yep, exactly. Exactly. Tornado warning. Yeah. Uh oh. So, so think of that, mm-hmm. but like five hundred times worse. You gotta be freaking kidding! I'm me. not. I'm not. I'm not. And and what they say is, I mean, if you go in deep into a into a Coriolis storm, you're not. You're not getting out. You're, you're. That's it. You're dead. You're dead meat. So. Oh my goodness. Uh huh. So you, I mean, you're as good as dead. You enter that. You enter that thing. You're. You're gone. You're toast. You're toast. You'd be a fool to think otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What? You're gonna survive a a a a a a a a damn Coriolis storm five hundred times no. worse than a tornado. You, you'd have to be a god or something. I don't think so, buddy. You'd have to be a god or something. Um. So I mean, of course, like, you can assume. Paul and Jessica are dead. They're goners. Yeah, it's it's safe to assume. Safe to assume when, they're, when, they're done. When Rabin shows up to the Baron and he's like, yeah, we didn't see him die, but uh, they went into a freaking yeah. Coriolis storm. And this time, the Baron doesn't even question it. No. Which, in previous adaptations in the book, he's like, Rabin, we have to see their bodies. Yeah, yeah. Bring me the bodies. Yep, I remember that. That was good. And uh, bring good, me the body. That was a good, that was a good impression. <laughs> but then, but this time he doesn't. There's nothing. He just says, "Okay, okay, they're dead." Yeah. Okay, Robin. Thank yeah. you. I mean, they went into a Coriolis storm. They did. You can't. I mean, what the, the Baron knows. What are you going to think? They, they're fine. No way. Oh yeah. Uh, let me just uh, <laughs> let me just put on my raincoat and I'm I'm going to take just a, a light stroll, <laughs> a light stroll through this Coriolis storm. Uh, nuh-uh. All I need is my poncho. <laughs> nuh-uh. <laughs> I don't think so. 
me a little umbrella and maybe like, maybe some goggles yeah. for the sand for the sand. Get a little sandy the in sand. there. Get some goggles. <laughs> yeah, but it's no, not no. So oh, you can bring. You know, it's honestly, it's like bringing a condom to a knife fight. Yeah. That's that's what that's what that's the way I think of it. Yeah, it's like you bring a condom for protection for a, from a knife fight. From a knife for a and knife you, that's, fight. Yeah. that doesn't work. Yeah, I've I've tried that. It not does gonna, not work. Not it does gonna not happen. work. Not gonna happen. No. Uh, man, do you think uh, how we get like tornado warnings on our iPhones? Do do the citizens of Arakeen get like Coriolis storm? Probably. Warnings? Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's like, I would say eh, so. Eh, 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 yep. They're like, oh, not this shit again. Yep. You know? They just no. look at their phone, put it down. I mean, yeah, yeah. They, they they treat it casually now. Yeah, they're right. they're not gonna be concerned about it. No big deal. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, so while while they are lost in the Coriolis storm, and Rabin and the Baron conclude that you know they're goners, they're they're dead yes. Yes. You know, Baron tells uh Rabin to you know. To, to squeeze, to squeeze, squeeze the the citizens of Arrakis tight, turn a profit. Just you know, pretty much you know what what he's saying to uh, Rabin is, just be your beautiful self. Yeah, you know, be the brute that you are. That's right. Be the beast that you are. Yeah. Squeeze them until there's nothing left to squeeze. Milk them like cats. <laughs> you know, that's that's essentially <laughs> like, what he means. Yeah, like treat them like an AOTC. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and we meet back up with Kynes. We do. Yeah, when when Kynes and Paul and Jessica part ways, they're like, "Oh, what about what about you?" Kynes is like, "I uh, I know my way around the desert. I think I'll be okay. I think I'll make it." Famous last words. Yikes! Right? Big yikes! Yeah, <laughs> big yikes! Uh, I, I do, now okay. Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna say here is where things differ a bit from the book. In a pretty significant way. They do. Um, yeah, definitely a another decision to to give a bit more power and, and agency, I think, to these characters. Um, not to say that that's lacking from Kynes, but um, I think if you were going to play Kynes' death out the way it happens in the book... Um, it's just another thing that you would you would literally have to add about another fifteen minutes to this story in order for it to to feel like it has impact. Because if all of a sudden you know Kynes just like starts hallucinating someone, <laughs> you know, and you'd be like, well, th- there is not um, any any precedent for this to to feel like no. it makes sense. No, and the problem is too is it's like it's all internal dialogue yeah, as well, yeah. and it's just, that would be just such a hard task. Yeah, what I what I like about how they do this is I, I feel like they kind of have it both ways. Where like, yeah, not only do you have to, um, not only do you get to like save time like, theoretically, um, but even though it changes how Kynes dies, um, I think the the ultimate the ultimate message remains intact. Um, because we give Kynes that that moment. She's she's about to ride a worm to escape. She sees the worm off in the distance. She pulls out her maker hooks. And then she is backstabbed by a Sadakar. Yep. And then as she is about to be finished off, she uses her fist like a thumper <clears throat> and calls the worm. 
which is a, a great moment. Yes. Um, but but I what I like about it is instead of like the spice blow and kinds being like, oh, I am a desert creature and being swallowed by the planet. You know, she's swallowed by the worm, which is yep. just another extension of the it's nature of Arrakis. Just as fitting. Yeah. So it, it 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 does do some minor tweaks here, but it's it's still that ultimate idea of, you know, it's it's the planet itself that um, really reclaims kinds yep. back into itself. I think that's that's the that's the biggest um, point that needs to be made. And um, I mean, it you know, Kynes dies in a very great and honorable way. And I mean, it's, I think the the um, <clears throat> the the sentiment is 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 the same pretty much. Um, I mean, after they they stab her, the Sardaukar say, you know, you betrayed the emperor, you know, the empire. And um, Kynes replies, uh, my only master is Shai Halud, and then starts starts dumping on the on the sand. And it's it's such a powerful moment. Yeah. Um, they all get eaten by yeah. by Shai Halud himself. Yes, um, really great way to go out. It is. Yeah, it was really, really cool, really clever to to see her. You know, summon the worm to um, to kind of to take them out too. You know, obviously she knows she's a goner at this point. But yeah, the um, the the ultimate reason for her death is is really important. And yeah, it still shines through as as a, as a rackus taking her back definitely um so yeah that that was pretty cool i mean um uh i i think the the big moments with kinds are are still intact in this film you know even though they're quick we still get the ornithopter scene uh we still get this we still get this escape from the the center when the Sada car come, we still get, you know, her and Paul talking about the plan. We still get the death. The only thing that is missing, I guess, is like the banquet scene, which we already talked about. You know, several characters are involved in that. But Kynes, uh, another good moment for her there. Um, but, yeah, I, I really where I'm trying to land here is just that I, I think like time wise, like screen time, Kynes doesn't have a lot. But they they make the moments where she is on screen the the big beats you got to hit Definitely. for kinds to work and i think especially here in her death scene uh you know they pull it off pretty tactfully it's it's tough to feel like you have such a fully realized character in such a relatively short amount of time uh and i i, I think that they stick that landing with kinds here and i like that they give that moment you know where where she's the one to summon the worm too like those were some cool changes that I, that I think like worked really well in, in the movie, you know, um, differences that, that were fun to watch, you know, and, Absolutely. and felt like they like informed this interpretation of kinds in, in like a strong way. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think Sharon Duncan Brewster. Sher- yeah. I was saying, a great Shannon, job. I was saying Shannon before, wasn't yeah. I? It's yeah. Sharon. Yeah, it's okay. Um, our apologies. Yeah, thank you uh, for the for the correction. That's important to know. Yeah, um, and I mean this this brings us really into I mean the final part, the final segment kind <clears> of uh, yes of the movie where I mean they they make it through the Coriolis storm. They oh my inexplic- god, inexplicably <laughs> yes, never happens. That that shit never happens. Yeah, um, 
you know, pretty much like Paul lets Jesus take the wheel. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, you, you think I'm the Messiah? Come on through, big man. We're calling. Yeah, we're, we're calling the big guy upstairs. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, I mean, yeah, he they they kind of just go with the flow. Yeah. As it were, for, I, there's some advice Paul gets in a vision. He follows it, and uh, they're able to land, mm-hmm. not safely. They crash the ship. Yeah. They crash the ship, um, but they land by rocks. They do. Which is very important because when you walk on rocks... The worm stops. The worm, <laughs> When you walk on rocks, the worm stops. Yeah, you don't attract the worms. Yeah. Um, so that that was very lucky that, they, got, that they ended up... On who, the rocks. Who, let, let me ask you, um, who gives Paul the advice in that vision to to let go, let Jesus take the wheel? As of right now, it seems like a Fremen that we have not been yet introduced mm-hmm. to. But they seem like a very friendly, personable Fremen that yeah. does isn't prone to like anger no. issues or like flying off the handle or like wanting to fight anybody it yeah. just like seems yeah. like a really normal just nice yeah, person like a, like a totally like a, a reserved kind yeah. gentle spirit level-headed like just looking to like offer offer yeah. help in a, in a dire uh-huh. situation right exactly so so that's that's much appreciated yeah. to paul he's like you know these from folk they're, they're not half bad are they yeah yeah no uh yeah we'll get back to that i, yes. I do the, the I, <laughs> I did want to say one more thing about it and that uh they they pretty much do say yeah it's the flow of life they right? do and yes. then then Paul yes. follows that flow that's yep. what gets them through the storm, um, that's definitely an idea um, that is running throughout the Dune saga that's that's cool to see here I forget how it's worded it could be exactly that in the in the original chapter but it really makes me go back to chapter house we were just talking about yep. that how the Bene Gesserit. Um, it's not that they serve a god, right? That's that's the discussion between Rebecca and the rabbi. It's yeah, it's it that is. they recognize the flow the of the flow. universe, yep. Yep. and they they know when to ride it, and they know when to change its course. Exactly, or how to, right? Yep. And, and uh, so Paul kind of gets his first glimpse of he that does. here. Yeah, that that's a that's a good uh, that's a good thing to bring up. Um, yeah, what um, what mystery Fremen says is uh. Uh, life is not a mystery to solve, but a reality to experience. And then I think you do something like right. let go and go and, with the flow. And that is a Herbert quote. That is a Herbert quote, yes. A great line yeah. by the man himself. Which which I, I like that some of these um these sayings and the visions he's he's uh seeing are ripped out from um, you know, the uh texts we we get peaks of mm-hmm. you know yeah that's probably like an op- like a, an opening passage i think from so the chapters i think so yeah so it, it is a cool nod yeah. um right how else would you incorporate that but i think yeah, there's a few times nice. where, where we get uh quotes from those those sections which is which is nice mm-hmm. um but yeah they they get onto the rocks and they put on their still suits um this is jessica's first time wearing a still suit yep paul helps her out a little bit um and then Well, let's just say the only way out of this, you gotta, you gotta get, what did we just say? You gotta get to the rocks and the worm, get to the rocks and the worm stops. Yes. Well, hey, before that worm stops, before they get to those rocks, mm-hmm. that worms are coming, baby. Yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, you know, they, they, they have to find the Fremen now. They have to find the Fremen now. Uh, 
they they decide that, hey we're gonna be like the friend we gotta wait until it's it's dark out whatever um so they do end up you know walking uh without rhythm uh across the desert um and you know they're 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 dragging along they're they're doing all right um but eventually it's to no avail yeah they they hit the drum sand they 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 hit the drum sand which i mean i guess is like a natural phenomena yeah i don't really know it, it sounds like it's just like really like the the way the sand is packed. It's like you really you step on yeah, it's dense. It, it sounds like a drum being beaten when when stepped on. So yeah, so that of course attracts the worm. Yep, and uh, they they gotta they gotta haul ass. Yeah, yeah. That worm is a coming to them. Yeah, well, there's no there's, once you know the worm is on its way. There's no sand walking. It's like you better be sand no. running. Exactly, baby. sand sand running. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and so I mean, this is this is really our this is such a fucking epic shot of the worm, um, just getting way too close for comfort mm-hmm. to Paul and Jessica. Yeah, it feels a bit like it feels a bit like Jaws or something. The way it tears through the sand, you know that that feeling of this this. Uh, kind of like this unstoppable force you know like how how do you avoid that yeah um i don't know yeah like the the sand very much shot like something moving through the water which is how it should be i mean that's how that's how it works uh, for the worms but yeah it's it's really cool and you do get like that big movie moment of like you know if paul was one one step back he wouldn't have made it you know it's like he just the only thing that's missing is like the slow motion leap at the very end where he, he jumps and just makes it to the rock. Like, I mean, and even if I, they do make it to the rock before the worm, you know, apprehend them. But, I mean, they're, they're in super close proximity to the rock. Yeah. So I think in, <laughs> I really feel like in this moment, the worm's like, well, I could just like just like lean down and just like chomp them, <laughs> chomp them real yeah, quick, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're not out of danger you know it's it's you know the the worms don't go to the rocks but like they're close enough where like if the worm like moved in in the wrong way like it could take them down it could kill it could kill them easily you know like it flips around it crushes them like that's a possibility they're not home safe um so then they hear a thumper out in the distance they're like what that's a thumper used to attract worms that's right Somebody's looking out for them. Somebody out there in the desert is looking out for them. Something is th- I they it, you you put your your ear to the ground all of a sudden you hear chumba wumba. Someone's <laughs> yes. tub thumping. Somebody is tub thumping. And it's funny cuz they like they got knocked down. Yeah, but they right, got, but they, they got, got up again. again. They, they got, got up, up again. again. Yeah, that's definitely running theme throughout this movie. Absolutely. I think I epitomized think, in that singular moment. I do think that song was inspired by Doom. Yeah. yeah I mean it has to be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those. I mean, historically, people have always said it's it's Star Wars and Chumbawamba. Yes, right? yes, yep. What else is yep. there? So. I mean, n- nothing. Um, and so uh, Paul does a little Atreides hand signal to uh, Jessica and says, "Hey, we're not alone. We are not alone." No. Nope. And who who do they uh they they find kneeling creepily around them? The Fremen. The freaking Fremen. Yeah. 
led by Stilgar. Yeah, uh, it's it's a good it's it's a good turn of events. It you know uh, you you just escaped the worm, right? And it's like, well, right, we're not out of danger. The the Fremen are are just as uh, threatening to the to the safety of our, our two main characters here out in the desert as anything else. They're a force of the desert, just like the worm, you know. And you got to play by their rules, you know, if you're going to make it out. You know, you got to walk a certain way to avoid the worms. You got to behave a certain way to avoid the the blade of the Fremen, right? Walk this way, talk this way. There we go. Could have been a Chumbawamba song. Could have been. I mean, Aerosmith, Chumbawamba, (laughs) pretty similar. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, no, it's another... I, I do like how the the fremen feel kind of uh ghostly you know they're they're so their expertise is is shown by having them pretty much just appear that happens a couple times throughout the movie um and done to great effect in this scene where it doesn't really show them crawling out of uh, out no, of the rocks. No, I mean, they, it cuts and they are there. They are seen because they want to be seen. Yeah. And that's the only way you're going to see them. Like that's I mean that's exactly what Duncan said when he was looking for them for days and uh didn't see them until they came out to kill him. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, it was, it was showcased very well here. Um, but yeah, Paul recognizes pretty shortly that, uh, that this is Stilgar. Mm-hmm. Let's and so Stil- let's talk about it. About Stilgar. Stilgar. Uh, he's, he's, he's obviously the leader of, uh, of, of his siege. Um, he's like, Oh wait, that's the Duke's son. Yeah, like, oh, he's like, oh, oh, don't I know, I know that? I know that guy. Yeah. Um, and so he's a little bit more forgiving. Um, and he tries to kind of quell the disquiet within the rest of the group, and that that doesn't go entirely according to plan. No, this version of Stilgar here in Denise movie. Uh, I I like a lot. It's uh, Javier Bardem. Some, yeah, right. Yep. Uh, plays him to great effect, and I think makes some really interesting choices. In that, like Stilgar here is portrayed as like very level headed. Yes, very. Uh, you know, like it's <laughs> he 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 is following his his own you know decisions he's he's not going with the flow necessarily like he's he he's very much in control but yeah. like he is not um he 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 is shown to be like in control and in power and as a leader in in a way that's like just very understated you yeah. know he has like a, a quiet power in him mm-hmm. and I that I that I think like speaks to his like level of confidence in his leadership and, and his role as leader of yeah. the uh the Syachir. Um but I, I thought that was really interesting because I always imagined Stilgar as like this huge hulking, like not not stupid, not rabid, but I mean like someone who exercises his power in like loud mm-hmm. ways. Like yeah. I thought of Stilgar as like kind of like a, a a very classic leader who who like just shows his strength on his sleeve like he you know is not afraid to erupt you know to show his power but javier plays him very understated you know but not in a way where he's diminished 
No, I thought no. that was a really cool choice. However, that yeah. came about. I like this Stilgar a lot. I agree with that. Um, I think you can see all of that in their first interaction when um, you know he meets the Duke. Um, I mean, because he walks in very violently and very like, um, I think purposefully like chaotic, uh, and in his presence is very big. I think that's all purposeful on his part. But I mean, at a certain point, he 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 knows it's not needed, and I think he he acts accordingly. Um, so I think his whole demeanor changes when he realizes that it is Paul. Yeah, um, he does. And part of that is because of Kynes. Right? Yes. We know. Yep. Yep. He's like, yeah, well, you know, Liette said leave the boy, but. Yeah, exactly. Let's yeah. take Jessica's water. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, there is there is a, fam- a familiar face in the bunch. Yeah. You know, we finally get to see the girl of Paul's dreams. Before we get to find before we get to her. Oh, the other. The uh, the the man of Paul's dreams, <laughs> the the uh, Mister Advice Giver. Yes, yes. Someone someone who who uh, just wants just just wants to be Paul's friend. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Very very uh, cleverly described as a yeah a friend. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, you know yeah. him. You love him. <laughs> the one. Everyone's the friend. Jameis. We're all friends of Jameis here. Yeah. We're all friends of Jameis. Um, yeah, I mean, Jameis is is the the fremen here with the most to say about these these you know off worlders. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want them. Yeah, <laughs> he, he 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 thinks they need their water. Yeah, they uh they should be dead. That's it. End of story. Right. Yeah. Same deal. Right. Jessica proves herself, shows the weirding way. They're yep. like, okay, you can come with us. Yeah. Yeah. Jameis not having it. Nope. Um. Which, uh, yeah, I, 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 I really like the way this plays out. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, Jameis in the in the movie says uh, he invokes the Amtal rule. You know, yeah. uh, which I think is exactly what it's called. So I, I like that they slip that in. Um, I, I, it, it seems a little bit less about like. Well, no, no. I mean, they, I was going to say it seems a little bit less about like the whole Messiah thing, but I mean, they 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 do say that pretty outright too. So, but yeah, it's it's definitely more like Jameis. I, I think we still get that idea that he has been like slighted. He's been offended. Like we still get the shot of Paul taking him down, taking the Mala pistol. We do, um, we we do, but that's not the explicit reason for Jameis. I mean, he, he wants to fight Jessica first. Like, yeah, right, and right, then right, you're you right. know. Stilgar shoots him down. You can't do that to a side, you know. Um, so then Paul is kind of volunteered as her champion. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get, right, it's like, okay, sun's coming up. We got some problems here. Yeah. But, like, let's, you know, th- there there is a, uh, you know, the Fremen are smart, obviously. They're like, you know, okay, we got some problems to resolve. But we got to take care of, like, the desert, the survival first. Exactly. So uh, they suck it up for the time being, and they they make it back to Syach Tavir, I believe, anyways, right? Is no, that, Or no, they're not there. No, not no, there. I mean, um, Jameis kind of fucks everything up, and they they, they fight first. Um, but I, I, I mean, they definitely go somewhere, or something happens, because the scene where Paul and Jessica and all that shit happens that we're talking about where they're ambushed and they fight 
happens at night, and then when Paul it's, and Jameis face off, it's, it's morning. day. It's uh, the, the um, th- that's why they say they need to get going is because the the sun is about to rise, and so it, it's rising as they're fighting. Essentially. Oh, okay, right. So we, right, they have the fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. that makes sense because then at the end we see them exactly. all walking they're, as a group. They're, they're going walking to, to the yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yep. yeah, I see. Um, but before that, we do meet Johnny. We do. Johnny was kind of as she should, you know, as she was in the book, in the background during the whole. Uh, conflict there and and is like you know i wouldn't have let you hurt any of them to paul and, and he's like what i i think i i think i know you from, i think i recognize you yeah good one um and then she gives him some she gives him the chris knife yes before he he yep. battles uh Jameis and gives him some uh some some not very uh encouraging words yeah you're you're not gonna live but but you you know you should die with honor yeah that's an interesting change yeah right like chani's like yeah exactly you're gonna die but you can die the best way yeah you can yep but in the book i remember i was thinking it's funny that um no one wants paul to die i know because the the fight does happen a little later there is a bit of separation yes true true, they are back at size tabier at this point yep and chani's like really explicitly like doesn't want Paul to die. Um, feels like there's already kind of a, a stake, like a claim, like they have some kind of connection. Uh huh. Um, True. And and people are pretty much like, yeah, Jameis, what the fuck? Like, just calm down, dude. You know. Yeah. But, which uh, yeah. which to be fair, Stilgar really Stilgar is like he's like Jameis, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, be yeah. quiet. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah, be right. quiet, Amtal dude. Amtal rule. Are you serious uh, right yeah, now? Exactly. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, now we have no choice. It's like, it's like Jameis, be still. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that they uh, take the time to portray Chani as as a bit more of like the ruthless Fremen side, which know, I, which I, I I like that a lot. Yeah, it's like um, why why would she why would she, you know, already be showcasing a connection to Paul? Um, yeah, there's, she's there's no she's reason. just following the ways of um, the tribe. Yep. So yeah. exactly, yeah. So I, I I think her portrayal is really good. Like like she she's very dreamy and. You know, inviting in the dreams, and then when you see her in real life, uh, no, she's a friend. And she's, yeah, right. She's, she's like, go, go die. Yep. Go, go, yep. fucking die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, kinder than than most of the fremen, sure, but still. Yeah. She, she's, she, you know, she is still reserved. Yeah. yeah in that way, sure. um, but then we get to the actual battle, the fight itself, the fight itself, which, I mean, this is really Paul's first real fight. Yeah. And. He doesn't realize that it's a fight to the death. No. And so I like that they kept in, you know, that 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 the Fremen think that, that he's toying with uh you know, Jameis and and is is letting him live. He doesn't realize that he can't just surrender. Um and so that that brings a, a, a great conflict to him. I mean, you know, previously he, he has seen visions of, of himself dying in this fight or dying in a fight via knife. Um but at the end, he he realizes. I mean, what what I love particularly is um, when he asks Jameis if he submits. That sends him in, that sends Jameis into just a frenzy. He gets so fucking enraged. That's just like dishonoring him on like a on on such a terrible level. Um, so I thought that that was great acting on on uh, Jameis's part. That was really well done. Um, it's a great scene. I mean, and, and Paul realizes after Stilgar says, "Hey, no, it's to the death, buddy." He's like, and then Paul Paul realizes uh, what he has to do, and he he does it. He kills Jameis. 
He does, yeah. I think that's a really th- – this moment is done well, and I, I actually think that this moment where Paul does kill Jameis landed better for me the second time than it did in the theater. Yeah. I remember thinking that that things concluded very quickly here at the end when I was watching it in IMAX, feeling like um, – feeling like it that they were just trying to wrap up the film like this is the end like you know let's all right Jameis is dead like let's keep going on but I I recognized more of like the I guess the impact and and the weight here on my second watch interestingly enough I really felt like this this is like the true climax of the film more than the battle of Arakeen like this is meant to be the the biggest moment of the movie. You know that Paul has to make this decision, um, and I think the thing that that sells it the most is the music here. When Paul kills Jameis, that's when that part of the score, like it's it's that that uh, I don't know chanting howling yeah. that that like shriek like, yeah the music just like blares and um it i mean i don't know talk about like paul having more than one point of no return moment i mean this yeah, is this is You're another right. one like yeah. he he has to make this huge decision that mm-hmm. forever alters him you know he, he takes a man's life it's all like steps on a ladder because like he would not have been able to do this without first having the tent scene Yes, without yeah, going yeah, through yeah. that and, and being more sure of himself, and uh, so I think it's 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 very much a pro- uh, natural progression from here on out. Yeah, yeah, but it, it it is done well here. It's somehow I feel like the film is able to kind of straddle this line between an intimate knife fight, you know, really just between these these two characters and in. Um, uh, kind of an understated way but like it it also sells some sort of like grandiosity about it like it it does make it feel big at the same time and yeah again like first time i saw it 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 didn't land with me the way that i had hoped it would and and something about it i don't know what but re-watching it i liked this moment a lot i think that it's it's crafted very very well um i like i like Jameis falling to the ground and paul going over to him and like holding his hands um closing his eyes like it really feels like not only is paul's innocence gone but like he's the one who killed it himself know. you know? know yeah i mean that's you know in the vision it's like when you kill you also kill you know, you, you don't just kill the the other person, you kill yourself as well, you know, yeah, part of yourself. Yeah. And so. then, uh, yeah, when, when Paul starts walking away, like, you know, all the Fremen, you could see them, like, he's he's welcomed into the tribe, they're putting their hands on his yep. shoulders, like, they're pretty much, like, congratulating That's him, it, yeah. and Paul yeah. is, like, destroyed on mm-hmm. the inside yep. that he had to do this thing, yep. like, he... He's like corrupted yep. from from that moment on, you know. Mm-hmm. Only sixty billion more. Yes. Yeah. 
You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is for sure a point of no return. One of many, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- then we have, uh, you know, Jessica kind of pleading with Silgar saying, hey, no, he's not part of your tribe. Uh, you get us off this planet. We, we're, we're, we're Kaladin people, you know? And yeah. Paul's, Paul's like, no, mom. This is my home now. Yeah. Mom. Mom. God, you're embarrassing me in, in front, front of, of my, my friends. <laughs> in front of my friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, Paul Paul knows at that point that this is his life. Yeah. Yeah, importantly, right, he doesn't, he doesn't like, shut her down by being that whiny no. 15-year-old no, no, brat. No, no, Nope. He's, like, he, he, he sees the fucking future, yep. man. He's, like, no, this is, this this is how it needs this to be. This is my path. Yep. Yeah, and uh, so I was surprised that this is that this this was the end of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, um, after this we have them, you know, walking off into the sunrise mm-hmm. towards you know Siege to Bear. Yes, and uh, and it, it's it's kind of a bittersweet moment where Paul is simultaneously, you know, he he's still distraught from killing a man. But he's he's also like a little bit excited too for the possibilities of the future um, and this kind of new life that he is embarking on. And Jessica is you know very dubious of the whole thing, obviously. Um, and and so it's just kind of a it's it's a I, I feel like it's a it's a great moment to end on. You don't have a like a stereotypical cliffhanger. You kind of have them walking off into the next adventure like the adventure continues the 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 epic journey continues um so i i really appreciated the way they ended it yeah like chani says you know this is only the beginning i know i mean such a yeah such a clear line that pulls double duty yes to tell the audience like hey yeah uh you want part two you know there's there's more there's so much more yeah um, yeah. So it, it's cool that they're able to have that as a character moment for Paul and um, this, you know, not subtle, but like not so in your face, you know, like nod toward the audience. Like, yeah, there we have so much more of this story to tell yep. you. Make it happen, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that that's pretty solidified in um, Paul seeing the, the worm rider off in the. Yes, the that, that was that was a great. Uh, you know, closing shot. I mean, obviously that's foreshadowing for what happens in part two. Yeah, and it's it's great to have a full body, uh, warm shot at the end too. Yeah, yeah, right. Just like miles long. Yeah, it's yeah huge, it's little, absolutely huge. Little Fremen rider just uh, yeah. going. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it 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 definitely feels like the future is wide open again, for sure. right? You know, it's like uh, just looking off into the, the endless desert. Yep. and you're like, what worm riders? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, because we hadn't. I mean. Obviously, it's been hinted at. Yeah, but we we had not we had not seen it right until now. So that, yeah, was, that was very cool. Be like, oh, that's what kinds of exactly, to do. Like, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I, I I like that a lot. I mean, you could have easily gone to a cliffhanger, like a cliffhanger ending, with like, oh, is Paul going to survive the knife fight? Is is he going to die? But no, I mean, it it came that came to a, a resolution, and it was left on kind of a not a hopeful ending, but like. I don't know. It was it was it was a very exciting way to end it for me. Like that, like you know, it's like ending with just like all the possibilities up in the air, like like right before you. Like yeah, you, know, you can reach out and grab them. Yeah, almost. 
Yeah, it's a it's a tough proposition to end the story of Dune here at you know roughly the halfway point. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of discussions on where they would leave off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I, I I do think that this has a sense of closure to it that is important. Like it's it's hard to give the audience a feeling of like the story that we're telling you is over, but also, you know, so many more things need to be concluded. Like, so then how, how do you have that feel like there's a, um, you know, and, and, an ending that's satisfying. I think they made a really smart decision in, um, having the ending feel like, it was a journey of Paul's change. Like, you know, the story that this first movie is really telling is like, well, how does Paul become a Fremen? You know? So the ending of Dune, you know, it's not about like, Oh, well, how does Paul, I don't know, get his revenge or, or ascend or all those things. Like this is just saying, don't worry about all that. You know, we will, we will get there in due time. But the story we're really telling here is is how does a, a boy of royalty become accepted into the Fremen? I think that's really important to focus on because um, you could have gone down like many other paths um, that like are not as important. Like I, I think the the Lynch film they really focus on the revenge aspect like too much for my liking. I think it kind of gets the point um, misconstrued. Um, so I think I think so far we're off to a really good start. Like that this is like staying thematically um, loyal to, to the story itself. Yeah. Yeah. Of course there's like so many things going on, but um, yeah, that the ending here is strong. Um, Man. Yeah. It, uh, it's good. It's It's damn good. It's a a good, uh, it's a good film. It is. It's, it's a really, it's a really, really good film. Um, anyone out there hasn't seen it you just get off your asses and go see it if you have to watch on hbo max it's still great but you can't beat the imax experience yeah or the theater experience it was meant for the theater um so do what you can to get out there but if you can't just watch it any way you can any way you can um just watch it watch it so we can have another installment yeah i mean at the very least we need one more at movie, least, right? At least one more. We can't. We cannot end like this. That's yeah. uh, no, no way. Yeah. No way. We've already talked about plenty of ideas for uh, the next film. Yes. You know, yeah. Right? Denis, if you, how, if, how are we going to incorporate these things? We yeah. got you back. Yeah, Denis. If if you have um, if if you stumped anywhere in the process of the of filmmaking for part two or further, please hit up the Dune dudes. Yeah, reach out to the dudes of Dune. Yeah, right here. Um, you can find us at DuneDudesPod at gmail dot com. We're on Twitter at Dune Dudes Pod. Uh, I think he has a a lurk a lurker's account. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sure he follows us on yeah. that burner yeah, yeah, yeah. account. Of course he does. Of course um, he does. I don't know. I think I there's so much to talk about. There's so much we didn't cover. Um, so much yet to say. Um, you have anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Um, I mean, you're definitely right to point out. Like how much more? I think we we could discuss so much this more. Film. Like, so, I mean, so much. We're more. at what? Uh, five hours. This is five, five hours, hours. Just over five hours. Yes. 
Um, and yeah, it's like we we kind of just scratch the surface. I mean, that's the thing. Like, um, Dune is a great series to discuss because like it 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 feels like it always rewards closer inspection you know like it's kind of like digging in the sand you know like you're (laughs) it it keeps going down you know like there's there's kind of always another thing to find and, and excavate or connect to something else um I think so, the, the same can be said about this film. Right, right. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. I, I think <clears throat> for as much you know might not have been explored the same way or shown the same way or you know even some things are are omitted. Yeah, I mean uh, the the movie still gets across like the spirit of Dune. I, Absolutely. I think. Yeah, like that's definitely the most important thing because we we see so clearly i mean i guess it's why we keep going back to it but Mm. you know it's so easy to like look at the lynch film and to be like i mean the crazy thing about that movie is it goes almost beat for beat for the book i mean that movie for for all its quirks and oddities i would say is a more faithful adaption of herbert's dune than this movie uh, but we also recognize it's just not a good movie, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Really what you're trying to do is is take Dune and change it into a good movie. And the way to do that is to not turn Dune into a movie, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, you need to cut things out. You need to change them, which is why when when we have these gripes or we, we talk about like oh yeah I, I kind of wish this was in it or like it, ultimately it doesn't detract because there's always going to be hard decisions to make when it comes to, to changing things from one form of art existence into another a book and a movie are not the same you can't alchemize it into into something else and, and retain it in its exactitude like and you're not supposed to like I think a lot of the artistry comes from changing those things i i think it's kind of silly to expect or even to want um an adaption of something that that only recreates what you already know because you've read the book why do you want a carbon copy when you have this opportunity to change or alter something in ways that might be more interesting mm-hmm. or or might even be better at times like we discussed too so yeah, I think I, I think ultimately here, um, regardless of some of the criticisms that I had, like I, I definitely want it to be known that um I think this is a damn good movie. Easily, far and away so far, the best live action interpretation of Dune by you know, miles of worm lengths. Mm-hmm. Like um, because that's it, you know, the core of Dune, no matter what, no matter what tiny details they change, the core of Dune is still alive in this movie. And that's, that's the most necessary thing to retain in any adaption. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. That was well said. Um, <clears throat> I think you are right on all points given. 
Uh, it stands on its own two feet as a film, as well as an adaption to a great book. Um, you almost have to. It almost has to be a separate film that is just inspired by the book. Yeah, you know? right. It, that's it. It has to take its inspiration, but also be a great piece of art on its own. And and so far, it, it has done that. Um, I think I'm gonna wrap things up. Yeah, it's time. Uh, as I said, Denis, oh, can I say one more ahead. thing? Go ahead. What I want to say is, <laughs> on the on the topic of wrapping things up, yeah, though, for real. When we had. Our, our, our previous episode, the discussion on Chapter House, we were like, I don't know, something like 10-ish minutes away from our longest episode. Oh, my God. And I remember thinking, like, I kind of wanted to go out with a bang. I know. I kind of... Oh, man. I kind of wanted... I was like, you know, I, I love... I thought we had such a good discussion on, on the ending of Absolutely. Chapter House. It was this big, huge, sprawling, emotional yeah. talk that you and I yeah. had, and I, I yeah. love what we accomplished there. Same. But I had this tiny feeling in me. A feeling that said, you know, it kind it just kind of irked me just a little bit that it wasn't our longest episode. <laughs> you wanted to beat our, on, on our, the, on the our caps, previous record. Yeah, the, the capstone there. I, I was know, like, let's let's go out with a fucking bang. I hear you. I mean, I hear you. And and here we are. I mean, far and away, we fucking demolished, destroyed it, it. We destroyed it. And this deserves it. Oh, absolutely. Really, it's it's, it's worthy of the of the lakes. Really, <laughs> really, what I want to say is like. This right here has has kind of always been the plan for yeah. the conclusion of Dune Dudes. Yep. Like we've said, you know, we're not really done. We are going to be doing more. Yes. Uh there there's some stuff there's in things, the works here. We already got things some to things announce. percolating. We do. Um, but there is spit in the coffee maker. That's right. But this really is uh kind of like how Dune Part One is its own ending and there's so much more, right? Like Agreed. this really is a kind of ending for dune dudes this is the the true accomplishment of what you and i ultimately set out to do and um i i'm really thankful that we could have as long and in depth as a discussion that we had here not only because yes the film warrants it like yes it's huge and there's so much to unpack and discover but like I, I wanted like a finale. Yeah, this is like the Dune Dudes finale. This is you know? is for all intents and purposes the Dune Dudes finale. Yeah, um, and the rest is is the falling action. You yeah, know? this is the climax, baby. Uh, we we fucking killed our previous record. We we uh, we went in deep, deeper than you know we should have gone. Yeah, probably, and still not probably. deep enough. And still not deep enough. Yeah, and also. This is not even as long as the um, the longest cut of the movie, because <laughs> because yeah. Dune Part One there is a six hour cut that yeah. exists, um, so we're not even there yet, which is crazy because this is a long ass time. Yeah, um, but Denis, you are worth it to us. Connor, you are uh, always worth it. I uh, couldn't be more proud of of the work we've done and the fun we've had over the last year and a half. Absolutely, it has been the most. Um, you know, uh, just satisfying on, you know, an emotional, uh, intellectual and, um, just on, on like a, a, a friendship level mm-hmm. even. Um, yeah, just all around. I, uh, loved every second of it. And, um, all, all I gotta say is, is long live Dune Dudes. Yes. Dune Dudes is dead. Long live Dune Dudes. Absolutely.
Now, take us out. Denis, once again, if you're listening, you can find us at Dune Dudes Pod on Twitter. Um, DuneDudesPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at CorruptedTV. Um, there is more. This is not the last you'll hear from Dune Dudes, but this is the fireworks show that you've been waiting for. Um, Connor, as always, stay tuned. Keep it right here for all things Dune Dudes. And prepare yourselves. One day when Dune Part 2 comes out, we will have our 10-hour finale discussion. Get ready. <laughs> Peace.